This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com.
Wassalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept everything you have done, done thus far in Ramadan and beyond. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us all for our shortcomings and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to sustain a prophetic lifestyle and especially a prophetic thrust as we go into these last 10 nights of Ramadan bi ta'ala. We have a very special program today inshallah ta'ala and we're going to be running for the next few hours. So I'm going to ask you right off the bat Please do share this link, inshallah ta'ala, wherever you're interacting with us from. If it's YouTube, Facebook, wherever it is, please do make sure that you get your family and friends tuned in right now, inshallah ta'ala. Of course, we want to start with the recital of the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Ameen, we have with us here a local to us here in Valley Ranch, Hafid Adam uh, Munshi, who leads us, who is a student of Sheikh Abu Bakr al-Shatri and uh, teaches many of our kids here in the Valley Ranch community, of course, Leads us here in Salat al-Taraweeh. Tafadl Hafid Adam. I can't hear him. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم 
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Ma kana Muhammadun aba ahadim min rijalikum Walakin Rasulullah wa khataman nabiyyin Ma kana Muhammadun aba ahadim min rijalikum Walakin Rasulullah وخاتم النبيين وكان الله وكان الله بكل شيء عليما وكان الله بكل شيء عليما يا وَسَبِّحُوهُ بُكْرَةً وَأَصِيلًا هُوَ الَّذِي يُصَلِّي عَلَيْكُمْ وَمَلَائِكَتُهُ لِيُخْرِجَكُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى وكان بالمؤمنين رحيما تحيتهم يوم يلقونه سلام وأعد لهم أجرا تحيتهم يوم يلقونه سلام وأعد لهم أجرا كريما يا يا أيها النبي إنا أرسلناك شاهدا ومبشرا ونذيرا وداعيا إلى الله 
وبشر المناف وبشر المؤمنين بأن لهم وبشر المؤمنين بأن لهم من الله فضلا كبيرا ولا تطع الكافرين والمنافقين ولا تطع الكافرين والمنافقين ودع اذاهم وتوكل على ولا تطع الكافرين والمنافقين ودع أذاهم وتوكل على الله وكفى بالله وكيلا صدق الله العظيم جزاك الله خيرا حافظ آدم May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and increase you May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you with the best of this life and the next Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Once again to everyone Welcome back to the webathon If you are tuning in right now Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen Last year we we're able to do this webathon right as we got into the last 10 nights. But this year, we're particularly building on the theme that we have started with and lived with throughout this entire Ramadan, and that is the theme of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And I want to walk you back, inshallah ta'ala, a bit as to where this comes from and where this mission comes from. If you have been following Yaqeen's work for the last several years, then you would have noticed that there has been an emphasis on the proofs of the prophethood of the Prophet ﷺ. That was one of the initial works that we had undertaken under Shaykh Muhammad al-Shinawi, which alhamdulillah has now been complete. We have also leaned on the tips that we gained from the Prophet ﷺ, the guidance that we gained from the Prophet ﷺ on how to nurture conviction in our own homes. So we just finished the series, alhamdulillah on prophetic parenting with Sheikh Ibrahim Hindi. And this has been a year in which the name of the Prophet ﷺ was brought up multiple times. And of course, with our brothers and sisters in France in particular, who have struggled to overcome the, the attempted humiliation of the Muslim community there and the attempted disgracing of the name of the Prophet ﷺ. But as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in Nashani Aka Huwal Abitar that those who seek to disgrace the most beloved of Allah's creation, the most honored of Allah's creation, only disgrace themselves. Now for ourselves, the way that we continue to live with the Prophet ﷺ is to hold him with reverence in our hearts, 
to shape our entire lives after his life وسلم, to learn more about him to learn more from him to affirm our belief in him and to continue to affirm the belief that we have in everything that he has given us وسلم, and ultimately to continue our pursuit of the companionship of the Prophet وسلم, and Jannah al-Firdaus. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant that to all of us. Allahumma ameen. You can say ameen even if you're watching from your homes inshallah ta'ala. It counts. So just say ameen when you hear a dua. Say salawat on the Prophet وسلم, every time you hear his name. Stay engaged with all of the duas, with all of the athkar that you will hear over the next few hours inshallah ta'ala. Now how do we bring the Prophet into our lives? This series of meeting Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam focused on the shama'il of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, his blessed description, but it was told in a story-like format, as if we were in Medina, living with our Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, getting to know him alaihi salatu wasallam, getting closer to him, and that's just the beginning. And inshallah ta'ala, the last ten episodes, by the way, are about the worship of the Prophet and particularly seeing the effects of that as we get into the 10 nights in which we seek to push ourselves to the greatest place of worship. But we plan to go further, inshallah ta'ala. It's not just the shama'il, it's taking the shama'il, reading the seerah of the Prophet the life of the Prophet in the context of his blessed description, and then applying his sunan in our lives, applying his lifestyle in our own lifestyles in the best of ways. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises the Prophet throughout the Quran. He praises his akhlaq, he praises his attributes and his characteristics. He praises his mission, he praises his very sending. We have not sent you except as a mercy to the world. And he's a mercy to the world not just because of the mercy that we gain through his intercession or the mercy that we gain through the guidance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent through him. He is a mercy to the world because he teaches us how to access the greatest portion of Allah's mercy as well in this life and in the next. And for those who are in pursuit of Allah and in pursuit of the last day, you have in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uswatun hasana. You have an amazing example. Now all of us know that we fall short. We fall short when we try to follow the Prophet in his worship. We fall short when we try to follow the Prophet in our social lives. We fall short when we try to follow the Prophet in our family lives. We always fall short because he sets the standard of perfection in every way. Every speaker that you're going to hear from today, inshallah ta'ala, that's going to reflect upon what the Prophet means to them and how we sustain a prophetic lifestyle is also you know, going to admit that they themselves are seeking to strive to the standard that they're going to be talking to you about. We're all imperfect and we are all trying to attain as much as we can of the perfect example of the Prophet But at the end of the day, this is a time of striving. And when we talk about bringing into our lives lifelong habits, inshallah that can transform us, that means affirming our creed reforming our character. Affirming our creed means we come out of Ramadan with a greater belief than ever, a certainty that he is Rasulullah He is the Prophet of Allah, that everything that he told us is true The proofs of prophethood are well established in our thoughts, well established in our hearts. And so we affirm our creed, but we reform our character 
in accordance with the character of the Prophet And we can strive every Ramadan in our lives and we will not reach his character But every time we strive, we will attain a greater reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so long as we are sincere in our striving and we will in that process ta'ala attain a greater rank in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hence a greater degree in paradise hence ta'ala a greater positioning with the Prophet وسلم, in Jannah al-Firdaus Alhamdulillah this defines our mission and by the way we're just getting started you are going to see inshallah ta'ala more and more content that comes out about the Prophet over the next year in particular. You're going to see more about affirming that belief, more about reform, reforming our character and I hope inshallah more about how we are trying to trace everything that we do, no matter what subject we are addressing, back to the prophetic guidance from the Messenger and in that process, dear brothers and sisters, I want to talk to you a bit about yaqeen and a bit about what we are seeking to do inshallah. Some of you have just been introduced to our work, alhamdulillah Some of you have been a part of this yaqeen community for the last almost five years. Some of you have been tuning in to Quran 30 for 30 with Sheikh Abdullah Uduru and whoever of our blessed guests has joined us on a nightly basis. Some of you are just coming across our YouTube channel. And by the way, we're almost at 500,000 subscribers. So if you're on YouTube, please press subscribe inshallah ta'ala and continue to spread the word there. You've been interacting with Yaqeen in various ways. But what I'd like to share with you today inshallah ta'ala is that the work that you are seeing has so much behind it that you might not have been able to appreciate. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Yes, we have about 60 million video views and alhamdulillah for that. But every comment that has come in has been even more meaningful than that. And every person that has worked behind the scenes of Yaqeen's over 60 staff members that have worked to put together this work so that you can benefit from it. Each one of them puts in their heart and soul so that we can deliver this in different ways. And so please do make dua for the entire team. It is a team of, of, of seven departments, alhamdulillah, departments within those departments. And it is a team of over 60 people that strive to do their best, that are spending their Ramadan to make sure that you have the best Ramadan possible and that are dedicated to this work. Please make dua for all of them, inshallah. The other thing though, is that you might not know about the breadth of Yaqeen's work. That could mean that you're not aware of the video series that come out throughout the year of different scholars and speakers, alhamdulillah, so that you can benefit from it. Or maybe you're not aware of the curriculum work the over 500 communities, alhamdulillah, that we have partnered with to give free curriculum to, whether it's been Islamic schools or masjids or MSAs, wherever it may be, or maybe the engineering backend and the app technology, or maybe you know the effort of our creative and marketing team to both take this content and package it in the most intelligent and impactful way possible, and then to make sure that when we are drowning out the negative results and the things that come up about our deen, from those that seek to disgrace our Prophet and only disgrace themselves and from those who seek to hinder the blessing of Islam but only in the process end up being a means for its growth. We drown them out as much as we can and we make sure that the positive message of Islam is being seen by the world and inshallah ta'ala we take that to the next level. So whether it's the breadth of the work or the behind the scenes, please do familiarize yourself with all of Yaqeen's work inshallah ta'ala you know, when you're making du'a for people, 
as the Prophet taught us to pray for people behind the scenes. I want you to go on Yaqeen's team website every once in a while and just take a person and make dua for them without telling them, inshallah ta'ala. Pray for them as well. But dear brothers and sisters, I also want you to understand you are a part of this team. Every single one of you is a part of this team. SubhanAllah, it was last year when COVID hit that we did not know what was going to happen to Yaqeen. We didn't know what was going to happen to the nonprofit organizations. We didn't know what was going to happen to the masajid. We didn't know how many people were going to tune into our content. We didn't know the impact, the potential impact that we were to have. And we didn't know what the response was going to be like from the community. It's Ramadan. Every Muslim nonprofit looks to the community for support in Ramadan. But last year, you came through, subhanAllah. It wasn't large donations. It was the amount of people that donated that came through to where we not only were able to maintain, but we were able to grow, alhamdulillah. And we hope you're seeing the results of that growth. Here we are now, and we're still growing, and we need your support, inshallah. We will never charge for anything that we do, all of the resources, whether it is the making of those resources or the packaging of those resources or the delivering of those resources, the curriculum side, the partnership side, all of that. We will never charge for any of it. And this is your work. This is your this is your organization, inshallah ta'ala. And I want you to realize that as you are investing in this organization, you have a piece of the reward of every piece of content that comes out of Yaqeen bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Hence, every single person that's impacted by it, perhaps the same way that you have been, that drove you to donate in the first place bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. So our goal today, inshallah ta'ala, is that we have a thousand people sign up for our last 10 nights donation. Last year, we surpassed that goal, alhamdulillah, and I anticipate, inshallah ta'ala, that we will surpass that goal again, hopefully very soon within the webathon. So if you go to the link below, wherever you're tuning in from, or you go to our website, you can sign up to automate your donations over the next 10 nights, and we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept every single one of those nights donations from you, and we pray that it will be a means as well, wherever Laylatul Qadr falls, that that is one of your charities, inshallah ta'ala, that is accepted. As these last 10 nights come around, dear brothers and sisters, we're not just asking you to support Yaqeen, support your relief organizations, support your local masjids, support your local Islamic schools, support the Muslims that are doing important advocacy work, support the organizations that are working for our incarcerated Muslim brothers and sisters, support as many good efforts as you can as we're getting into these last 10 nights, because these are 10 nights of reward and we are merely asking you to make Yaqeen a part of that, inshallah ta'ala, a part of that portfolio of good deeds that you put forth before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, the one who guides to good is like the one who does it. Inshallah ta'ala, as we continue with the program right now, please sign up with whatever amount that you can, inshallah ta'ala. Be one of those 1,000 donors that joins us today, inshallah, and make sure that you are sharing it with your family and friends sharing the link inshallah however you're interacting with us on whatsapp through your text message through your text messages whatever it may be in the night time and with that inshallah every speaker today is going to talk about the prophet sallallahu in some way and a particular way that we can sustain his lifestyle alayhi salatu wassalam hopefully in our lives inshallah ta'ala beyond ramadan and our first speaker alhamdulillah rabbil alamin is someone that is not unfamiliar to those that have been following yaqeen's work However, her title might be a little unfamiliar. So I'm going to say doctor with emphasis. 
Dr. Tasneem Al-Qiq, alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, who was one of the first fellows at Yaqeen, who has been a part of Yaqeen really since the very beginning, alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, who has a lot of people, uh, blessed elders that have been making dua for her to finish her PhD, and alhamdulillah, she finished her PhD. She's also the director of expanded learning at Yaqeen, alhamdulillah. And if you don't know what expanded learning is, it's basically a broader term that covers curriculum. So all of the curriculum that gets made at Yaqeen that is then digested in different ways and distributed in different ways, that comes from her department, alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. And inshallah ta'ala, please do give a welcome to Dr. Dr. <laughs> underline bold, uh, capitalize the R as well as the D just because inshallah ta'ala and make dua for her that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate her, continue to elevate her in this life and in the next as well. Allahumma ameen. Dr. Tasneem Al-Qiq, welcome to the webathon. Assalamu alaikum. Excited to be here with you guys. And it feels a bit different this year, alhamdulillah. I'm happy to say that. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Again, uh, it's so exciting to be with you, be here with you all today and uh, talk about one of the most important things most important aspects of the life of the Prophet among, of course, so many to me personally. And I love talking about this because it has so much value to me and has proven so, so much so beneficial that I hope that inshallah, all of you can walk away with the same degree of benefit. And that is the fact that the Prophet وسلم, when he was asked, uh, oh, ya Rasulullah, what are the best of actions? He said, the best of actions are those that are consistent, even if they are small. And a lot of times we think about this, okay, you know, small, consistent actions, I got it, I do it. No, I mean really embodying and living small but consistent actions will change your life. And, and you see the way that it's changed the Prophet how it shaped the life of the Prophet Someone came to Aisha, a woman came to Aisha, and she asked, you know, You know, how are the, how is the good deeds, the actions of the Prophet you know, you know, in certain days, would he specify certain actions over others? Would he really emphasize certain things and just really go hard on prayer all night? This day, just tell me that secret, you know, what would the Prophet do really, really hard on certain nights so I can embody that, I can live that, that sunnah, and really try to find that secret. So if I, if I do my part on those few days, then I'll be good for the rest of the year. And and Aisha Lana responds that you know Kana Amina his actions weren't like that. He weren't he didn't specify certain you know big actions certain times beyond what Allah what he prescribed for us as Muslims, but rather his actions were Dima and it, they were consistent. And Dima is such a beautiful word to describe the consistency of the Prophet because when he's what Dima is is that that beautiful consistent rain you know when you get rainy days day after day but it's the kind that's just light and beautiful and airy and continues to provide sustenance day in and day out that was how Aisha Lawan had described the actions of the Prophet and because of that you're able when you have those small but consistent actions you're really able to pers persevere in the long run and that the Prophet says that people listen up do what you can handle. The Prophet is telling you this. He never, he never at any point came out and said, you know, this is life. You buckle down and you need to be praying all night. No, the Prophet constantly gave advice and lived a life in which he consistently was connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in so many different ways. 
And he says that Allah is not going to be wary of your good deeds. That only you will end up wearing yourself out if you go, if you if you're too hard on yourself, what's gonna happen? We all know this, we've all experienced it, whether it's with our religious good deeds or with you know our work, our school, our relationships. Sometimes we get so excited. And this happens, and I think this is particularly relevant because this happens after Ramadan a lot. We're so excited, we're fired up. We just read, you know, a lot of us have read the most Quran we've read all year. And so what do we tell ourselves? I'm going to make moving forward. I'm going to pray every single night tarawih, something similar to tarawih in my home. Every, you know, I'm going to start fasting this many days. I'm going to read a khatm of Quran every single month. I'm going to, and we have all of these great ambitions. Keep the energy, keep the passion, but be realistic and choose every single action that you want to take away. If it's, if you want to keep, keep that relationship with the Quran, keep it. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Just tone it down. If you're if you're reading a juz every single day, if you're reading 10, 20 pages, tell yourself, I'm going to read five pages. I'm not kidding. Re- I'm going to read five pages. I'm going to read two pages every single day. Once that becomes a habit, one month, two months, three months in, then you always push yourself. You never want to be static. You want to push yourself. But be realistic. Follow the advice. Follow the practice of the Prophet when he embodied these small but consistent actions. That's the most beautiful to Allah Allah because you're consistently day in and day out showing how much you care and love and worship and value that relationship with Allah Subhanahu and that is something that is the most beautiful in His eyes. So when you're making your, when you're thinking about the last ten nights, yes, push yourself, go hard. This is a time that you really want to energize yourself. But when you're thinking about the long run, those small but consistent actions do not do not devalue them. Because that is something that whether we're talking about specific works, acts of worship, or you're talking about even your lifestyle, this is something that I incorporate in my lifestyle. People, how did you finish your PhD? Well, it's literally just small but consistent acts. And subhanAllah, I always, every time I think about that, I, I, I say, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Like, he gave us the key to everything. He gave us the key to this world. He gave us the key to the akhirah and the, to the next world. And that's something we really want to take advantage of. And, you know, and to conclude just briefly, uh, the Prophet walked into Aisha and there was a woman with her. And he turns to Aisha, she's like, Who's this? Who's this lady? And Aisha's like, Oh, this lady, you know, this is so and so. She's a lady that everyone knows she doesn't sleep at night. She just prays all night. And Aisha's saying, you know how like you there's always that person with that reputation. Oh, that person doesn't sleep. MashaAllah, they are praying day in and day out. That's this lady. What does the Prophet respond? Like, okay, this is not something we want to praise necessarily, because again. What happens is that when someone does this, it takes a toll on your body, it takes a toll on your soul and your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then you feel the burnout, and that burnout lasts much longer. And so really be realistic, do the actions that you can handle, and think about the long run, think about how months into it, you'll be so you'll be so surprised. It'll start off reading two pages, two ayahs of Quran a day, and I promise you it'll end if you're consistent and you push yourself every once in a while, once you're ready to move to that next step, before you know it, you'll have memorized the Quran. And I'm, I, I know one too many experiences, one too many stories that make this all true. And of course, there's nothing more truer or more, more valuable in, in following than the Prophet and the precedent that he set with small but consistent actions. Jazakumullah khairan, Dr. Tasneem. A question for you that comes up. Um, Ramadan is not really a time to be balanced, right? There's nothing balanced about staying up the entire night. There's nothing balanced about fasting, especially in Texas iftar times uh, past 8 o'clock. There's nothing balanced about that, right? So how do you measure the drive to 
push yourself as much as possible in Ramadan while still have habits in the Nahitana that transcend Ramadan? That's a great question. So number one, you know what you've been like before Ramadan when you were setting your goals for Ramadan and you know what your your day-to-day -day looks like afterwards. And so be realistic in terms of what you've been able to push yourself. When you're reading 10 pages of Quran a day and you felt that that has taken a, a toll in terms of your time and your effort, and it's a beautiful effort to, to, to expend, but but really one rule that we were just talking about with the Yaqeen team is have a 10% rule. If you were able to pray eight rakahs every single night, do a 10%, just pray two rakahs. Pray, uh, you know, recite the amount of pages at a 10% level, even if that ends up being just two lines. Read, if you're reading 10 pages every day, read one page. It really depends on your experiences. Ramadan is an opportunity for us to really push ourselves and, and have an opportunity to start with a clean slate. And when you're moving forward, Think about all of the actions that you were able to able to do, all of those actions that you want to make, make habits and think of a 10% rule. If you can push yourself a little more, perhaps 20%, but really start small and there's always room to grow big. Barakallahu fiki. And I think, subhanAllah, there's even the prophetic guidance about shawal in particular. It's sort of your make it and break it right after Ramadan, right? And the fact that we're pushed to fast six days, which is about a fourth of you know the month, the, fast, the fact that we have that, I think, should be a precedent for everything else that we do, inshallah ta'ala, right? That just as you're maintaining some of the habit of fasting, not completely ditching it, you want to keep everything else, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So start off with that. Um, grab a group of friends, fast together the six days from Shawwal, and work together to identify those goals that you want to work on and really have that group, the same group that you, know, you might have been connecting with over Ramadan, to hold yourselves accountable in the coming months, inshallah. Dr. name one more thing. What's your favorite thing about Yaqeen? My favorite thing about Yaqeen is honestly the fact that when people come to me now, and I've been in sort of the realm of Islamic studies for quite some time now, it has made my life so easy because I can just send them a link to a video, to an infographic, a paper. Depending on that person, there's always some form of, a, you know, of an engagement that I know will work with them. So for a younger audience, I can send them this cool animation. For people who are more serious and want to learn more, I can send them this detailed paper. We have so many different ways of really getting the same points across to cater to so many different audiences. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. All right, last question. Your favorite department not named expanded learning? Oh, this is really tough, and it's going to cause some fitna, Sheikh Omar. Um, but no, no I, fitna in Ramadan. You love no all the departments. Fitna. Just your I favorite love all department the department. outside of Ramadan. Outside of expanded learning, expanded sorry. Learning. My, I think I admire the creative department the most. You, I, I can't even tell you how amazingly incredible and talented. I mean, everyone in Yaqeen is, but the creative team, they'll take this like condensed 40-page paper and then make this beautiful picture out of it. I'm like, how did you even do that? That's talent right there. So I really admire the work that creative does, along with, of course, everyone um, at Yaqeen, alhamdulillah. So research, you heard it. Tasneem thinks creative is better than you. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Jazakumullah khair. Uh, alhamdulillah. I mean, there was no wrong answer to that. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you for the time that you give through expanded learning. And may Allah bless all of the departments at Yaqeen that are doing the work that they're doing. Jazakumullah khair for joining us. So a reminder to everyone, inshallah ta'ala, please do sign up at the link below. We are looking for a thousand donors throughout the next few hours, inshallah and share the link with everyone that you know, inshallah. Share the webinar, share the link, make sure that you're one of those signups, no matter what amount that it is, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. 
and we're going to continue to move along. The next guest is, is someone that is very dear to my heart. Um, I wish he would always be with us. Like I wish we could have him every night on Quran 30 for 30. Uh, I wish we could have him for pretty much anything that we do because Alhamdulillah, personally, I benefit every time uh, he speaks and he gives insights on things that I have not thought about. Uh, in fact, the, the Ramadan halftime show that we had done here at BRIC, I mentioned the point that I learned from Sheikh Hassan uh, last year that Sheikh Yasser just said, wow, that's a beautiful point that I've never spoken about. And that was who sent the dog. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you have to go back and listen to it. Or I'll just tell you right now, just so I don't want to leave you hanging. I don't want you to leave the webathon and go look for it. Sheikh Hassan was reflecting on the hadith of the woman who gave water to a thirsty dog. And he said, you know, wasn't it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that sent that dog to grant her an opportunity at salvation? And we never even think about the fact that that was all part of the design and the planning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have Dr. Hassan Alwan, alhamdulillah, who's a senior fellow at Yaqeen, who has been a recent regular, alhamdulillah, in many different ways, who has really brought life to many of our programs, alhamdulillah, and who recently wrote a paper actually on embracing uncertainty in the time of a pandemic. So we love him, we respect him, we're blessed to have him. Tafadl al-Sheikh Dr. Hassan Alwan. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala afdal al-mursaleen Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi al-tayibin al-tahirin wa ba'd. I have to say that uh, we see people the way we are. And uh, the way um, Sheikh Omar sees everybody tells a lot about his heart. It is by the light of our own hearts. It's our own heart that sees things. So Jazakumullah khair and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us better and veil any faults that uh, people can see inshallah in this life and in the hereafter. Uh, I, I would like to start that whenever five minutes or six minutes, we want to speak about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I always am very happy and I'm also very anxious because everything about him is amazing. And that's exactly what Aisha radiallahu anha did when people asked her one time, tell us about something, something most amazing about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Her response was actually tears. She started crying and she said, what can I tell you? Everything about him is amazing, everything. And that's exactly how I feel. But in those five, six minutes, I would like to share uh, something we learned from Muhammad that I think can help us finish Ramadan good. And not only that, uh, stay with us as a trait. He once was sit sitting with the companions, teaching them. See the way he teaches. He asked them a question. Shouldn't I tell you about who hellfire will be forbidden to touch? This is a person that he will not be touched at all by any any type of punishment or torture. And of course, the companions are very excited. Bala ya Rasulullah, who is he? Is he one that, you know, prays, fasts? And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, describes a characteristics that I think we are desperately in need of today. He, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said, Tuharrabu nar ala kulli qareeb, hayyinin, layyinin, sahi. Hellfire will never touch a person who's approachable, lenient, easygoing. Am I an easygoing person? Am I a demanding person? See, sometimes people can be very generous. I can be very kind. I can work a lot and bring, you know, the best of things to my household and the best of things to my kids. But then I'm so demanding on them. What the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us here is that when we interact with people, 
one of the things that people want from us more than more than our generosity is we slip as human beings we have faults we make mistakes myself if i slip right now are you going to be lenient with me how will you treat me when i make a mistake are you going to make things easy for me that's what he sallallahu alaihi wasallam was emphasizing in this and in this month subhanallah we see that in allah himself this is a characteristics that he sallallahu alaihi wasallam embodied and wallahi we look on the month of ramadan and sometimes we look at what we're doing in the month of ramadan and it's great fasting mashallah you know reading the quran great things but have you ever thought what is allah doing for us in this month to enable us to do those things allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the quran Allah wants to make things easy for you. He does not want to make things harder for you. See, that's from Allah himself. So the Prophet indeed embodied that. He makes things easy for us. When you look to Ramadan, fasting one month in the year, all your sins are forgiven. One night, Laylatul Qadr, if you fast or stand and pray, all your sins are forgiven. Uh, but what if I'm not doing much deeds? Can you feed someone? If you give someone, you know, some food for iftar, all what this person did belongs to you. There's so many things that Allah would do to make things easy for us. He wants to give us. Similarly, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa you enter his household. One time he asked, you know, like his wife, any food today? No, we don't have any food. How would I act? He sallallahu alayhi wa says, nawaitu sirah. Halas, let me fast. Another day he asks, uh, any, any food? Well, we don't have except vinegar. Well, look how he makes it easy for them. The best type of food is vinegar. He makes people feel great. He keeps it simple for people. He's not demanding, especially when it comes to worldly things. I finish with one example that uh, I hope teaches us how to do that in a practical way. The Sultan Salah al-Din al-Ayyubi, the great Sultan, the one that liberated Jerusalem, the one that Muslims loved, he was known to embody that concept. And that's why the hearts of people went around him. One time, in a very difficult battle, the Battle of Akka, that took three years fighting, you know, the Third Crusade with the kings like Richard, the Lionheart. And it was a very difficult battle, and there was disease, and people started dying, and, you know, an epidemic. And he himself got sick, and he, they take him to his tent, and they describe he can sit up and very worried about what will happen to the city of Hakka in that battle. And he asks, can you please get me some water? One of the servants goes and he gets apparently some very hot water. He trips and he spills it on the Sultan. And everybody was, what will happen? What will happen? The Sultan will... And Salah al-Din looked at him and he said, can you make it colder, please? And the man rushes, alhamdulillah, see, he's easy. And he gets ice cold water. He goes in, he trips. He spills it on the Sultan again, two times in a row. And everybody said, you know, that guy is gone, you know, hot water, cold water. And Salah al-Din looks up to him and he tells him the following, if, we, if you want to kill me, let me know and do it quickly, please. Making people at ease sometimes requires humor. The best use of humor is not to put down people, is to relieve people. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it a source of, make us a source of ease. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us easy going with people and that he would be easy going with us on the day of judgment. And jazakumullah khair.
Hafizakallah, uh, Dr. Hassan, always beautiful insights. I have a follow-up question for you. You know, we often have to balance between talking about the leniency of the Prophet and the mercy of the Prophet in a way that still drives us. Sort of like how when we always go between hope and fear in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how do we come about a very well-rounded understanding of the Prophet where we appreciate his leniency, we appreciate his mercy but we also drive ourselves to worship like him and be like him. SubhanAllah Shaykh, uh, of course, uh, very difficult for me to answer when you're there. I would rather hear the answer from you, SubhanAllah. But uh, yani, I, I would say the following, knowing Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the totality, right, drives us uh, to be better in every aspect. They say a very profound statement, La yukhrijaka min al-wasf illa shuhud al-wasf. Nothing will make you exit the, the vices, the, you know, the, the specific characters that you have or nothing will make you uh, acquire good characters except if you witness this good character. Witnessing, witnessing, being able to see whether in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa seeing his leniency, the way he treated his wife, the way he treated the companions when they slept, the way he, uh, the way he ate, the way he worshipped, the way... When we see that, one can't help but love him. And love enables one to follow. They say... When they even want to define what love is, the whole sifat al-mahbub ala muhibbi ala al-badal. You know, when you love someone so much, you love what that person loves. And I can give you many examples. My daughter, for example, like I always say this example, uh, it's one minute. Uh, when I grew up, uh, I grew up with boys. So girls for me was something, I, I don't know how they play with dolls and weird things and so when I was informed, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be expecting, I said, Ya Rabbi, if it's a boy, I know how to handle him. You know, sword fighting, you know, whether it's like, you know, playing soccer. But a girl, you know, Barbies and like whatever toys, like, I don't know how to do this. And indeed, I got, I was blessed with a baby girl. And guess what happened? One year later, I loved playing with dolls. I loved butterflies. Why? She loves them. I love them. So loving someone makes whatever beloved to that person be beloved to you. So if he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, loves leniency and loves forgiving, and I love him and I love what he loves. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to love the right things, inshallah. Allahumma ameen. Jazakallah khair, Dr. Hassan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you. And truly, subhanAllah, what you mentioned, I thought I was the only weird one with my daughters, but the problem is, Shaykh, once you start loving them, and you start loving what they love, they move on to something else. So we have to figure something else out. But alhamdulillah, I mean, for the blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us, the Prophet sallallahu loved what Allah loved, and we love him because of Allah's love for him sallallahu And hopefully that pushes us to follow him. Say, if you truly love Allah, follow the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa and Allah will love you back. Shaykh, in just 30 seconds, inshallah ta'ala, you have seen all of these noble efforts and organizations. You live, alhamdulillah, in SoCal, where there's so much that happens over there that is blessed and that we support many organizations and schools and seminaries. What do you think is unique about Yaqeen and how it has impacted you or impacted people that you know? Oh, subhanAllah. Uh, impacted me, of course, on a personal level, as you said, being with the people in Yaqeen. Wallahi, nothing, it makes my day. I have no, I, I can't even describe for you what it's like behind the scenes. 
to see those dedicated, sincere, hardworking, intelligent people doing things and mostly every, the contents are for free. Every time I sit with the people in Yaqeen, we have some people here like uh, Imam Uthman, Umarji, and Wallahi, it opens my heart. This is on a personal level. When I see my own daughter coming to me, she, she's alhamdulillah in the university now, and she's telling me whenever I have a paper or something, I, the first thing I do is I check Yaqeen Institute. Do they have anything to say about that? That's a direct impact that I can see it impacted my own family members. It impacted me. So there, there is countless examples. I can't even enumerate. And you certainly have been a part of that impact on many other families through your work with Yaqeen and others. May Allah subhanahu wa preserve you and reward you, our dear beloved uh, Sheikh Dr. Hassan Adlan. We hope to see you again, inshallah ta'ala soon. Jazakumullah khair. Barakallahu fikum. So we have good news, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. We are already now over 140 signups, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. So we're making progress, inshallah. We're already past a tenth of our goal. Please continue to share the link, inshallah ta'ala, both to the webinar as well as the sign-up link and make sure that whatever amount, inshallah ta'ala, it is, that you are a part of this khair amongst the portfolio of good that you are putting forth in the best nights of the year, in the nahi ta'ala. Our next guest, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen, is Dr. Rania Awad. And her topic fits what she has meant to us perfectly. And she has done a series on holistic healing through Yaqeen. She's done a lot of work, alhamdulillah, on trauma, on how to comfort people, but comfort people with clarity and purpose and move them to the next level. And her work is not just through Yaqeen. Her work is through the Khalil Center. Her work is through Stanford. Her work is through so many different efforts. I think because of the rarity of what she brings, alhamdulillah, we have all been excited to benefit from her. And we're certainly blessed to have her as a part of the team at Yaqeen. So with that, inshallah ta'ala, Dr. Rania, Barakallahu feek, Imam Omar, mashallah. It's wonderful to be here with everybody in Yaqeen. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wa sallallahumma ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam ajma'een. Subhanallah. One of the most beautiful things about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that we are meant to really learn is how he were to comfort a person who is distressed. I think about this, subhanallah, in a time such as now that is very difficult a time that we are still in the pandemic inshallah emerging out of it but a time that's been very very stressful for so many of us and as we know mental health has really been the needs have been really at a rise at this moment in time more than ever before and i go back to my inspiration of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and see how did he deal with anybody who was feeling down or feeling uncertain about what's happening around them or feeling distressed. And one of my most favorite ahadith of the Prophet is an interaction that he had with a young Sahabi, which that in itself is amazing because when you think about the Prophet and all that he had to do, all of the work related to the ummah and to the spiritual advising, but also the expansion of the ummah and so on, that he was attuned to the needs of every single member of his community even the young children. And so this particular hadith is a very short hadith, but we derive so much meaning from it. The Sahaba, Abu Talha, and his wife, Umm Sulaim, were two Sahaba that the Prophet ﷺ would often visit, along with their son, Anas ibn Malik. But there was also a younger brother, and his name was Aba Umayr. And Aba Umayr one day was very sad, and when the Prophet ﷺ visited his home, he noticed that Aba Umayr was very upset. 
And now look what the Prophet did. Put yourself in his shoes with me for just a moment here. He didn't walk right up to him and say, what's wrong? And he didn't question him. Rather, we talk about people's IQs. What about people's EQ, their emotional intelligence? The Prophet was emotionally attuned, so he asked a family member and said, what is happening with Abba Ahmed? Why is he sad? And they told him, they said his pet bird had died. His pet had died. Now he's a young boy and he's very sad about the death of his pet. Now the Prophet could have brushed this off and he could have said, I don't have time for this. Or one of many things, but instead look at what the Prophet did and let's learn together. How do you comfort someone who was distressed? He went to Abu Umayr and he very playfully said to him, a very beautiful hadith, very short, six words only, sisters and brothers. But the scholars like Ibn Hajar and others have said that we have derived over 60 rulings out of a six word hadith. He said to him, Ya Aba Umayr, ma nugayr. Look at this, look at the beautiful Arabic. He asked him, oh Aba Umayr, which is the boy's name, what did the nugayr do? Nugayr is another way of saying bird. And look at the eloquence of the Prophet ﷺ. He was able to have the most meaning and impactful meaning in the shortest number of words. And he rhymes the name of the boy with the name, one of the ways of saying bird. And he asks him, not what did you do to the bird, but what did the bird do to comfort him and to make him understand that it's not his fault? And what we learn from this is that he didn't judge him. He didn't tell him, don't feel this way. He didn't tell him a believer should never be upset or grieve or sad. <laughs> he didn't launch into an entire khutbah. He didn't tell him there are more birds out there or more fish in the sea. He came to his level and understood that this was his loss. And he was sad about it. And people often say, well, if it isn't a war and bombs falling down and the trauma is a really big thing, why should you be sad? And they judge people or they blame them or they tell them, get over it. This was not the way of our Prophet ﷺ. When he saw someone who was distressed, whatever it may be, at their level, it was their distress that he went to their level and actually helped them and saw them through the difficulty they were going through. And because of that, subhanAllah, we learn to engage people at their level and to recognize their emotions and to not brush it off. And subhanAllah, this is the way of our Prophet and the way of our noble predecessors and how they understood holistic healing and well-being. And I pray inshallah that we learn from this and we learn how to comfort others and how to really be support systems for others. And we learn inshallah ta'ala that all types of healing are important. Insha'Allah. Barakallahu feekum. khairan, Dr. Rania. In just a few seconds, maybe a minute, if you could share how Yaqeen, in your mind, plays that role. You've seen these different efforts, these different organizations. How is Yaqeen uniquely, but in the nights, out of playing that role of comforting people with clarity? Thank you so much, Muhammad. I really, I really think that Yaqeen is playing such an important role in this because when we look at taking on and tackling subjects that are sometimes difficult to tackle, particularly the one about trauma, mental health, 
kind of proof. You're going, Yaqeen is going somewhere that some uh, of our organizations have not yet fully been ready to go. Some things that are stigmatized or even taboo, we are tackling and dealing with and actually unraveling for people and bringing back, this is the most important, bringing back that Islamic legacy and tradition of healing that over time we have seemed to have lost, mashallah, but we are reviving that. And I think that's one of the most important things Yaqeen is doing. Barakallahu fiki. May Allah subhanahu bless you for the work that you do for Yaqeen and for all of those organizations. The way that you inform our community, the way that you comfort our community. It's truly been a pleasure to have you on board, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen, and to be able to benefit from you. Barakallahu fikum. Likewise, mashallah, please keep us in your du'as. And you as well. Barakallahu fiki. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen, everyone. Good news that we are, according to my latest count, at 192. I know that we're moving, inshallah ta'ala. And I'm getting the numbers sometimes a minute or two late, but that's the, the pace at which you are responding, alhamdulillah. So we're at a fifth of our goal. You know, inshallah, we can double the goal, but we'll get there when we get there, inshallah ta'ala. But please keep on sharing the webathon. Please keep on sharing the link, inshallah ta'ala, and participate and sign up in any way that you can, inshallah ta'ala. And now I'd like to introduce and bring on uh, one of my two co-hosts for the night, alhamdulillah. But the esteemed vice president of Yaqeen. And uh, Dr. Altaf Hussein is not just the vice president of Yaqeen. Honestly, he has been there in the development of pretty much every beneficial Islamic organization in some capacity, whether you knew it or did not know it. Uh, he's been behind the scenes, engineering efforts, working to bring people together, mentoring so many of us on the on the da'wah scene to make sure that we are constantly focused. And when we first started Yaqeen and Dr. Altaf immediately saw something within Yaqeen, alhamdulillah, that was different and saw a vision that he was a part of putting together, alhamdulillah, that brings in the best practices, but also has the best effort, inshallah ta'ala, and a long-term vision and trajectory. Dr. Altaf, jazakallah khair for everything that you have done for Yaqeen, because I know you're going to be the co-host now, and so you're going to take this over. So. On behalf of all of us, Jazakallahu Khaira for all you've done for Yaqeen and for all of the organizations that you've been a part of putting together and guiding, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. And I'm excited to now pass the baton back to you, inshallah ta'ala, uh, to be our co-host. And inshallah ta'ala, I will be back on uh, shortly. Dr. Jazakallahu Khaira, Shaykhna. And you are tall, so you uh, pace quite fast. And mashallah, we reached almost 200 donors uh, right at the beginning. أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. My dear respected brothers and sisters, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi taala wa barakatuh. Let me go right into it. As you are watching, as you're getting settled in, if you've just joined us, um, and if or if you've uh, been, you know, since the beginning about an hour ago. We are in for a special treat, mashallah, tabarakallah. And as you are watching and benefiting and making dua, as Sheikh Omar said, we want you to really consider what does yaqeen mean to you and how can you support yaqeen? When you make dua for us, our team benefits and we produce, mashallah, we continue to produce great content. And in the time that we're together today, we want you to reflect and what are your favorite aspects of yaqeen institute and inshallah support and continue to support. So. The, the last 10 nights campaign is really where the attention is now because we've reached that point. We never thought, subhanAllah, we'd be in a second, we'd be in a pandemic and have a second Ramadan during the pandemic. But that's what Allah willed. But here we are and we're making the most of it. So let me continue, inshallah. 
to uh, bring on our next guest, who is actually not a stranger to you at all. If you watched Quran 30 for 30 last year, if you're watching Quran for 30 for 30 now, mashallah, Sheikh Abdullah Uduro, uh, who we're going to bring on now, is is really someone who you know we benefit tremendously from. So we are asking, inshallah, inshallah, as he addresses today uh, on on the topic of treat your spouse like he did, like the Prophet did. Let me introduce who he is. He's a fellow at the Institute, but also the head of Convert Resources. And this really is something amazing because he does all this while also being the Imam of the Islamic Center of Kapel in Texas. So Sheikh Abdullah you know, supports several initiatives at Yaqeen from conviction circles to doing voiceovers, which are always very entertaining because you never actually know Mashallah, the genius behind that voice. And here he is, Mashallah, co-hosting Quran 30 for 30. And somewhere in there, he finds time to work out. I have not <laughs> discovered how he does it, but alhamdulillah, he does it. So, Sheikhna, uh, uh, we want to you know, also remind, by the way, uh, that the Yaqeen Basics, the, the pro initiative that we have, which provides integral resources, Mashallah, such as the five pillars made plain, he and others are really behind it. Faliyat Fadal Sheikh Abdullah Uduro. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa la amma ba'ah. I'm trying to get good, so I'm going to put my timer on. I know myself, you know, uh, I'm affecting Sheikh Omar on the 30 for 30s. We're going like for two hours or something like that, so I'm going to do my best. And uh, being introduced by Dr. Altaf. Dr. Altaf, I don't know if you know, but you're one of the most, you're one of the funniest individuals I know. I love your humor. And as was mentioned here many times, I love your, many times, I love your beard. Mashallah, it looks nice. And I see that you have the Yaqeen pin right there representing to the fullest. Uh, mine is somewhere back here. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm delinquent. I'm, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not as good as you are, Sheikh. Mashallah, may Allah, the beard and the emblem. I mean, you just represent it. To, and it has the contrast with the shirt. Mashallah, to Barakallah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Prophet with, with his wives and how the Prophet treated his best friends. And I want to call him his best friends because SubhanAllah, we see that Abu Bakr was mentioned that he was the most beloved to him, and also Aisha radiallahu anha was mentioned as the most beloved people to him, along with Khadija radiallahu anha kadalik as well. But let's just start from the beginning of the Risala. I mean, when the Prophet received the message of revelation, and he was told, and he said, not He said, I'm not able to read. I always tell you know, every Muslim that had the opportunity when talking about the revelation of the Prophet, he received it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala received recited the you know the first five verses of the chapter of to him where he left and he left hurriedly and some scholars mentioned when he reached down into the valley on the way back home to his, his wife Khadija radiallahu anha and so the was, was given to him portions of it and then when he when he when he reached Khadija radiallahu anha the hadith is narrated that he laid he was laying in her lap they said he said they're very I fear for myself this immediately is a very important reminder for us as husbands, for us as uncles, for us as young men that want to know how the best of human beings, the best of creation that we live, how he dealt with his wife. And this is his first wife, Khadija Radhi who was older than him and who was his business partner, somebody that's in his boss to a certain degree. To understand that subhanAllah, he went in business with her and subhanAllah, when he was in this situation, and he was laying in her, in her thigh, and he, he was laying on her thigh, and he, he said to Allah, 
Sheikh Abdullah. Yes. Sheikh Abdullah. Yes. Your audio. I got to come back and bless it. You missed me. I missed you. I'm not here. So your audio is cutting out. So, Bismillah, let's see if we can stabilize it now. Okay. Is it good now? See that? Anytime yes. you're having communication issues at home, just call me over, Sheikh. <laughs> Are you playing with me, man? No, I'm serious. It was cutting out, but I think we're good now, inshallah. Okay. All right, have that. Let's try that again, inshallah. Start over. Um, I no, just 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 pick up where you were, inshallah, Tana. Yeah. All right. Wow. Okay. okay. Um, oh, it's okay now. Alhamdulillah. Uh, just continuing on with the portion of life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but you know, seeing how the Aisha radhiyallahu anha, jazakallah khairan. I see how you say, mashallah. Seeing how the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Aisha radiallahu anha would always, there's a hadith that she would, when she was sleeping, she would wake up and she would reach for him. She would reach to see where he was. Because at that time, we didn't have the lights. So we have these lights here. It's just a flick of a switch. But subhanAllah, there would be times where she would narrate that she would reach for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So there's one time, for instance, where she reached for him, she felt the bottom of his feet. And she heard him making, she saw that he was making sujood when she felt the bottom of his feet because he was in prostration. And he would say, Oh, the one who makes the hearts firm, make my heart firm on your religion. So Aisha radiallahu anha would do what is called, some, some scholars call it uh, of psychology, attachment theory. To where when you think of your husband or your wife, what, what is the, the subject matter that you may attach them to? So Aisha radiallahu anha, she said about him when he was asked about his manners, as many of us know, she said, Meaning that his life was an exemplification of the Quran. 
that he acted out the Quran, that whatever he did was in direct correlation to the message that he was responsible for. He was responsible to relay this message. So when the Prophet makes these statements, we should know that it is ultimately what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. So Aisha, there's another incident where she was reaching and she felt his hair. And the Prophet said, he asked her, he said, He said, has shaitan affected you and entered you? And then she said, she asked him, do you not have your shaitan? Oh, Messenger of Allah. And he said, Bala. He said, of course I do. So this response of the Prophet ﷺ shows the human side of them. And this is what's so beautiful, particularly when you read a hadith of Aisha, a hadith of Anas a hadith of Umm Salama Kadalik as well. You see that the human side of the Prophet ﷺ, he was very compassionate, very affectionate. He allowed his vulnerability to be expressed with his wives, always showing that level of softness and patience with them. Also, when the Prophet ﷺ said that, his, yes, I have my own shaitan, he acknowledged it. But he said, my shaitan aslam, qad aslam. And that was by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And lastly, how the Prophet ﷺ would seek consultation from his wives. If many of us don't know of how the, the, you know, the, the portion of Hajj where we shave our heads, the Prophet ﷺ ordered his companions at that time to shave their heads. He mentioned that Allah has ordered them to shave their heads, so he wanted to shave his head. And he saw that they were all staring at him. So he rushed back to Khadija and he, he went back home and he was flustered, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and not Khadija, Umm Salama. Umm Salama asked him, what is the problem? He said, I ordered them to shave their heads and they didn't do it. So Umm Salama radiallahu anha told him, look, basically she said, you shave your head and then they will follow you. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did such then upon that, they followed him. So seeing the Prophet ﷺ taking advice from his companions, from the companions of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, they are the mothers of the believers. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us as men to act as men by honoring the women in our families and honoring the ones that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen to be our partners to get to Jannah, inshallah. Barakallahu Thank you so much, Sheikh uh, Abdullah. Uh, we're really sorry about the... Uh, the noise issues um, it's not you us inshallah we'll do better um and uh, and uh, so as, as we close up i just wanted to ask you know, mashallah you've been um with yaqeen and you yourself are contributing so much what is um uh, if you can tell us what is one way that you believe yaqeen has impacted your community because you're an imam and maybe you get feedback from the community in terms of what yaqeen has done what's one way you can think of Oh, there's, there's numerous, but one of them is, uh, subhanAllah, I love the practicality of Yaqeen, particularly the conversations, the conversation decks that you have, that Yaqeen provides from, mashallah, the team, and particularly, you know, the curriculum development team that brings down these research papers and they take the gist of them or what they feel is conducive for an environment that would want to uh, get involved with conversation. So the conversation decks, I do it with the youth groups that I, that I work with here. Uh, and it's very, very beneficial. It, it, it sparks conversation. It sparks a lot of questions from the youth, which further allows them to be educated and to move on further to the other resources as well. Thank you so much, Sheikh. And uh, last night I caught you with Sheikh Yasser Birgis, mashallah, raising some uh, some high dollars. And uh, I was thinking, man, these two guys both work out. Who wouldn't want to give if they're asking? Mashallah, may Allah bless you guys. And, uh, All right. So let me let me move on now. Thank you so much, Sheikh. Now we'll be we'll see you. You have off night for Quran 30 for 30. So we'll see you tomorrow, inshallah. Let us move. Uh, keep moving, brothers and sisters. I'm getting the update now, mashallah, that nearly uh, 266 
mashallah, mashallah, in the first hour and about five minutes that we've been online, 266 of you have signed up for the last 10 nights campaign. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahumma ati munfiqan khalafa, may Allah replace that which you are spending and indeed accept from you. Let me move and bring on our next guest, who also it has been integral, especially in the series that we do on mental health and trauma. Sister Najwa Awad, mashallah, is a psychotherapist who is passionate about helping Muslims, Allahu Akbar, and not only you know through her profession, but particularly uh, helping them to heal, to grow, and to thrive after adversity. With over a decade of experience counseling children, adults, and families at her private practice, practice she, uh, Sister Najwa, um, uh, Najwa enjoys uh, helping uh, destigmatize mental illness and really address mental health issues within the community, as well as promote psychological health from an Islamic perspective. She is known for her pivotal work on the trauma series along with our beloved sister Sarah Sultan, and they're currently working on an upcoming series on building resilience in children. And who doesn't need help building resilience in these children that we stuck with, oh, not stuck with, I'm sorry, that we've been with, mashallah, for the, in the pandemic for the year. Join me in welcoming right here from the DMV, sister Najwa Awad. How are you, sister Najwa? I'm good, how are you? Mashallah, welcome. So we're going to let you get right into the message and I'll catch up with you right after you talk, inshallah. Sure, this sounds great. Um, so going along with the uh, with the whole theme of uh, the process, I'm showing affection to his wives. So I'm going to be talking about showing affection to, to your family and your loved ones just in general. Uh, SubhanAllah, like in the, in the last 10 days and nights of, of Ramadan, we hear so much and we talk so much about our our um, our abada, our our fasting, our salah, zakah, everything you would expect from from uh, you know thinking and reflecting about Ramadan. But you know something that is missing from from the conversations is uh, as Sheikh Abdullah Ador was talking about the the importance of how we deal with other people, the affection and the mercy and the love that we show to uh, to our loved ones uh, and those around us. And you know the Prophet ﷺ, he said, indeed, among the believers with the most complete faith is the one who is best in conduct and the most and the most kind uh, to his family. And we know that good character, showing mercy towards other others, um, you know, even being affectionate towards others, can be a form of worship when we when we make the intention. Uh, Subhanallah, when we reflect on the life of the Prophet ﷺ, um, he was he was a very good man, a very good husband, Sallam, to to his wives. But even the people around him, uh, he was a, a great communicator. Uh, when people sat with him, they felt like he listened to them, that he valued them, um, that you know his attention was all towards them. And um, we know that with his daughter uh, Fatima anha, he when she would come in, he would you know he would he would stand up, he would greet her, he would kiss her. Um, and, and not just with his with his family and, and and loved ones, but he was also affectionate towards those around uh, around him. He had a playful nature, um, and, and people really loved and valued his his company. So we know that, uh, of course, while the other forms of ibadah are, are so important in Ramadan, also we can make the intention and we can go out of our way to uh, to show love to to those around us. And with mental health, you know, it, it's kind of common sense, right? If you are good to the people around you, if you show affection and love to those around you, then people are going to feel good and then they're going to show, they're going to reciprocate and they're going to show that affection 
you know, back back to you. But there's other mental health benefits as well. Uh, we know that when we when we touch others and we hug others, that uh, we we release oxytocin. Uh, we um, we it reduces our, our stress hormones, and there are there are physical benefits as well. You know, it lowers blood pressure, um, and research also shows that when when we are affectionate towards other people we tend to have better days and for a lot of us when we have better days we're better with our ibadah uh, when we feel good we might be more inclined to do that that the extra prayer um, or to to you know go out of our way to do something good for somebody else um, so uh, it's a it's a form of worship and it's and it's, it's very uh, good for us subhanallah um, and so as as we get into the last ten nights, and and um, you know we're focusing on our really important parts of ibadah, you might be wondering, well, you know, shouldn't I be focusing on those things and not my family, uh, you know, as much? And you know, research shows that it's not it's not how much time you spend with your family; it's the quality time of your family. So it's not even that this has to take away from from um, your acts of worship. But it's just maximizing that quality time. So it could be, you know, reading a book about Ramadan to your child or a books about, you know, the names of Allah. It could be, uh, you know, doing iftar together, prepping, having the intention of, of feeding other people. But you could do that with your family. So it's like maximizing the time you have by having multiple intentions uh, of worship. And um, so it's a very easy thing to incorporate in, in the last 10 nights. And um, if, if you're not affectionate, if you're like, well, I'm not that kind of person, you know, we, we strive, we strive to, to adhere to the sunnah. But, you know, if, if hugging others or, you know, is not, uh, is too much for you or it doesn't make you comfortable, you can always, you know, you can sit close to, to your parents. You can sit close to your child. You can, you know, pat someone on the back of, uh, you know, on their shoulder or whatnot. There are, are many ways to show affection, even if not physical, with your words, with your actions. Um, and, you know, if, if your family thinks that's weird, it's probably a good indicator that you're not doing it enough. Uh, so it's a good sign to, to maybe start, start something new within, within your family. Um, and uh, mashallah. So, it, you know, it's, it's a great act, of, it's a great act of, of worship. And then also, you know, it, it's a wonderful way of cultivating a nurturing, supportive uh, household. As even you know, I'm a parent, Dr. Altaf. You know, we're, we're, a lot of us are, are, are parents. Our kids and our loved ones they they remember what we say, but a lot of but you know, research shows that they 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 also um, they remember how we made them feel. How you make people feel is um, it's a very powerful way of uh, you know not just leaving your legacy behind, but that's what people remember how you made them feel. So if you know, the last 10 nights you're busy and you're caught up with all these other things, and surely your whole family will benefit. But if your family, you know, a year from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, they reflect back and, and they say, you know, we had we had such a, we would have wonderful Ramadans. We would break our fast together. We would pray together. It was a time that we had a, love, a lot of love for each other. We would spend time with each other. And that's, you know, a great way of getting good deeds. But it's also planting the seed of Islam in your children's hearts and the people around you in their hearts as well. It's, it's a form of dawah because people see that you're not just doing, you know, good deeds, of course, for yourself, but when they see that beauty of Islam, they see that beauty of the, of the character of the Prophet through you, then that will incline them uh, towards, uh, towards Islam. 
so may Allah, you know, facilitate and, and make us the best of those who are, are good uh, to our families. So we're short of time, but in one word, what would be a word that you would say comes to mind when you think of yaqeen and the resources? And you can look at any part of the ceiling you want. You can right or left. <laughs> Does it have to be one word? I would say impactful. It's impactful. It's impactful for my community, for my clients. It's mashallah. It's been an amazing, amazing, tremendous resource. Inshallah. And give uh, salams to Ustaz Khalid, inshallah, and we'll be back in touch with you. Thank you so much. Salam All right. So let's keep the prayer moving, inshallah. And uh, as uh, Sister Najwa said, you know, these children are a handful at home here where we're praying all the time together, mashallah, because of the pandemic. We've got children doing surahs on demand. We're like, hey, get ready for prayer. They're like, hey, can you do it? I'm like, this is not, you know, surahs on demand, imam on demand over here. I'm trying to be a good father lead you in prayer. I'll do whatever comes to my heart. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So let's move on. You've, mashallah, uh, been been uh, stepping up and really supporting in every which way possible. And we are really grateful to you. So the update right now is that we're at 290, mashallah, people who have signed up with the uh, last 10 nights campaign. So I'm moving on, inshallah, to if you think, Sheikh Abdullah was talking about my beard, Wait till you see our next guest, mashallah. Uh, you know, the, w one of the, the, the mashallah, well-kept, well-kept scholarly uh, beards, mashallah, in the in the history of, of beard keeping in New York. So I'll limit it so that in case we don't get fights from Texas and other places where the water runs uh, differently. Sheikh Shinawi, uh, Muhammad Shinawi is a fellow at Yaqeen, mashallah, is also the mom and religious director of the Islamic Education Center of Pennsylvania, contributing across several topics, which is what's amazing about several of our scholars, mashallah. Sheikh Muhammad most notably has written a series of papers on the proofs of prophethood. And what a beautiful, beautiful way to on, because this today is all about sustaining a prophetic lifestyle. And inshallah, we're looking forward to having Sheikh, uh, Sheikh uh, Muhammad, inshallah, address us on the topic of maintaining Ramadan habits like he did it. We begin the name of Allah, all praise and glory be to Allah. And may His finest peace and blessings be upon His Messenger Muhammad وسلم, and His family and His companions and all those who tread His path. We ask Allah to grant us and you and everyone on this webinar who, or who will watch it later a life upon His blessed path وسلم, and a death while adhering to His guidance and a drink from his blessed hand on the day of judgment, and a glance at the face of his Lord and ours, Allahumma Amin. I know that I, I don't have much time, uh, but I have to make a disclaimer and that I am very reluctant about the topic because maintaining after Ramadan runs the risk of uh, getting people to look beyond, uh, look past the last 10. And of course, the last 10 of Ramadan are uh, worthier uh, and are more impactful than the first 20 combined. And only Allah knows if we will ever meet another Ramadan or another last 10. But how did the Prophet ﷺ maintain after he did his very best in Ramadan and in the last 10 of Ramadan? Uh, first of all, he realized that he couldn't. This is the key. You know, the most frequent dua as Anas and Umm Salama, may Allah be pleased with them both, narrate that the Prophet ﷺ would make is, Ya Muqallib al-Qulub, Thabbit Qalbi ala Dinik, O turner of the hearts, 
anchor my heart firm on your deen, on, you know, on religious commitment. And they asked him why this particular dua. He said, because all of the hearts, meaning even mine, are between the two fingers of the most merciful to turn them however he wishes, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the first thing, uh, to cling to Allah and don't tell yourself the lie that society tells us nowadays that you are the master of your own destiny so long as you exert enough effort. Not true. Allah is the master of our destiny and we rely on him for that. We don't even rely on ourselves. Words of affirmation about Allah's greatness, not self-affirmation, is your greatest resource. That's number one. Number two, you know, there's a hadith, two hadith, I'll mention to you quickly, about the Prophet ﷺ that really put practicality into perspective post-Ramadan. We always hear this hadith, but we look at it for Ramadan. But I want you to look at it for what comes after Ramadan, which is Ibn Abbas anhuma saying the Messenger of Allah ﷺ was the most generous of people ever, and the most generous he ever was was in Ramadan when Jibreel would come to him and rehearse with him the Qur'an. So that means no one was ever more generous than the Prophet ﷺ. No one ever outdid him. However, he outdid himself in Ramadan. We know this. So what does that mean? That means that compared to Ramadan, I know it's a tricky wording because we want to preserve the honorable rank, the matchless rank, the unreachable rank of the Prophet ﷺ. But it does mean that he was not outside of Ramadan what he was in Ramadan because he outdid himself in Ramadan, though nobody else ever outdid him in or out of the month. So that means be practical. Don't expect to maintain, you know, in this blessed month uh, outside of it, what you did in the blessed month outside of it. That's part of you being reasonable, not saying, oh man, I'm, I'm ruined. I've downscaled. No, your goal is to stock up in Ramadan as best as you can to be helped out after Ramadan to be better than you were before it, not during it. The other hadith, very quickly, is the hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, whoever fasts Ramadan and then follows it up by fasting all of Shawwal. No, he didn't say that. He said by, by fasting six days of Shawwal. Uh, then it's as if he has fasted his entire year, other narrations, his entire life, meaning every year of his life. And so what does that mean? He's telling you, Alayhi Salatu Wasallam, it's okay to downscale by 80%. <laughs> right? Uh, six days and not 30. Did I do the math right? 30. Yeah. So 80% downscaling, meaning it is fine. And you should, you know, have reasonable expectations or else you set yourself up for these very unnecessary frustrations that happen after Ramadan. But what's important, the last thing is to say, and I'm out of time, is that those 20% that you're going to retain, make sure they are the right 20%. They're not the 20% that you want to retain. No, obligations first, right? Because some people, they do what is easier for them. Or some people choose choose to take on some hard act of worship uh, because it makes them feel good, you know, to, to sacrifice a little bit. But there could have been something that was less of a sacrifice but more pleasing to Allah because it was an obligation, like keeping ties with your family or praying your five or something like this. And so keep up your generosity after Ramadan, you know, as best as you can. Be with the downtrodden, the brokenhearted, caress the head of the orphan. If nothing else, then automate your donations to the weak and the, and the desperate and the needy all throughout the year. And to those that are working hard in the trenches of the da'wah, like yaqeen and otherwise, all throughout the year. And then the 20% of your ritual worship, if you will, make sure you are doing this in line with 
what is most important to Allah first, prioritizing. And may Allah help us maintain after Ramadan uh, a better profile and rapport with him than we had before it. Allahumma ameen. I'll leave it there, inshallah. Back to you, Dr. Muhammad, mashallah, always on time, very prompt, mashallah. May Allah bless you and uh, and and, uh, and really could we could give us the opportunity to benefit from you. Uh, if you had to think of one um, uh, resource that's your favorite from all the things that Yaqeen does, what comes to mind? Curriculum. Because Masha prevention Masha is better than the cure. And, you know, the adults on stuff is hard. But catching them early, this has generational impact, inshallah. MashaAllah. That's, that, that's New York and New Jersey, by the way. One word answer, short, always, you know, trying to get to the point, mashallah. So he said, curriculum. Because All right, we're going to keep moving along. We'd love to see you back, inshallah. Thank you so much. Uh, brothers and sisters, uh, let me look to see the uh, update is very quickly before we, we bring on our next guest, our scholar, mashallah, who has uh, uh, joined us. We are at 352, Allahu Akbar, 352 people in the first about 90 minutes. We have 300 minutes together, five hours, mashallah, and already 352, right? If we're averaging about four or so a minute, donors per minute, inshallah, inshallah, we're going to get past a thousand donors signing up for the last 10 nights. Now, I love the fact that Sheikh Muhammad uh, said, you know, we can't really try to think about after Ramadan. Let's give it all during Ramadan. Here's a, mashallah, another one of our scholars, uh, Sheikh Zainab Ansari, is a renowned female scholar who spent over a decade overseas studying Arabic, Farsi, and traditional Islam at multiple centers across the Middle East. She holds a, uh, degrees in history and Middle Eastern studies from Georgia State University. Ustaz Zainab has served as a scholar in residence for uh, Taisir uh, um, Foundation uh, that's in uh, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Since 2014, is also an instructor with Taisir Seminary, also located in Knoxville, Tennessee. She's an avid writer and part of the uh, teaching faculty for numerous online uh, educational Islamic studies for, uh, platforms. But of course, if I mention all those, it's really Yaqeen is where, where her heart is, right? It's, it's she does uh, uh, with Sunni Path, with the Aziza Magazine, with Secret Hub, mashallah, the Ribat program for women uh, led by Dr. Uh, Tamara Gray. And indeed, it is our honor and pleasure. She's busy, but we're so grateful to Sheikh Zainab Ansari for taking a few minutes to join us today. I pray that everybody is in the best of health and spirits. Thank you, uh, Sheikh Altaf and the Yaqeen Institute team. I just want to begin by really begin encouraging everybody to donate and donate generously to the work of Yaqeen Institute. Inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to be addressing how uh, to how the, the idea of barakah in the Prophet's time, alayhi salatu salam. And uh, my theme is to organize your time like he did, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. You know, as I was um, thinking about this topic and preparing for it, I realized that we really could state this as worship as he did, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, given that he spent so much of his time in ibadah, in worship. But I've been thinking a lot about the idea of barakah in our time. What does it mean? 
uh, to spend time? What does it mean to fritter away time? What does it mean to waste time? What does it mean to take time for granted? What does it mean to not value, truly value the time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has given us? You know, uh, look how quickly Ramadan has passed. In the blink of an eye, we uh, have uh, completed almost 20 days of Ramadan. We're on the eve of the 21st. So just imagine that in the blink of an eye, we've completed 20 days of fasting. Now we find the last 10 days of Ramadan upon us. And, you know, have we really, and I really begin with myself, uh, have we really taken advantage of the myriad opportunities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us for khair in this month? You know, when we look at the example of the Prophet wasallam, we see a human being that was just uniquely gifted with this ability to spend time in the, the most beneficial way possible. You know, there's so much wisdom in how our beloved Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, organized his time. The way that his day was organized, the way that he carved time out for different things, it's just, it was literally the epitome of barakah in one's time. And, and it's so interesting when you look at the term barakah, you know, there's, um, when you, when you look at that word barakah in the dictionary, obviously we know that barakah means uh, blessings. And of course, we know that we are told to invoke Allah Ta'ala's uh, peace and blessings and salutations upon Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So interesting is that the term barakah itself, if you look at that, that dictionary entry, you see that the uh, uh, under the same entry, under the same root, is the idea of the um, the camel kind of kneeling down to that place of resting. Baraka uh, Yabruk is the term. Uh, I remember years ago being in Syria and visiting the, the Jami' Mabraka Naqa, where it was said that the camel of the Prophet وسلم, knelt down when he was traveling northward into, from Arabia into Syria and stopping at the at the place called Busra Sham in southern Syria where, where he met the monk who predicted that he was a final prophet and messenger. So how are those things connected? Think about it, right? In order to really kind of be recipients of those blessings of that barakah, we have to be receptive, we have to be humble, we have to be, be, be willing to embrace those moments of quiet and stillness and solitude. And again, you see that in the way that the Prophet organized his time, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. So how do we model that? And what happens if we've, you know, what happens if we've fallen short um, in our goals as we look back? You know, we want to obviously be able to end Ramadan strong, but as our previous um, speaker, as, as our esteemed speaker said, you know, we want to make sure that we're kind of holding on to that, that Ramadan spirit. We don't want to let all of our goals sort of fall to the wayside. So there's this beautiful ayah in the Quran that I want to share as encouragement in case we find that um, that our goals, we haven't quite met our goals. Maybe we're feeling discouraged about that. So Allah Ta'ala mentions in chapter 25, after A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا so in this verse, Allah Ta'ala is telling us, is making an exception. So the previous ayah is talking about somebody that really committed a major sin. And then Allah Ta'ala is saying that that person's punishment is going to be um, sort of magnified except for إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا Except for the person that 
that repents and believes and does good works, then in that case, Allah Ta'ala will literally يُبَدِّلُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتِ Allah Ta'ala will literally take their bad deeds and transform them, replace them with what? With good deeds. And then Allah Ta'ala is ever forgiving and uh, ever merciful. So looking at the example of the Prophet وسلم, let's take encouragement from that. How did he organize his time? And again, from the from the time he got up in the, until the time that he, he slept, والسلام, his entire day really, every waking moment, and even during his moments of repose, all of those were organized around devotion. When you look at uh, the, the hadith collections, for example, just count the number of chapters that are devoted towards salah alone and all the sub-chapters, for example, within Sahih Bukhari, and you'll get an idea of this. So really, when I thought about this, I, I, I really kind of had a sense of when you look at how he organized his time, والسلام, there are really three things that, that stand out in terms of all of his activities from morning until evening. Number one is that every single thing that he did والسلام, led to an increase. Even if it seemed like it was a small, you know, kind of mundane activity, there was always some aspect of increase of uh, abundance in that in that activity. The second is that the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, always chose to engage in activities that had benefit and not just benefit for himself. He was so inclusive. So the benefit would always be for those around him, for his family, for the community. He did not engage in anything except that there was some virtue, some ethics, some benefit, some lesson for others in that. And then the third thing is that all of his activities, again, taken as a collective were directed towards ta'a, always directed towards obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we really get a sense of this when we look at how he started his day. You know, one of the things that, that we, one of the forgotten sunnahs is that the Prophet would actually, after Fajr prayer, would actually sit for a time with the companions in the masjid and encourage them to think and reflect and to share any dreams they might have had from the previous uh, evening or morning. And this was really a way to get them to, to sort of encourage them to be thoughtful about the day that, that was ahead of them and to really kind of be connected to, to, to that aspect, that spiritual aspect of, 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 of the ruh, that which connects us to the divine presence. So they would sit in the masjid, they would reflect upon the, the dreams that they would have, they would engage in dhikr. And the Prophet would say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and this is according to Abu Huraira, he would say, in the morning, um, he would say, oh Allah, we enter the morning by you and we enter the evening by you. We live by you and we die by you. To you is the gathering. In the evening, he would say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, oh Allah, we enter the evening by you and we enter the morning by you. We live by you and we die by you. And to you is the return. So this is the way that his day was really kind of bookended, beginning with this reflection in the beginning of the day on the fact that we don't know how much time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. So we want to start our day with dhikr and end our day with dhikr. And again, this reminder here, to you is the gathering and to you is the return. That's how he began his day. That's how he included his day, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
you know, what's so interesting about the way that he organized his time and the fact that it revolves around Ibadah is that there is sort of historical memory um, embedded in the companions. And this is something that really struck me as I was thinking about this topic. How, again, how did he organize his time? One of the things that happens later on after the Prophet has passed away, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is that the companions would lament how the prayer and certain sunnah practices had been changed and undermined. And again, they're drawing on their historical and emotional memory of how the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, organized his time around, around his ibadah. And so we have this narration in Sahih Bukhari from Az-Zuhri that, and Zuhri, of course, is the famous Az-Zuhri, the, 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 the scholar, how he visited Anas ibn Malik in Damascus and found him crying and asked Anas why he was weeping. And Anas said, I do not, I do not know anything which I used to know. In other words, Anas is saying of everything he remembers about the life of the Prophet, the thing that really stands out to him the most is his prayer. And he said that this the prayer, what I remember the most is how he prayed Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and this is being lost, is what he said. He uses the term. He says, It's being lost. And that tells you something about how habits had changed, practices had changed, that the very way that people organized their time had really departed from how the Prophet, peace upon him, organized his time, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So I believe I'm out of time for my segment. I'm so happy to spend these moments with you. Thank you so much to the team here at Yaqeen Institute, Sheikh Al-Taf, um, Sidi Tamam. I really appreciate all of you here again. Be generous, emulate our profit, and support Yaqeen Institute. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sheikh Zainab. You know, uh, in terms of uh, the connection that you've had with Yaqeen and the resources, and you are a faculty member, you're teaching, uh, what are you hearing uh, in terms of anyone who you've come across who has used a resource? What's the general, uh, you know, uh, a talk on the street, if you will? Uh, and or the classroom in terms of people who come across Yaqeen? Well, you know, I have to say, um, Sheikh Al-Taf, really the testimony is for me because as a teacher, um, as a women's scholar in residence at the Taser Seminary, um, you know, working with students, designing classes, Yaqeen Institute is, is my number one go-to resource. I mean, I've designed syllabi where my students are reading articles. Uh, I taught uh, an eight-week series on parenting. I actually have everything here. I keep kind of looking down at my materials. But I taught an eight-week series on Islamic parenting that, alhamdulillah, had about 200 people in that class. And uh, we read a number of articles from Yaqeen Institute, including the one by Dr. Osman Omarji, Will My Children Be Muslim? It was just really important for me to have quality um, well-researched articles by Muslim uh, Muslims who are professionals and also dedicated Muslims to speak to these really important issues. So really my testimony is personal in that I'm, I'm actually going to Yaqeen Institute to see what have they published, I want to use it in my classes. Thank you so much. And, and was that class uh, on parenting taught before the pandemic or during the pandemic? It was taught during the pandemic, so it was okay. really helpful to have these resources again, just sort of at the swipe of the mouse pad. And we were all downloading these articles, we're reading them, we're highlighting things, we're discussing them, we're breaking them down. Um, really, it ended up being tremendously helpful and really kind of created a sense of community, community kind of around these things we were reading and discussing. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Sheikh Zainab. We really appreciate you taking time on a Sunday away from your family. May Allah bless you. We'll be back in touch with you. Thank you again. Barakallah Fiki. Thank you so much.
Mashallah. So as you said, you know, people from all over the world are benefiting on the on the uh, webathon today. We've seen people from uh, uh, someone from Brazil, from the Netherlands, from Kashmir, Mashallah, from different parts of Africa. Um, uh, of course, here in the U.S. So uh, keep talking to us in the comments, Inshallah, and let us know where you're from and how you're benefiting from Yaqeen. And as we were giving an update, you know, uh, earlier, Mashallah, we had actually uh, come up to 419 people. Mashallah, you know, you keep pushing us to do better. And mashallah, you keep also donating to support us to do better, to produce better, a better way, mashallah, than to, you know, to be to give back to the community, that to make high quality content and keep it free. And so keep giving, inshallah, keep supporting. As I said, 419 people have already donated. We haven't even finished the first, you know, the first two hours. We're only at about an hour and 47 minutes. And, um, and uh, inshallah, inshallah, we would love to increase that goal and to invite more people to donate. But just keep monitoring for now. We're at 419. We want to break that thousand, inshallah, mark as, to, as soon as we can. Now, it gives me great pleasure to move to our next guest. Sheikh Yasser Fahmi uh, uh, is the founder of, a, of a, the Prophetic Living Initiative. So today when we have him speaking, along with all of the other scholars, here's someone who's dedicating his life to literally focusing on Prophetic Living Initiative and is a Muslim instructor at uh, Harvard Divinity School. Sheikh Yasser uh, has a degree from Rutgers uh, uh, Business School and a bachelor's degree in uh, Islamic studies from uh, Al-Azhar Al University and multiple ijazas, which are independent certifications in various Islamic subjects of specialization. Sheikh Yasser is the first uh, American Azhari to ever teach in the renowned Al-Azhar Azhar Mosque. And he's also a research advisor at Yaqeen and mashallah serves as an associate editor on our editorial review board. But the greatest claim to fame he has is that he is a father and a, a parent, mashallah, to two beautiful children. Please join me in welcoming uh, Sheikhna Yasser Fahmi. Barakallahu feekum, Dr. Altaf. It's so good to see you. Mashallah, always beautiful and radiant and, uh, and happy to be in your company, Wallahi. And may Allah bless you and your family and your loved ones and all of our brothers and sisters at Yaqeen and all of those who truly strive to serve the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are just so honored, alhamdulillah, to come together as a community to remember Allah and remember his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And what we are doing here in this space together is nothing but a distinct and sincere effort to serve Allah's deen. You know, are we going to always get it perfectly right? No. But alhamdulillah, there's sincerity, there's brotherhood, there's sisterhood, there's scholarship, there's discussion, there's openness. And we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to facilitate through us beautiful rahmah, mercy, and guidance and hidayah for us all. I want to talk a little bit about how the Prophet Sallallahu socialized and how he dealt with people and the etiquette through which and by which he had in that regard so that you and I can truly socialize, socialize and engage with people as he did Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I want to read a little bit from a uh, hadith in the Shama'il and this is the, the, the descriptions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and this is the 355th, 351st hadith where Al-Husayn, the grandson of the Prophet Sallallahu is asking his maternal uncle about how the Prophet Sallallahu dealt with people. How did he interact with people? And so his, Hind said, 
The Prophet وسلم, was always of cheerful countenance. He had an easygoing character and a soft and affable disposition. He was neither harsh nor coarse nor boisterous nor lewd in his behavior. You see, this is a tasdiqan to the, the truth that were narrated in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, If you were harsh and hard-hearted, then certainly they would have fled from you. But the Prophet was a man of rahmah, a man of gentleness, a man of kindness, a man of beautiful adab. You know, Prophet he says about himself, It is my Lord who gave me my adab, my, my, my countenance and my comportment, and he made perfect my development and my adab. In an age when people may mock and insult and belittle the idea of adab. No, adab is a essential prophetic principle. Prophet about his, himself says, my Lord is the one who gave me my adab. May Allah grant us all beautiful adab. And the Prophet with people, this is how he was. He was not harsh. He was not coarse. He was not aggressive. He was neither boisterous nor lewd in his behavior, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. These were, you know, when you see manifestations in society celebrating harshness and aggressiveness, celebrating, you know, boisterousness, celebrating being bombastic and in your face and salacious. We recognize this is far from the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And certainly Muslims who take on these types of characteristics is one for us to think about, you know, how are we doing what we're doing and claiming in any way, shape, or form that this is something that is in line with the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. For when he dealt with people, it was with love and rahmah. He loved people sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He cared for people dearly. And even when he had to hold them accountable and he had to be firm, it was done from a place of deep mahabba, not from a place of seeking to cancel one another and aggress and, 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 and hate each other. There is a there is, a, there is a, a quality that is unfortunately rampant where in our new modern age of tribalism, people hate each other. Prophet ﷺ did not hate people. You know, It's as if, oh Muhammad, you, because of how much you care about people's well-being, it's as if you're going to hurt yourself in that path, as if you're going to kill yourself in that path. So his one, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his his character, his softness, his beauty, his, his lack of lewdness, lack of boisterousness. And he was not a fault finder, nor unyielding, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You know, we are possessed with finding each other's faults and exposing each other's faults. You know, and that's not the way of the Prophet sallallahu That's not the way of our deen. That's not the way of our scholars. You know, he, and, he, and he, he, did not, he did not pursue people's faults in that way. You know, we have this, this culture in society today about, you know, adam al-tasattur exposing people trying to uncover things take people things out of you know the, out of out of you know grainy drives and try to bring them into the public sphere this is not the way of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam this is not our akhlaq you know and so the prophet sallallahu when he dealt with people he dealt in an affable amicable loving way even when he was affirming the truth and establishing those truths they knew sallallahu alaihi wasallam was sincere and loving and caring you know so it wasn't as if he was he was uh, you know, just someone who could easily be uh, uh, manipulated. Hasha sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He didn't just walk around with a with a fake smile. Hasha sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It was a rich, beautiful smile that when you were in the company 
of the Prophet ﷺ, it would pierce your soul because it was sincere. The love that was in his heart, even if he was correcting you, even if he was showing you your faults, even if you were his enemy, you knew that he was sincere and loving and caring and that he wanted goodness for us. He wanted goodness for this entire world, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He wanted mercy to pervade. He wanted love to pervade. He wanted divine love to manifest in all of creation's hearts, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so it was these basic akhlaq, these basic character traits that would ensure that this was a reality that is transpiring. Our deen is one of ihsan. Inna Allaha katab al-ihsana ala kulli shay. Allah has prescribed ihsan, excellence and beauty upon all things. So when I'm dealing with my mother and my father, with my parents, I have to be muhsin, I have to be excellent no matter how difficult it is. With my neighbors, ihsan. With my friends, with my foes, ihsan, excellence. When you're even slaughtering your, your cow or your sheep, make do it with ihsan, do it with excellence and beauty. The Prophet ﷺ was muhsin with the elder and muhsin with the youngster. The youngster felt the love of the Prophet ﷺ and the care of the Prophet ﷺ. A man who came to kill the Prophet ﷺ and had a dagger in his hand, the Prophet ﷺ put his hand on his chest and the man felt the love of the Prophet ﷺ. Prophet was not some antagonistic person with a vendetta out there to just aggress and cancel people and harm people. That was not his spirit, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He wanted to exit people from multitudes of darkness into the bountifulness in the beauty of the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the mechanism and the vehicle that he used to do that, wallahi was rahman mahabba. That was the essence of it, with a beautiful character. You know, he was sent to perfect character. And O Muhammad, you are upon the most beautiful of characters, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so if we want to socialize as he did, and we want to spend these last 10 nights of Ramadan really entering into a prophetic ethos and spirit, then it is essential that we reconsider how we deal with others. Are we forgiving? Are we, are we, are we merciful? You know, لِينُوا فِي أَيْدِي إِخْوَانِكُمْ be gentle, moldy, you know, be gentle in each other's hands. Look over people's faults. Don't be obsessed with, with, with gossiping and backbiting. Overlook. Yes, forgive and forget. This is the spirit. You know, but Laylat Sabu Ashreen, the sacred night, the Laylat Al Qadr, the night of power, right? The sacred and blessed night. The reason why the Prophet ﷺ doesn't know about it any longer, he, he, he did not know about it any longer, the exact timing is because he saw two people with their nufus excited, arguing with each other. You see when the nafs is present, when the ego is present, fully affirmed, and, and fighting with each other in the nights of Ramadan, what happens? The barakah is removed. So the blessing of knowing the timing of Laylatul Qadr was stripped from our community because of two people who weren't dealing with each other well. You know, because their nufus were too present. And so brothers and sisters, if we want to socialize and deal with people the way the Prophet ﷺ did, that means we have to be selfless, we have to be caring, we have to be loving, we have to speak less and listen more. We don't need to be out there critiquing and, and chiming in and giving our two cents about everything. 
We need to call people lovingly and caringly. When we look at people, we look at them in, in the eye. We, we give them the fullness of our body. Prophet ﷺ would listen to people speak and not cut them off, وسلم, even if it was a young person, an older person, someone who was just rambling on a little bit. He would listen with the fullness of his heart. He genuinely cared about the human condition. And if we want to socialize the way he did, then we have to care far more about people and far less about our subjectivities, far less about what we think and feel and what we like. We have to care. We care for the sake of Allah and His Messenger, and we love for the sake of Allah and His Messenger. Barakallahu feekum. May Allah bless you all. May we truly end this sacred month of Ramadan in a state of fully having immersed ourselves in the prophetic spirit in all ways. Allahumma ameen. Barakallahu feekum. Jazakumullah khairan, Sheikh Nayasir. MashaAllah, beautiful reminders. And I can tell you as a human being, as a husband, as a father, as somebody in the community, um, it's hard what you're telling us to do, but we hope we can do it because people test us in ways that Allah will imagine. So may Allah bless you and your family. Jazakumullah khairan. You're in the classroom, Sheikh Nayasir. If you just take us a minute, um, what are the kinds of uh, uh, questions that may come out that you would think you were referring students to Yaqeen Institute as it reaches, whether Muslim or people of other faith? Yeah, I think, mashallah, I mean, Yaqeen, may Allah bless um, Sheikh Omar and the entire Yaqeen team and, and yourself and all the brothers and sisters. And I know, mashallah, there are so many brothers and sisters who are working tirelessly to do one thing, and that is to bring people closer to Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so, you know, when you, when you look at the articles that have been written about conviction, about belief, about eliminating doubts, and, and, and really negotiating the nuances of people's doubts. You know, I think Yaqeen has done a truly tremendous job, bifadlillahi ta'ala, in, in, in discussing and touching upon different ways in which, from an, uh, from an intellectual angle, but also from a spiritual theological angle. You know, I, what I really love with the work that's happening, you know, you see Sheikh Omar's series on the Prophet's character, you see Sheikh Muhammad Shinnawi's series, on the you know the, the names of Allah subhanahu wa taala and the relationship and and pra, you know practical theology and you see Dr. Hatim al-Hajj's piece on 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 you know uh, proper argumentation you know you see how you can you negotiate the theological reality from a spiritual lens from an intellectual lens from a part of engagement and and, and rich argumentation and discourse dialogue and so these different avenues to tackle the same theme is truly in line with our with our Islamic heritage and alhamdulillah you know i'm i'm blessed to know that institutions like yaqeen exist and i pray that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses yaqeen to thrive to continue to serve this deen may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help you know make it a truly beautiful institution it's may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive the mistakes of yaqeen and may he only make it better and better. You know, no, nothing is perfect, alhamdulillah. Not, we're all imperfect. You said to start, you know, everything you're saying is good, but help us to be better. May we all make yaqeen a far better institution, not just with our money and our resources, with our nasiha and our advice and our investment and our commitment. And when we collectively come together as a community to prop up our organizations and our institutions, especially ones, and I'll say this about yaqeen, and Wallahi Radim, I've worked, you know, I, I have been close to all of the brothers and sisters who are working closely. This is an environment that loves nasiha, it loves advice and brotherhood and sisterhood and togetherness and the willingness to rectify and make changes and fix and explore and critique. 
And those types of spaces are the spaces that we should celebrate really as a community and try to, to see them thrive. You know, let's be a community that really builds up our capacity. And especially when we see great opportunities like Yaqeen. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless Yaqeen and, and, and everyone who supports Yaqeen. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to bless our community with beautiful institutions, masajid, and organizations. Allahumma ameen. Barakallahu feekum ajma'in. Jazakumullah khairan, Shaykh Naya. Thank you for taking time from your family on a Sunday. And inshallah, we'll look forward to reconnecting with you. Barakallahu feekum. Brothers and sisters, we're going to continue on with the program. And alhamdulillah, we, ha we are at 459 donors. Allahu Akbar. That's literally the first two hours. We have three more hours to go. I'm going to be passing it off to my next coast, inshallah, in a minute. But remember, when you support Yaqeen, especially in these last 10 nights, you are being intentional about your donation. And we want to be the best stewards of your donations and contributions. So we are pushing ourselves to literally, you know, approach the perfection in all of our resources. Not only should they be relevant, but high quality, and they will remain free, inshallah. So continue to support us. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replace what is being spent. And may Allah indeed answer the du'as that you're making. Please make du'as before you uh, uh, actually make the donations. And inshallah, may Allah accept it from you. Now, let me move on to bring on our next, uh, mashallah, co-host. So you've heard from uh, Dr. Omar in the beginning, then I was here, and then now, mashallah, we're going to bring on our brother Muhammad Zab, who is a brand and digital uh, uh, media enthusiast. And uh, you're, you're leaving his footprint all over the world, mashallah, and more recently at Yaqeen Institute as the host of our latest podcast called Double Take. A squash tragic, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, a squash tragic, but I'll have to ask him. His passions lie in coffee, food, rugby, and of course, um, uh, working closely with a number of local uh, Muslim organizations and also having spent it, uh, spent years at Al Jazeera leading brand and content strategy. Brothers and sisters, do a double take, do a triple take, and join me in welcoming Brother Muhammad Zaud to co-host the next hour. Thank you so much. Let's, uh, I think we're not able to hear him, so okay. Let's figure out How about we try that? Does that work? We can hear you perfectly. Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you uh, passing the baton to me. Uh, everyone's talking about the last 10 nights um, and that we're just about to get into the last 10 nights. And guess what? I'm in Sydney and we've already passed the first night of the last 10 nights. So um, I feel like I'm a little bit ahead of everyone. Um, so Jazakallah Khair for having me. Um, we're going to go straight into it. Um, there's a lot to cover in the next hour and a half. Um, and so I'm going to kick it off by introducing our next guest and our first guest for, for, my, um, for my session. So it's Dr. Muhammad Abu Talib. Um, I'm really excited to, to welcome him. Uh, he's a curriculum trainer and Yaqeen's, in Yaqeen's expanded learning team. He's uh, an imam of the Islamic Association of Rayleigh, a lifelong student of uh, the Quran and Islamic sciences, mashallah, and his goal, which is the broader goal of, of uh, many people involved in Yaqeen, it's, it's to help people cement a deeper literacy uh, of the Islamic intellectual tradition so that we can navigate life through an Islamic lens. Uh, Dr. Muhammad, jazakallah khair, um, you're going to talk about uh, the Prophet Sallam, how he he brought the best out of people around him. And when you think of the Prophet ﷺ, you think of all of the, the amazing companions around him, female and male. When you think of Sa'ad and Ka'ab, uh, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, 
you know, sometimes we don't we don't shed light on that aspect of the Prophet so much, which is he had such a profound impact on the people around him and made them into giants as well. So, Jazakallah uh, khair for joining us, Dr. Muhammad, and uh, over to you. Barakallahu feek, may Allah bless you, Ustaz Muhammad, and it's an honor to uh, join you today. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri, wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. It's been really a privilege for all of our homes, not only today uh, hearing from the esteemed uh, teachers and mashayikh and scholars, but throughout the month, um, through Yaqeen and through our local centers, we've been inviting the Prophet ﷺ into our homes and amazed by his example. And part of that example that is often forgotten, often forgotten and sometimes neglected is the impact he had not only in his individual greatness, but what he achieved through others. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises his Prophet وسلم, in Quran al-Kareem in Surah At-Tawbah, verse number 128. A messenger has come to you from among your own selves. Your suffering distresses him. He is deeply concerned for you and he is full of kindness and mercy towards the believers. So this, this closeness of the Prophet ﷺ, not only to his companions, but to us, where the 1400 years, it's as if they don't separate us. We love him more than ourselves. We love him more than our possessions. And that closeness made him incredibly relatable. And part of, part of the greatness that the Prophet ﷺ achieved was not only what he did by his own hand and tongue, but indeed what he did through others. Sometimes, some of us feel unable to implement the prophetic example in some things. We imagine, well, I'm not a great orator. I'm not a gifted speaker. I'm not a scholar of the religious tradition. And, and that's a description of most of the ummah. Allah Azza wa has given us many different talents. And some of us will stop there and say, then I have nothing to give. But we could not be more incorrect. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ's speeches were typically short, although he's the most eloquent of people. And although his mission was 23 years, and the hadith connection is, is, is vast, so much of what he taught was in his silence, in his example, in his modeling, in his walking alongside of people, in his helping people become the best of themselves. And that is uh, an invitation I want to share with you today. In hadith number 335 of the collection of Tirmidhi, and we're only sharing a part of the hadith, it shares that from his habit, وسلم, in his gatherings, was to divide his time among people and to prefer those that were able to serve others and those that had, alhamdulillah, achieved greater and further in their deen. And the hadith describes فَمِنْهُمْ ذُو الْحَاجَةِ وَمِنْهُمْ ذُو الْحَاجَتَيْنِ وَمِنْهُمْ ذُو الْحَوَائِجِ That from them would be people of one need, others with two needs, and others with many needs. And I think we can really relate to that. We see around us the struggle of all that is in the modern world and the hardships that we face and all around us face as well in traversing the hardships of this dunya and rushing towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he والسلام, the hadith says بهم, that he would occupy himself with their needs. And he would inform those that were present to inform those that are absent. 
and then this magnificent close to this passage and really uh, an invitation that I want to make to myself and each of you in these last 10 days that they would enter as seekers that they would enter seeking a solution to their need but they would come out they would come out as guides to goodness meaning that they were empowered they were able not only to meet their needs but now they were able to serve others this can be done in the smallest and most meaningful of ways the prophet once helped a man pray better by and he told the people and so sometimes i remember a young man uh, uh, an older man that 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 helped me when i was young he saw me making sujood in the wrong way and he got down on the ground, though he was 50 years older than me. And he said, I know your father and I love your father. So I love you. Can I show you how the Prophet ﷺ made sujood? And that stuck with me for a lifetime. The Prophet ﷺ said, Take your ritual worship and the example as him. And so whether it's a call to someone that's light, that, that's day will be brightened with your phone call, whether it's helping a person remember that not every positive transformation in life is achieved through a magnificent speech or a scholarly discourse. That many, many things, and Yaqeen has many resources to help you in this journey. Many of people's most transformative moments are through a conversation, or through somebody that took them under their wing, or through a memory of somebody of wisdom and taqwa that helped them through a real jam or difficulty in their lives. Or an experience that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed for a person that changed their way and changed the trajectory of their relationship with Allah and their life. So I invite myself and I invite all my brothers and sisters to implement this forgotten sunnah, to take hold of this forgotten prophetic inheritance, to walk alongside people, help people, advise them, think of them, call on them and check on them inshallah. And with this, we hope that we will also achieve what the Prophet ﷺ achieved, building the capacity of the people and communities and families around them that they would enter seeking uh, a need and they would come out able to answer the needs of the world around them as well as their own. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us insha'Allah to be inheritors of this beautiful prophetic legacy and to find the best in ourselves and in others. Allahumma amin. Dr. Muhammad, Jazakallah Khair, thank you so, so much. Um, it certainly is a part of the seerah that we don't hear enough of, I think. Um, uh, Dr. Muhammad, do you mind just, um, you know, we're in the last 10 nights now. Um, how has Yaqeen really impacted the circles around you? We talk about the Prophet impacting the circles around him. Uh, and then obviously for, for many generations later, how has Yaqeen sought to, to I guess, resonate with those around them? And have you felt that um, firsthand? Absolutely. So Alhamdulillah here, um, you know, at the largest mosque in the Carolinas in the United States, we, we, we do get a lot of requests and we want to help people. But sometimes it can be very overwhelming when it, it feels like it resides on just one pair of shoulders or even many. So having Yaqeen as a trusted source of diverse resources, Alhamdulillah, from the curriculum products to conviction circles to the articles, the research to the audio and video and podcasts, it is so empowering for people, whether helping their families or learning for themselves or those teachers uh, and, and mentors on the front lines. It is really, really helpful to be able to lean on that. And I refer to Yaqeen resources all the time. One that I will highlight among many, 
um, that we've had great success with here today is the conviction circles. A lot of us do not have opportunities to engage in critical thought and discussion around Islam. And that can be very overwhelming, especially for people in university or, or areas of higher learning or colleges where they're thinking critically about everything but but the deen, which is a big problem. The conviction circles is one thing among many that we've deployed here locally that has brought about a great diversity of participants that are able to engage critically, discuss, learn, and feel that they can come back to trusted scholarship, both locally, nationally, and internationally, in, in, in getting well-researched questions and trustworthy material, inshallah, nurturing that iman and conviction and dispelling doubts and inspiring contribution. Jazakallah khair, Dr. Muhammad Abu Talib. Thank you so much. And uh, with your support, alhamdulillah, we've reached over 520 signups, um, people who are committed to donate uh, in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. Our objective is 1,000. And with your support, alhamdulillah, we've already surpassed 500. We're about 522. Thank you so much for your time. And inshallah, we'll catch up uh, once again another time. Jazakallah khair. Um, uh, brothers and sisters, thank you very much for joining uh, the last 10 nights program with the uh, Yaqeen Institute. Um, it's honestly an honor to, to be speaking here um, from already past the first night of the last 10 nights. I'm in Sydney. Um, so it's the morning after the first uh, of the last 10 nights. Um, I'm actually uh, going to do a shameless uh, uh, call of action here. Um, I'm part of Yaqeen Institute and I host the Double Take podcast. Um, I'm going to uh, ask you all to kindly watch the promo for our show called Double Take uh, and then inshallah we'll continue the program. Salams guys, I'm Mohammed Zaud and I'm here to tell you about a new podcast from Yaqeen Institute called Double Take where we cover issues and topics in Islam that give us pause. Topics such as will my children be Muslim or was Islam spread by the sword. You can find us on YouTube or your favorite podcast app by searching Double Take by Yaqeen Institute. I can't really thank um, the promo, the person that was in the promo. So <laughs> I'm going to ask Dr. Altaf to join me once again. I think you're on mute, uh, Dr. Altaf. No, no, I, I, will, I was going to say, I will, I will thank, uh, I will thank the... Uh... The person in the promo, and, uh, and actually, I, I want to take a, few, a couple of minutes just to ask you uh, because it's been an amazing journey. You know, we saw podcasts, you know, popping up from every which way during the pandemic, especially. And and somebody may say, you know, uh, uh, this is, is this just another podcast? Well, I want to ask you, right, as the producer and as the as the really the my the brains behind it, is what have you enjoyed so far about hosting Double Take? Zakallah um, for the question. Look, I, I will say this: there's a, there's a, mashallah, a very, very strong team. I've worked on podcast teams um, in multimedia organizations, um, very, very large ones, and mashallah, the team that is working on the Yaqeen Institute podcast um, is honestly second to none. The passion, um, the commitment, um, and the all-round kind of just effort is has been probably the highlight for me. Um, the, the, the other highlight is what, what this podcast is allowing us to do compared to other podcasts that exist out there is, you know, those, those urging questions that we might have that we've put under the, under the carpet because we're too ashamed to ask or 
we um, we feel uncomfortable asking our, our people around us. What we're trying to do in this podcast is bring those questions out from under the rug and ask them openly and get those answers from those who've done such phenomenal research. Um, so the highlight for me has been working with the phenomenal team at Yaqeen. Um, also having the courage to just ask the questions that, you know, your everyday Muslim um, has, uh, has, has in, you know, very deep inside of them. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for that. And uh, we are actually, uh, you know, raising uh, here in my family four everyday Muslims. And my, I can tell you that all of these resources from Yaqeen Institute are really beneficial to us as well. Um, I want to ask you one more question, and I know you're going to continue hosting, inshallah. And we want to you know, remind people to keep joining and uh, the uh, last night's uh, giving uh, program, inshallah. And as we said, we already broke 500, which is halfway mark. We have three more hours to go. Inshallah, we'll break the 1,000 mark, and then we may even increase the goal to 1,500 because of your, uh, uh, our audience's inspiration and support. Uh, Brother Muhammad, tell us, um, I know it's not easy because Dr. Omar asked uh, Dr. Tasneem earlier, you know, her favorite department. So what is a favorite moment you've had during the Double Take podcast so far? Well, you've had, mashallah, several different interviews. Is there a, is there a moment that sticks out to you uh, uh, particularly among the different episodes you've done? Um, I have two answers to that. Um, okay. the, first, the first one was, honestly, the first episode we, we went live with, which was about trauma. Um, so my wife is a speech therapist, and she talks about kind of trauma and, and a lot of the patients that she deals with. And me being just a, a typical, you know, Muslim male, um, I honestly didn't give the topic much justice we weren't really talking about it and it wasn't really an immediate conversation it was my wife talking mostly about it but when i was able to interview um the sisters on the podcast about trauma and its impact on our faith the penny dropped for me um that there is a whole ocean out there um that i'm not really appreciating um so it's giving me it's forcing me to learn things outside of my comfort zone um and uh, and that was a moment where i realized two things. One, I need to do a lot more and, and read a lot more about, you know, my religion, the, the impact different things have on my religion. But the other thing, which for me was the most important learning regarding Yaqeen Institute, you know, mashallah, we've seen so many different um, lectures. We've seen so many different series this Ramadan from Yaqeen Institute, but doing this podcast, meeting the people involved in Yaqeen, I've realized that what you're seeing in Ramadan is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, the amount of work and effort and and uh, basically research that has gone into so many of the works of Yaqeen, it's a, it's a world of knowledge out there. And so honestly, for me, the penny dropped once I started interviewing some of these uh, guests that, mashallah, mashallah, Yaqeen is, is a world of, of, uh, of knowledge. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to let you go on, uh, inshallah, hosting the program. But to save you time, I'll give the update, inshallah, uh, that we're now at 562, mashallah. So keep it coming, and I'll turn it back over to Brother Muhammad. Jazakallah khair. Thank you so much, doctor. Um, honestly, from strength to strength, uh, the next guest, uh, we're very spoiled um, here at Yaqeed Institute to be able to have access to so many great people, alhamdulillah. Um, our next guest will be talking about uh, the Prophet's uh, 
uh, sleeping habits and encouraging us to to emulate uh, his lifestyle during the last 10 nights. And that sheikh is none other than Sheikh Yasser Birjas. He's on the board of advisors of Yaqeen Institute. Um, he's also the Imam of Valley Ranch Islamic Center and the head of Islamic law and theory department at Maghreb Institute. Honestly, I could spend the next seven minutes just introducing Sheikh Yasser, but I'm going to pass the microphone on to him because I'm really excited to hear from him. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Yasser, for joining us. Barakallah fiqh, Muhammad. Thank you very much for, uh, for introducing me. Barakallah fiqh, Allah subhanahu bless you, bless your effort, ya Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu wa sallam, barakallah nabina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, tasliman kathira, thumma amma ba'd. The sleeping habits of the Prophet وسلم, as a lifestyle. Why is this so important to us right now? We're coming, inshallah, into the last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan, at least for us here in the Dallas area in Texas. Um, uh, so it's coming up very soon, inshallah. How can I make the best out of my nights in Ramadan, inshallah? And how can I benefit from this uh, in the best way possible? Well, we need to learn about the sleeping habits of the Prophet. It's overall part of his hadith. And his hadith is his best example. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to follow the Prophet And Rasulullah he says, Muhammad. And the best example is the example of the Prophet So how do I, how can I emulate his example in my life so I can maximize the benefit for myself, not just in Ramadan, even after the month of Ramadan. Sleeping is very important, obviously. It's part of us being human beings. We need to rejuvenate. We need to refresh. We need to start, you know, strong afterwards. So how can I do this right, inshallah, I want to just highlight a few things about the sleeping habits of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But before we get to this point, <clears throat> we need to take also something in consideration. At the time of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, people lived organic lifestyle. For us, we're living artificial lifestyle, unfortunately. Which means uh, at the time of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when the, when, the, when the sun goes down, the day is over. And people just go, be, go to sleep probably even before Isha, which is why praying Isha was as difficult as praying Fajr. For many people today and that's why the prophet highlight the most important two salawat to maintain especially in jama'ah for men is fajr and isha it is so hard for people to stay to stay up when the sun goes down for them why because they live organic life when the sun goes down the day starts the day ends and the night starts and for them day starts even before fajr so it's easy for them to wake up probably for tahajjud or even easy for them to be up for fajr alhamdulillah rabbil alameen so that's something to be taken in consideration because for us, sometimes or for many, many people, unfortunately, their day begins after Isha. Their day begins after Isha. We have electricity, we have the internet, we have the TV, we have so many other you know, aspects of life that we get ourselves involved with. And as a result, we lose some of the most valuable assets of our, you know, our energy as human beings, which is the sleeping hours at night. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the night to be subata, waja'ana layla libasa. Uh, so the night was for us to cover us, of course, and the, and the sleep will give us that, that sense of peace and tranquility. So if we would love to follow the example of the Prophet ﷺ, probably we're going to have to change some of our habits that we have due to our living in this modern life. I'm not asking here people to completely, you know, radically change their lifestyle completely, but they, to be conscious of why we're unable to benefit from the night properly, whether through ibadah, through sleeping, or even actually through uh, uh, being accomplishing other things. So when we think about the Prophet ﷺ, Rasulullah ﷺ didn't have the fancy mattresses that we live on today and we sleep on, mashallah. Some of these some of these mattresses are so thick that when you sleep on it, you can't even dig yourself out in the morning. And some people, subhanAllah, when they go to sleep, it's so comfy that it's so hard for them to get out of it. 
Rasulullah he used to sleep on something very simple. Sometimes it will be hasir, which is just like a straw mat. And the, 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 the pattern of the straw mat will leave marks on his side, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he sleeps. Sometimes he will sleep on, on, a, on a, a, a thin mattress made of, made of leather skin, uh, animal skin, and it's, it's filled with, with leaf, with loof, basically, they call it actually. Uh, a leaf is basically the, 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 um, the leaves of uh, uh, the palm tree. So it's, it's kind of like a little bit has some cushion on it, but not enough to make you so comfortable. The Prophet ﷺ, sometimes he would just sleep on his own rida, like his, he puts his own garment on the ground and he would just lay down on it, salawatullahi wasalamu alayhi. I remember when we used to train for uh, martial arts, our masters used to tell us to sleep on the floor every now and then. Why? Because you need to get used to it, to sleep on the floor, so you're always alert. You're always alert, and if there's danger coming up, you're not going to be too lazy because you're living too comfortable. And subhanAllah, the Prophet ﷺ was always alert. His life was always on, on high alert all the time, salawatullahi so my advice for my dear brothers and sisters, every now and, every now and then, take it easy on yourself and a little bit, you know, uh, change your, uh, uh, your your mattress and sleep sometimes on the floor and get yourself, you know, kind of a little bit rough, a little bit on that to get used to it, especially when you go camping and so on. Rasulullah, he used to sleep uh, uh, the beginning of the night. And he would recommend for us after Isha not to talk, not to socialize. He would recommend salawatullahi for us just to... Uh, Go to sleep right away. It's, it's healthier for you. It's better for you. However, if you have a guest, if you need to learn, if you need to be with your spouse, it's okay to stay up after, after Isha. But he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he did not like for us to, uh, to have these actually sessions and these interactions after Isha. Again, our lifestyle has changed today. So it's a little bit difficult and hard for many people to do so. But as much as you can, inshallah. Aisha radiallahu anha described the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that he would sleep at the first third of the night. He wake up midnight, salawatullah, or the middle of the night, and he would wake up for worship and for ibadah. Sometimes he continues all the way until fajr, and sometimes he will continue, salallahu alayhi wa until the uh, uh, the last one third of the night where he rests. He rests, salawatullah, until until Bilal comes to call him for um, to wake up and, and and get ready for tahajjud. Uh, I mean, for salat al-fajr, salawatullah, Rasulullah used to take qaylula, which means he would take a nap during the day. He used to take his nap before dhuhr uh, of our time. Why? Because he's up early in the morning. So his qaylula or his, his nap during the day would be sometimes before dhuhr time. Nowadays, a lot of people, because they barely wake up for fajr, so if they want to take their nap, they take it after asr when they come back from work and so on. As long as you take a very short power nap, it would be healthy for you to do so, inshallah. Finally, Rasulullah in the last 10 nights of Ramadan, obviously, the schedule changes. He would wake up the entire night, but he would not engage in tahajjud all the night. Like Aisha, she said about the Prophet, said he would diversify his ibadah, but he would stay up all night in order for him to benefit from the ibadah, hopefully to catch that al-qadr. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us among those who follow the example of the Prophet and those who will be Enjoying Laylatul Qadr, Ya Rabbil Alameen. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us with the reward and the blessings of Laylatul Qadr this month and this year, inshallah, and more years to come, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Walhamdulillah. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala biyinu Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Yasser. Thank you so much for that. Um, how about in the last 10 nights? Um, <laughs> did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi sleep much? Actually, no. He would not sleep in the, uh, uh, during the night, salawatullah wa salam Instead, he would stay up. But once again, he would not stay up all in tahajjud. He would dedicate some time for tadabbur, some time for the Quran, sometimes, you know, for the ibadah, salawatullah wa salam But definitely, ahya laylahu, 
meaning he keeps the night uh, alive all and not just that he'll even wake up all his family members to be ready for the ibadah as well may allah make us uh, among those who stay up for those nights Amen. and give us the ability to worship through these nights i have uh, one last question shakhia said if you don't mind um mashallah we've almost hit 600 uh, donors for the for the last 10 nights campaign for yaqeen jazakallah khair for your support what does yaqeen mean to you in your circles I mean, this is a very biased question for me. You know why? Because <laughs> you're on the board. Not just that. Sheikh Omar is in my masjid and Yaqeen is actually in my community. So, mashallah, we see the benefit of Yaqeen and the effort that the Yaqeen uh, community is doing for the world. Alhamdulillah, I see it firsthand every single day. I see Sheikh Omar and his team, how they work so hard, mashallah, to produce all these beautiful uh, programs and activities. I see Tamam, I see uh, their families, I see everybody who's involved with Yaqeen, subhanAllah, on a regular basis. And I can testify, they're mashallah, tabarakallah, Allah bless them, bless their effort, ya Rabbil Alameen, they're working day and night. Why? Because, subhanAllah, yani, uh, we, we're, we're racing against, of course, you know, time over here. Because this is a very important mission that Yaqeen, mashallah, have covered a gap that... Uh, we had for a very, very, very long time. Alhamdulillah, we had a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, Islamic education, a lot of uh, schools, a lot of uh, health programs. We had some humanitarian organizations, a lot of masajid, but a think tank that would really come and give you the answers to every difficult question people they try to avoid. Alhamdulillah, I give credit to Yaqeen. That's one of the best things we benefit from Yaqeen. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. May Allah bless them all, Rabbil Alameen. Shaykh Yasser, Barakallah Feek, and don't forget Yaqeen and us in general in your dua in the last 10 nights. Thank you so much. Ameen. Jazakumullah khair, Barakallah Feek. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Thank you very much, Shaykh Yasser. Um, we're going to continue moving. MashaAllah, this program is so jam-packed with surprises. Um, we have a, uh, a member of the board of directors of Yaqeen just about to join us, um, Sister Lubna Mullah, who's also a chaplain at the University of California. Um, and she'll be talking to us about the uh, the prophetic lifestyle in the family, how the Prophet ﷺ maintained family ties. Um, and so it would be an honor to, to have Sister uh, Ustadha Lubna Mullah um, join us today. Jazakallah khair, Sister, for joining us. And uh, I'm in Sydney and uh, a big fan. Our family is a big fan of your work. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, assalamu alaikum. It's a pleasure to meet you, mashallah, and uh, it's an honor to be here, alhamdulillah. Uh, Sister Lubna, do you mind um, just telling us more about the Prophet sallam and his and, and the family? Like, what, what did he do to maintain good ties with his extended family, but also his nucleus of, of his family? Yeah, jazakallah khairan. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulullah. Um, we take so many uh, examples from the, the life of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and uh, truly he's a role model for all of us, not only uh, subhanAllah as, as, a, as a beautiful human being, uh, but as a statesman and even more importantly as a family man. Um, we know that uh, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was very uh, emotionally intelligent. He uh, really gave due attention to all of his family members, his wives, his children, his son-in-law, Ali, who one time he came home uh, uh, to see uh, his beloved daughter, Fatima, after she was married already to Ali, uh, both of them. Uh, and he found, uh, Prophet Muhammad found Fatima upset. She was crying and he asked Fatima what was wrong. And she said that, uh, you know, that she and Ali had gone into an argument and that he had uh, uh, left the home and went to the masjid. SubhanAllah. So, uh, um, 
subhanAllah, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam now is not only acting as a prophet, he's acting as the father of, you know, of, of his daughter, and he's also acting as um, uh, a father-in-law here. And he goes and he finds Ali laying down in the masjid, his, his thobe is, is covered in dust, and so he picks up Ali Radulanhu and and says, uh, you know, get up, oh, Abu Tarab, you know, get up, oh, you uh, father of dust, you know, and 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 he's dusting him off as he's saying that, and this was a way to lighten the matter, uh, and and in doing so, both of them were were laughing, and you know, he lightened the mood, and he said, come on, come with me, Subhanallah, look how he diffused a difficult situation, you know, when when we when we get involved in family matters, sometimes we get very emotional, we get very um, biased, of course, depending on who's the one that we're related to and, and who's at fault and whatnot. But look how in a very smiling manner, in a very peaceful manner, he brought husband and wife uh, back together. And, and this is something for us to really uh, take example from as we live, you know, as we live in this society, in our multiple roles, you know, we may be, we may be uh, uh, children of our parents, we may be parents ourselves, we may be spouses, aunts, uncles, cousins, we have so many different relationships. And Prophet Muhammad after mentioning belief in one God and doing righteous deeds, he would always mention Silat al-Rahm, that keeping the, the, the family ties together, keeping them intact as something very important for all of us. Um, and in one narration, Prophet Muhammad said, he who believes in Allah and the last day, let him maintain good relation with his kins, with his relatives. So that's something really important for us to do. Uh, we know that uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, that when uh, he would receive gifts, when he would receive meat, who would he, would he keep it for himself? No, he would go, he would divide it up and he would give it to the friends and family of Khadija radiallahu anha uh, after she had passed. Um, so we know that subhanAllah, uh, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was a master at keeping uh, family relations and uh, so much so that it affected uh, others around him. It's a very interesting story of Abdullah ibn Umar, uh, the son of uh, Umar ibn Khattab, that one time he was uh, passing by a Bedouin uh, in, in Mecca. Uh, Abdullah ibn Umar was wearing uh, a turban and he was riding his donkey and he comes across, uh, um, passes by a, a Bedouin and he asks the Bedouin, are you so-and-so? And they exchange information and subhanAllah, Next thing he knows, uh, the companion of Abdullah ibn Umar was with him. He witnessed. Abdullah ibn Umar took off the turban, put it on the man, and gave him his donkey. SubhanAllah. <laughs> that was his riding animal. And he gave it to this other man because of, uh, you know, based off of this quick interaction. So um, Ibn Dinar asked uh, Abdullah ibn Umar, he says, what's going on? Like, what, what just happened here? And he said, the father of this man was the friend of my father. SubhanAllah. Look at that. It's... It is when we talk about Surat al-Raham, of course, we're talking about very close relations that we need to uh, uh, take care of. But it's also talking about the ones that our parents loved, you know, friends and family of our friends and family. SubhanAllah. So uh, that was amazing. So just because of that love relationship between uh, 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 this man's father and uh, uh, Abdullah ibn Umar's father, Umar ibn Khattab, that he gifted him such, such great gifts, SubhanAllah. So really something for us to take into consideration. And this was based, oh, and I should say that uh, in conclusion to that story, uh, he explained his actions by saying, because I heard Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings upon him, say that the finest act of goodness is the good treatment of someone whom one's father loves. 
So this is something for us to take into consideration. It shows us the importance of, of, of keeping close family relations. But now there's a there's a caveat, you know, there's a there's a tricky part to the situation because we can rattle off uh, uh, what we know is good and what we know Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam emphasized very much. But what about in our own lives when we find it difficult? We find that maybe unfortunately it can be sometimes even our own parents or our own siblings or Sometimes it's our uncle or aunt or our cousins. Um, maybe they've harmed us. Maybe they've wronged us. Um, and, and, and it happens and it's very painful. And what is the initial reaction? Sometimes that reaction is to sever the, um, the relationship. I'm never going to see them again. I, I need to cut out this toxic relation, this toxic person out of my life. That's the temptation. But we know um, uh, from the example of uh, Abu Bakr who was the best friend of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who was his, uh, um, you know, the, the the father of his beloved wife Aisha radhiallahu that um, when Aisha radhiallahu was slandered in such a bad way, you know, the worst type of of slander that can come across anybody's uh, reputation, um, he was already supporting one of his family members who was involved in that slander. And the thought had possibly crossed his mind that he possibly wanted to just stop supporting that relative that was involved in the slander of Aisha radhiallahu But of course, after uh, hearing the verse in Surah Nur uh, that was revealed, uh, um, um, Abu Bakr radhiallahu decided to um, continue to support that relative, even though he was involved in the slander of his daughter. Um, so this just shows us, you know, we need to rise above the occasion. And of course, you know, barring, you know, really extreme situations of, of immediate harm or what have you, even when people have wronged us, we should try our utmost. Can we empathize with that person? You know, why is it that they, they have harmed us? What was, what was lacking in their life that they felt the need to harm us? Or what is lacking in their knowledge or in their experience or maybe in their needs that made um, um, them harm us in that way? Um, and of course, we don't have to engage with them all the time, but still visit them, still keep up uh, connection, keep up relation. If they need support, still support them. And we know that Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said this uh, as a reminder as well, that he says, the, the person who perfectly maintains the ties of kinship is not the one who does it because he gets recompensed by his relatives. Meaning it's not just because that they're good to you, that's why you keep up the relation with your family. But it's the but the one who truly maintains the bonds of kinship, Salat al-Rahim, is the one who persists in doing so, even though the latter has severed the ties of kinship with him. So something for us to, to take into consideration. And just one last comparison that might help us wrap our heads around it. You know, sometimes we have annoying co-workers. Uh, you know, we go to work, we, we go to work possibly for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, to support our family. You know, we want to be able to provide for our family and what have you. And so we we go to work despite this annoyance, despite this frustration. Maybe it's your boss, maybe it's a coworker. So you still need to, uh, you know, say hi to them. You need to work closely with them even sometimes. So what about those relatives that we just may possibly just find annoying or maybe they tease us or they like to make fun of us or they have their, their quirks or what have you. Um, we still, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even more important, uh, then our risk is to uh, be pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make sure that we keep those family relations, that we keep, you know, uh, uh, visiting those family members, that we keep uh, in touch with them. You never know that one day when they need you or that you affected them in a positive way, that one day they will turn around and, and really be a, gr a great support for you too. Jazakallah khairan.
Ustada Lubna Wayakum Barakallafiki. Thank you so much for that. Um, it's certainly a topic that's dear to my heart, keeping uh, good relations with with family. So thank you so much for for joining us and for supporting uh, our program for the last ten nights uh, of Ramadan. Jazakallah khair. Wayak, thank you. Um, we're going to move on. Um, again, the program is, mashallah, very, very strong and very um, tight with, with amazing surprises. Um, we have our next speaker on the line, uh, and that is Mufti Abdurrahman Wahid, who's a fellow at Yaqeen Institute um, and is the associate editor of the Yaqeen Editorial Board. Um, he's also co-founder and dean uh, of Islamic Affairs at Miftah. Institute. Uh, Mufti Abdurrahman, are you around? Right here. Thank so you so I'm much here. for joining us um, and Barakallah Fiqh for your time. We'd love to hear from you. Um, just, uh, just a random question. Um, it is the last 10 nights. Um, we're all kind of uh, gearing up to, to for the last mile um, in this uh, amazing month of Ramadan. What would be your advice for us to finish strong? Um. So, Zakhlaqa, great question. Um, before I start my topic today, um, yeah, just uh, I'm going to be sitting in Atikaf in a few hours, so make dua that Allah accepts our Atikaf. I would say in the last 10 nights, uh, remember, you know, people always say the first impression is the last impression, but according to hadith, it's the last impression that's the lasting impression. In the Mal'amalu bil khawatim, it's how you end. So, um, so you need so try to make the last 10 days the best 10 days by removing your distractions isolating yourself as much as you can um you know you will have time to enjoy and i'll conclude by saying this top part of it that on the day of eid if you are crying because you miss ramadan that means you did something great in ramadan so hopefully these last 10 nights you know we just end uh understanding that allah SWT will not judge us by the first 20 days Allah will then judge us by the way we ended the, uh, this month. So try to end uh, strong. And of course, the best way to do that is to remove the distractions. A person who has a distracted heart uh, cannot focus in Salah, cannot fo focus in Ramadan, cannot focus on Laylatul Qadr. To try to remove as many distractions, distractions as you have, even if you have any goals for later, just leave it for later, inshallah. Um, that's a great question. Jazakallah khair. Also make dua for me. I'm going to be start, starting Atikaf in a few hours. All right, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, nahmaduhu wa nasalli ala rasulihi al-kareem, amma ba'd. Of all the speakers that spoke today, may Allah reward all of you. I couldn't catch all the speeches today because I had a migraine and I just got on a few minutes ago, so if my eyes are red, so forgive me for that. Um, when we talk about the Prophet's life, every angle of his life is beautiful. You know, Sheikh Omar Sulaiman, he mentioned this um, in one of his episodes. Even if he never spoke, even if he never did anything, just by looking at his beautiful face, looking at just being around his presence would be enough to tell you that he's a prophet of Allah, sallallahu Every angle of his life, every single thing he did. For me, something that I have reflected upon recently is how the prophet, sallallahu knew what to say at what time to what individual. Like he was, it was always the right thing at the right time with the right person. Because he was such a comforting person. You know, when, when Isa al-Islam says, وَجَعَلَنِي مُبَارَكًا أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُ Allah has made me Mubarak. Mubarak means a person who is comforting. His presence is so comforting. Her presence is so comforting. Anything they say, like the words are later. Just the fact that they're there, it's so comforting because they have so much love for you and they, love, and and they care for you so much and they share your pain. So the Prophet ﷺ was that individual where, who went out of his way 
to comfort one another, to bring happiness and joy in the hearts of the people around him. Today in our society, we find that we meet so ritualistically on the day of Jum'ah, on days of Eid, celebrations, and janazas. Umar ibn Khattab said, a sign that someone loves you is that he or she goes out of their way to meet you. Not just ritualistically meeting, but they put themselves through inconvenience to meet you. If you find someone like that in your life that is going putting themselves through inconvenience, not just because they were in the area they're meeting you, but they're actually coming just for you. That's a sign of love. And how many people in the world are like that nowadays, where they put themselves through inconvenience, take a detour, just, just take out time from their day, from their month. I know we're all busy, but that is a sign of love. That's Then we can be comforting to each other like the Prophet was. You see at the time when his uh, Ja'far bin Abi Talib passed away. SubhanAllah, we just went through this recently, October 5th, my brother passed away. Uh, Sheikh Abdul in, in a car accident. And the Prophet he finds out through through his divine uh, through the divine method that Jafar has passed away in Muta, and he comes to his right away. He gets up, and he goes to the house, and he gets uh, Abdullah, and Muhammad, and some narration Aun in his laps. Like he puts them all all three of them in his lap, and then you know like he just knew what to say because he was such a comforting presence. You know when I was going through the situation myself, you felt the difference variations of people. People who truly, truly love you, who are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah puts the right words on their tongue and it's so comforting. Their hug is comforting, their shoulder to lean on is comforting. You can cry with them. It's, everything is so comforting about their presence. And this is where do we get this from? The Sunnah of the Prophet. He was the most comforting person. He was always there for the grieved, he was always there for the one who was going through difficulties. I mean, we have a community that's going through so many difficulties now. And it's our responsibility to reach out to them. It's not their responsibility to find us. A person who has to give zakat, he, you you uh, who, you don't have to wait. You don't wait for the person to come ask for zakat. But it's your responsibility to find someone who's entitled for zakat. You can't just tell Allah in the day judgment. I was waiting at home and nobody came two three years. You have to find that person. Similarly, being in the community, finding people, and then being a means of comfort. The Prophet comes, sits down, he puts him in his lap. He says, "Amma Muhammad." فَشَبِيهُ عَمِّنَ أَبِي طَالِبُ He said, Muhammad, like just to make him feel good. He looks like our uncle Abu Talib. SubhanAllah. وَعَمَّا عَبْدُ اللَّهِ فَشَبِيهُ خَلْقِي وَخُلْقِي And Abdullah, he looks like me and he acts like me. And right away he starts saying great things. And as he leaves the house, he says, إِسْنَعُوا لِآلِ جَعْفْرَةُ عَامًا فَقَدْ أَتَاهُمْ أَمْرٌ يَشْغُلُهُمْ أَوْ أَتَاهُمْ مَا يَشْغُلُهُم he says, please, he tells the people, what right when he walks out of the house, he tells his companions, prepare food for the family of Ja'far. Don't let the wife cook. Don't let the family cook because now they're, they're, they're busy with something else. I remember this aspect of, this started with the Prophet's words. And this aspect, when my brother passed away, none of us, none of our family members wanted, were eating or just became so sick and weak. And next thing you know, in our community, someone started a Google Drive, shared it, Google Sheet, and shared it with everybody. And every single day for about, I think, 60 days in our community, someone was bringing food to our house. And, and because they were bringing the food, we felt bad that we had to eat. Otherwise, it will be thrown away and they prepare with so much love. So because of their love and sincerity, we ended up eating and getting strength and you know, at least carrying on with our life. And imagine how much reward all these family members got. They just made this Google sheet. And I said, SubhanAllah, where does this start from? Where the Prophet is so comforting, he understands this. The Prophet said in a hadith, that any time a person goes out to meet somebody to comfort him, 
نادى مناد من السماء announcer makes an announcement أن طبت وطاب ممشاك وتبوأت من الجنة منزلة you have become blessed and pure your walking has become blessed and pure and you have prepared for yourself an abode in Jannah عبدي زارفية وعلي قراه فلم يرض الله له ثواب دون الجنة Allah says he, he or she left their comfort of their home flew all the way to Michigan just to comfort these people Upon me is their reward, and I will. They, Allah will not be pleased with the reward for them other than Jannah. That one of the greatest ways of getting forgiven by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is always trying to make someone else happy. Is this, Subhanallah? One person came to Rasulullah. Ayunasi ahabuilallah. Who is the most beloved person to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? We heard about all these great qualities today, but. Listen to this hadith. Who is the most beloved person to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The Prophet said, nas linnas. The most beloved person to Allah is the one who benefits people the most. A'mal. In the most beloved action to Allah, Sururun ala Muslimin. Sururun ala Muslimin. The best of all deeds is that moment of joy and happiness that you brought for your Muslim brother or sister. You just helped them. You were just there for them. And so today, you see, you also see, and I'll conclude by saying the story, um, subhanAllah, about Bashir ibn Aqaba, right? And when the Prophet saw Bashir ibn Aqaba after the Battle of Uhud, and his father had passed away, and he was crying. And he said, Ya Habib, Ayubkika, oh Habib, what makes you cry? And why are you crying for? Bashir Nakhba is saying this. I was a child that came to the Prophet Rasulullah. And my, my, the Prophet said, Ya Habib, what makes you cry? Imagine the right word at the right time to the right person. Oh Habib, his name was Bashir, but he called him Habib. Would you not be pleased that I take the place of your father and my wife Aisha takes the place of your mother? Subhanallah, so profound words. He said, then he put his hand over my head like this. He said, I can still feel the effect of his hand on my head. Akbar says so beautifully. <clears throat> he says, Har ki Is Kare sewar un par apne gulam ko he says, everyone is, you know, burning with the heat of envy and jealousy. You know, this fire. Find that water that can extinguish that fire. Be that means of comfort. Be that water. Be that cool person. You walk in and you light up the room. Then he, of course, later on, he says, The one, the leader who made his own servants sit on the camel and he the, the leader himself walked find that leader and walk behind that leader it's a profound poem the last part of course talking about Aslam, how he put Aslam on the back of the camel and he walked himself he said find a person like that and follow them and live your life behind them allah make us among those who are means of comfort for others and make us among those who on the day of judgment are going to be among those who allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us because we brought happiness and joy and comfort to others Thank you so much for joining us. We know that you had a migraine, um, but it was so important for you to, to be part of us um, tonight. Thank you so much. Um, and I do uh, 
send my condolences um, about your brother. Um, but again, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, we're going to continue. Um, we still have quite a fair bit to cover um, in, the, in the next period of this program. Um, but before I introduce the next, um, uh, the next speaker, I just want to give you guys an update on where we're at with uh, the donors um, for the last 10 nights program. Mashallah, we've, uh, we're up to f 652, uh, 652 out of our goal for 1,000. Inshallah, we'll reach 1,000 um, by the end of the program. Um, you guys know how good the quality is uh, at Yaqeen Institute in terms of the, the, the videos that, that are produced, the resources that are produced, and mashallah, that level of quality and customer service has trickled down to the donation platform as well. So it only takes a few seconds to donate. So if, uh, if you have the means, uh, we'd love you to support uh, the work of Yaqeen Institute in the last 10 nights. So make sure um, you see the link in the uh, in the comments below. I'm going to move on to our next speaker. Um, again, you know, mashallah, I've been very fortunate to uh, now have, uh, you know, powerhouse after powerhouse of speakers uh, on this program. Our next speaker is Ustava Fatima Knight, um, and she'll be talking to us about how the Prophet ﷺ spent time at home, uh, which is really important, um, especially during COVID days when people are spending more time at home. Uh, Ustava Fatima has a Bachelor in Islamic Law and Theology and a Master's in Religious Studies, and she has a keen interest in uh, the topic of modernity, gender in the Islamic tradition, and she's a research fellow at Yaqeen Institute. Ustaza Fatima Nain, thank you so much for joining us, and I'm going to hand over straight to you. We'd love to hear from you. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum to everyone joining live. Alhamdulillah, it's a blessing to be in your company. First off, I want to say I think it's so uh, brilliant that Yaqeen has chosen to focus on the example of the Prophet Muhammad during this month. And by doing that, we're focusing the community, our community, on his incredible example and all of the ways in which he inspires us to uh, live our values and to live a life that has a rich connection and relationship with Allah. Um, you can see. SubhanAllah, so much has been said, um, and, and yet there's so much more to say about the Prophet So I'm here to talk for just a couple minutes about um, his example at home, and I already touched on I want to say, you know, we know, of course, that Prophet Muhammad to the world, to all of the worlds, right? And we also know that included his household, right? That included his own home. He was immersed to his family, to his children, to his wives, to his extended family, right? So his mission of being this um, usherer in, of medalist of mercy, was not, not just for the people outside of his home, the people that he had to bring into the deen, but it was for those closest to him as well. And so he was very keen and gracious, um, and he was very keen spreading that mercy within his own home. And then the other thing that we know so well about the Prophet Muhammad was his character, 
right? So we know that he was ala azim. He was upon incredible, incredible character, right? And again, this character, the pawn extended to how he treated his family. This wasn't simply something that he showed the rest of the world. This was something that was part and parcel of his character, of his essence, and he exhibited it so beautifully in his own home and uh, amongst his family members. To the extent, as we all know, that his wife, said that his character was the Qur'an. character was the Qur'an. And how beautiful of it to be the case that what you are aiming to be, everything that you're aiming to be, and the message that you're aiming to give to the world, the people who are closest to you can testify and say who he said he was in the home, outside of the home, is exactly what he said he was all about. And this speaks, subhanAllah, to the Prophet's integrity. The Prophet had such incredible integrity. Just as gracious and kind and loving and of service in the home as he was outside of the home. And this is something for us to start and sit with. Is we often spend so much of our day outside of the home, right? This past year has been very different. But a typical day, a typical week for us is that we spend so much time outside of the home. And uh, sometimes we can spend our best hours and our best energy outside of the home. And then we come home and maybe we don't have as much to give. And we have to remember that it's those people who are closest to us that we owe the most to. It's those people who depend on us that we owe the most to. Sometimes it can be easy to impress those who you only see for a few hours out of week, right? For those who you only see in a specific uh, context context of your life. Um, but it's, it's a lot more difficult to do that with your family because you have to be consistent with them and they depend on you, right? That's where you show um, what your character is. And we're so blessed as a community that we look at our prophet, say that was a man who was just as good to people outside as to people out inside. Right? Different character for those part of his family than he did for the outside of his family. And this is something that we can really, really take to heart. The other thing is service. Right? No, we say that, you know, the prophet was of course of service, his whole role. Right was to be of service to humanity, to spread the message of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. But we also know that he was of service to family and home. And the thing of being in a spirit service is that you do what needs to be done 
when it needs to be done, which is why you see the prophet in all these different roles. Uh, Fatima, I, I do apologize, but um, you see him sometimes. Out he's outspoken. He's out front, but he can also be in his home with his family, cleaning, taking care of what needs to be taken care of in the household. And this is the true spirit of service in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allow us to be people of service to know what to do when it needs to be done. Jazakallah. Wa iyaakum, Fatima. Thank you so much. We seem to have lost with a few glitches. But inshallah, guess what? We're going to host you on the Double Take podcast in a few weeks. So those who want to hear more from Ustaza Fatima Knight, you're going to have to subscribe to the podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. Now that's completely fine. And I got to put a shameless plug in as well. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm going to hand over to Dr. Altaf Hussain, who is doing a very important job of counting the number of donors. Dr. Altaf, what are we at at the moment? Yeah, so thank you so much. And I'm so excited to be back to co-host. We're at... Uh, when your shift is finishing, uh, we are at 690 out of 1,000. So inshallah, very close to the 1,000 mark. And we have just a, a couple hours left to go. But before you leave, I want to acknowledge and I want to thank you. And I want to let those uh, watching us know that uh, Brother Muhammad, uh, of course, uh, is the host of the Double Take podcast. He's in Sydney, Australia. So he had to wake up extra early to be able to join us, mashallah. And if he looks this great, having woken up extra early, I wonder what he looks like during the day, mashallah. May Allah bless him, continue to grant <laughs> his nur, mashallah. And, uh, and we'll be back. Uh, and and <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, Thank brothers you. and sisters, mashallah, we are continuing on with the program. We're so excited to have you. Uh, all of you who have joined us from the beginning, those of us, those of you who are joining us in the sort of in the middle of the program, welcome. We've had some great uh, uh, reminders, practical reminders about how to sustain a prophetic lifestyle. And indeed, all of the topics that, that were assigned to the speakers ended with like he did. And the he, of course, is our beloved Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So inshallah, without further ado, I want to remind you that as the program goes on, we urge you, number one, to make dua. Continue to make dua for yourselves and for the success of the work of Yaqeen Institute because we uh, are so heartened by your feedback. We're so heartened that you return day in and day out to watch the Meeting Muhammad series when it you know, uh, launches in the mornings, where we're in the US at least. And of course, for the Quran 30 for 30. And, and, and you've shown a consistent level of support. We benefit from your support in terms of du'a. We benefit from your attendance in these programs. And we, of course, benefit from your financial support. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to put barakah in your time, in your energy, in your wealth, and indeed help us to be good stewards and the greatest stewards of the donations that you are giving to us. So let me move now to bring uh, another one of our scholars, inshallah, uh, to speak to us. 
So in the studio we have, and I'll introduce him first, and we'll ask him to give us some practical reminders about how the Prophet led. How did he lead, right? Leading like he did. Sheikh Yahya Ibrahim hails from Australia. We should have kept on Brother Muhammad Saud to get to greet a fellow Aussie, mashallah, and is a registered teacher and assistant principal. He also serves as the Islamic chaplain Muslim community at Curtin University, as well as the University of Western Australia, and teaches Islamic ethics, theology, uh, and exegesis for Al-Maghrib Institute. His pursuit of knowledge started young with memorizing the Quran, mashallah, in his teens. I mean, he's just a few years old, so I don't know when he started, mashallah. His, uh, his mindfulness. And then later, he uh, led to his studies in exegesis, jurisprudence, and hadith with the scholars from the Hijaz and from Egypt. Sheikh Ibrahim, mashallah, recently produced a powerful, powerful new video series for Yaqeen Institute entitled Guidebook to God, helping Muslims reconnect to the essence and the beauty of our faith. Uh, Sheikhna, I know it's also early for you, so we really appreciate uh, you taking time to join us. And uh, and uh, I'll connect with you after your message. So, Fayyatafadal, uh, Sheikh Yahya Ibrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts from us all the little that we do and grants us more than we would give to ourselves. Allahumma ameen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be witnesses of Laylat al Qadr. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala support all of those who uh, commit to an act of righteousness and, and um, dealings of morality and, and high ethics in memory and in commemoration of the tradition of the Prophet. The Prophet was a leader. And he wasn't a leader in one sphere of life, but he was a leader in all things of life. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Sajda, which is actually the juz that is being recited in the Quran now, if you're doing one juz a day to make your khatma at the final day of the month of Ramadan. In Surah Al-Sajda, Alif Lam Mim Al-Sajda, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَجَعَلْنَا مِنْهُمْ أَئِمَّةً يَهْدُونَ بِأَمْرِنَا لَمَّا صَبَرُوا وَكَانُوا بِآيَاتِنَا يُقِنُونَ I made out of the people of Bani Israel those who would be beacons of guidance, imams. Lamma sabaru, when they demonstrated their patience, wakanu bi ayatina yuqinun, and remained firm in yaqeen upon the truth. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from those who are firm upon the truth to make us in those who are commemoration of the tradition of the Prophet. The Prophet ﷺ was a leader especially in difficult times. His bravery, his character, his courage was something that inspired those who were notable, uh, you know, icons of courage. One of the most powerful statements you find in the hadith in the sunnah is the hadith of Ali radiallahu anhu where he says, In the raging battle when everybody began to feel fear, at that moment of battle, we would hide behind our Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So our Prophet always led from the forefront. And I wanted to focus on three quick points, inshallah, in the three minutes that I have remaining. First is being a person who is brave is not a natural instinct. It is something that you can develop and can increase with a determined effort of sabr. And sabr simply means to be courageous where others are not able to sustain that same level of commitment and holding fast and holding longer when other people would let go or step back. 
So you find somebody who rushes in to save people when there's a burning building. We refer to them as courageous, but really what they've demonstrated is that they were able to go further, to endure more, to remain more consistent, and to hold on longer in their commitment to the helping and saving of others than other people could who backed away from it. So that's something you can begin to learn, especially in the month of Ramadan. You can begin to lead with your wealth. You can begin to lead, you know, at a moment of austerity. SubhanAllah, with COVID restrictions and all of this, some people, they, their natural instinct is to hold on to our wealth. And SubhanAllah, that, that natural instinct is actually counterintuitive spiritually. We believe as Muslims the actual opposite, that if you want to increase your barakah, you actually share it with those who don't have what you have been blessed with, even if it is half a date. Even if it is, you know, simply half of a date, that is how you increase your own prosperity, your own health, and your own, uh, uh, your own good. The second thing that I wanted to say, inshallah, is that your commitment to others is something that shows your bravery in times of difficulty and dissension. So if you want to show the leadership of the Prophet ﷺ in your home as a husband, as a wife, it's in how you solve the problems that you have between yourselves, your family, your children, your in-laws, your extended family, your father, your mother. It's how you demonstrate it with those who are nearest to you before those who are far from you. How you restrict your words, how you, you, know, you, you break your pride in being quick in response, quick in attack. You know, you have this opportunity to hold on to a greater degree. And third and finally, and I end with this, is your bravery is only by the tawfiq of Allah. So always ask Allah, Allahumma afrigh alayna sabra. Oh Allah, shower us with patience. SubhanAllah, it's something that descends. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I'm the one who makes your feet firm. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us firmness in the time of difficulty. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our hearts to each other and allow us to transition through any problems that we may face. And this is how the Prophet led sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Make your life a Muhammad-centric life. Put him and his sunnah at the forefront of your religious experience. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase us in this blessed month of Ramadan in these final 10 days. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullah khairan, Shaykh Yaya. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. Um, I know we have benefited tremendously from uh, your work and your contributions. If you were to think about what is the pulse on the ground there in Australia about Yaqeen Institute, what sort of comments are you hearing? What kind of feedback are you hearing from the folks who are being exposed to it, partly through your own connection to us? Well, look, I can tell you just in Perth, the major Islamic schools, for example, mashallah, uh, our school, Al-Amin College, we have well over a thousand students. Uh, the Australian Islamic College, nearly 3,000 students. A part of the large curriculum that relates to the Islamic education of our children as it relates to some of the, the issues that require an increase in yaqeen that uh, to bring out our manifestation of Islam is directly uh, in correlation and in um, uh, assistance through the yaqeen Institute's uh, wonderful programs and wonderful videos. And we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to contribute to it, not just financially, but in terms of content, in terms of dua, and in terms of uh, just giving a, a moral support. Uh, you know, whatever controversies there are, 
the importance is the good that is being done that we take and we assist each other in that which is good and counsel each other when there is something that requires fixing and counsel bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Thank you so much. May Allah bless you. And indeed, um, we are so uh, grateful that uh, through you, our connection to Australia and through Brother Muhammad Zawud and others, Barakallah uh, we wish you the best as the end of Ramadan approaches, um, except from all of us. Thank you so much, Shaykh Barakallah Allahumma ameen. Salaamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. All right, brothers and sisters, to keep it moving, mashallah, uh, we've heard yet another you know, powerful reminder about how to maintain a prophetic lifestyle. And indeed, now the, I have the, uh, the honor of sharing the good news that we are up to 732, mashallah, mashallah, people who have donated so far. And you know what's amazing is that when we started, right? I mean, people have started signing up for the last 10 nights uh, campaign. Of course, before when we started, the went live today at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. But it's critically important to know that during the time we've been on, we're getting great feedback that you're loving the webathon, the amazing um, you know, uh, uh, contributions from our scholars. And yes, we took notice of at least two of our scholars who were who had some technical issues. So we're gonna do our best to see what we can do about getting their their uh, particular uh, uh, segments uh, recorded inshallah and uh, and we'll hopefully try to share them. I noticed that Sheikh Abdullah's was uh, how he Prophet was uh, with his uh, you know with his family, with his wife uh, and and, uh, and uh, that had technical issues. I'm assuming that many wives were saying to their husbands, you know, listen to this reminder. And when it didn't happen and technical issues, they're saying, now please record this because uh, we all need it, including myself, Atav Hussein, needs that reminder. All right. So brothers, there's 732 people have signed up. We're very close to 1,000. Uh, I have another about uh, 45 minutes in this segment. And then we'll hand it over to um, my uh, my taller, more handsome sheikh, uh, uh, Omar. Suleiman, uh, inshallah, Sheikh Omar Suleiman will be back. Uh, those of you who are wondering where he is, uh, he did his segment right in the beginning. So if you were not with us, you missed that segment. But don't worry, he's going to be back, inshallah, to to um, to really co-host the last part, but also to do a powerful closing du'a. And we make you know uh, continue to make du'a for him for having the vision to have founded Yaqeen Institute. Brothers and sisters, to move along, we have now, mashallah, in the studio, um, uh, someone who is really uh, uh, in terms of you know special he has the last name hussein so i am Altaf hussein he is omar hussein and he spells it the way it's supposed to be spelled with one s so you can't get any better than that but actually he's the head of instruction for our expanded learning uh, team and an imam in uh, san antonio texas he recently received allahu akbar his doctorate degree in counselor education and supervision from the university of texas at san antonio and he currently serves as a licensed chemical dependency counselor, as well as interns uh, as a licensed professional counselor. Omar Mashallah brings a wealth of knowledge in both the Islamic and social sciences, which he uses to help uh, connect Yaqeen to a much younger audience. Um, he remains young while I age right in front of his eyes, Mashallah. Please join me in welcoming Sheikh uh, Dr. Omar Hussein. Um, so I will talk briefly about perhaps the most obvious thing that we have in Ramadan that we often neglect, and that is food. We give up food and we give up drink during the daytime. But if 
what is our relationship with that food? We will find that the Prophet ﷺ was not a person too obsessed with food. And the Prophet ﷺ told us in a very clear hadith. He said, Food for one is enough for two. And food for two is enough for four. And food for four is enough for eight. We see people uh, saying, you know, this this Ramadan, I'm going to I'm going to pray this much more. I'm going to read more Quran. I'm going to do more dhikr. Everything, everything. Rarely do people say, you know what? I'm going to cut back on the food. I'm going to cut back on the fried foods. We are a holistic human being, right? We cannot operate independently. We have a spiritual component. We have a psychological component. We have a physical component. And when the Prophet ﷺ told us that. Uh, that your body has a right over you. There's a lot that goes into that. So as these nights wind down, eat how he did, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Do not eat until you're full. Full. We all know, right? A third for food, uh, a third for food, a third for water, a third for air. So always leave the iftar with a little bit, like, you know what? I I could eat more, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And you will find that it will fuel your worship more, which is the ultimate goal of this month. Do not throw down at iftar. Take your time. Relax. Just break it with a couple of dates. Breathe. Take some time. Have a nice light dinner. Pray your night prayer. Your worship will be better. It's amazing. Even people um, who are really committed to their deen, they just completely ignore the prophetic guidance of eating. So do not stuff yourselves uh, do not overeat. I know it's very tempting. We have long fast. Uh, the weather is warm in, in many parts of the world. But if you think about this, if you can control food in this month of Ramadan, then you and I can control probably anything in our lives because food is everywhere. It's all around us. It's not going to go away. And we are not told that we can't eat. The Prophet enjoyed certain foods, right? Like the shoulder portion of the lamb. So it's not forbidden to enjoy food, but the obsession that we have with it is unhealthy. And it leads to a loss in worship. It leads to negligence and really being able to commit and be spiritually sound. And Imam Ghazali had mentioned two things uh, that really are the, uh, the, the trouble zone for human beings, the private parts and the stomach. The stomach must be controlled. So as this Ramadan goes down, fuel yourselves with the right food. I'm not saying to make a drastic change. In fact, keep eating whatever you're eating. Just eat a little bit less and leave the table with some room uh, where, where you are not completely full. As Ramadan ends, the next time or uh, you go out, whether it's in Ramadan or out, if you're eating out, outdoor dining, or if you're carrying uh, carry out, whatever it is, just order one dish off the menu and share it with someone. Everyone don't get their own. The Prophet ﷺ told us that one is enough for two, just as I mentioned in the beginning uh, of this brief reminder. So when you go out, split it with someone, even if it seems like it's uh, you know little, whatever the case may be. Most of the time, the, the, the portion sizes are just outrageous. So it's more than enough, inshallah for us to be able to 
get control and lose this obsession uh, that we seem to have with food and 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 neglect how it is directly connected to our worship. When we eat too much, we don't feel good. Um, we don't want to stand for a long time in the prayer, right? Stomach troubles, all kinds of things. So the Prophet he would enjoy his food when it was appropriate, but he did not obsess over the food. Um, it was not his goal in life to eat the best of foods. So enjoy. Eat and drink, but do not be wasteful, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran. Uh, inshallah, something this is something we can start implementing as soon as tonight in iftar and something inshallah that we can maintain. Jazakumullah khairan. <laughs> I, 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 I'm telling you. Isn't it uh, uh, interesting that uh, Ramadan is about fasting and yet uh, the budgets for food seems to expand? Am I correct? You're from the expanded learning department. So it's very interesting that uh, we're, we're, we're seeing that. And uh, Muslims, mashallah, and if you see them at iftar, sometimes they, we, we, we look like we're taking revenge on the food. It's like, where have you been all day? <laughs> Come back to me and, uh, and we go at it, mashallah. So let me ask you a question because Sheikh Omar asked this of uh, Dr. Tasneem, mashallah, who also recently became a, a doctora, uh, and you, you guys are both from Expanded Learning. Within the Yaqeen family, what is your favorite Yaqeen department? What is my favorite? Well, that's like asking what's your favorite child. There's not really a <laughs> well, good answer. Well, are your children watching? You can, you can go ahead and answer. <laughs> uh, well, I... <laughs> I also only have one, so I guess I was <laughs> you know, I, I, I was trying to be slick, but I just I just completely failed on that account. Yeah, uh, I would just but, but seriously, just briefly, uh, one of the beauties of Yaqeen is that it offers something for everyone. So the academic who just wants to read and read and read, or the high school student, or someone who just needs a quick clip for dawah, it offers something for everything. This is a, a, a tremendous benefit from the institution. Mashallah. Thank you so much. And we uh, we would love to have you back, inshallah. So, uh, and again, thank you for taking time on a Sunday to be with us. Brothers and sisters, we're going to keep it moving, inshallah. I'm looking now just to make sure that I don't miss uh, an update because we have good news coming through all the time, mashallah. We are at 766. 766 um, of you have signed up for our uh, last 10 nights campaign. And remember, the amazing thing about giving, right? We know that the Prophet Sallallahu was very generous throughout his life, throughout the 11 months of the of the year, and then particularly so in Ramadan, like his generosity increased. If you can imagine, even what that you know, we can comprehend what what that, what that even means. And in the Quran, we're talking about expanded learning, and uh, and uh, and our Sheikh Omar uh, Hussein just now that in the Quran, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala specifically identifies in Surah Saba, in Surah number 34, verse number 39, that he is in charge of our that he expands the sustenance of whomever he wills and he constricts the sustenance of whomever he wills by saying that say to them O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that indeed my Lord expands the sustenance of whomever he wills he also constricts it from whomever, whomever he wills but then what's amazing is immediately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says so he blesses us, Allah SWT blesses us, we spend from it, and then he says, for whatever you spend, then he replaces that which you spend. SubhanAllah, what an amazing, amazing and beautiful uh, cycle of, of uh, being recipients, recipients of blessings, giving of that, 
and then having that replaced. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed accept from all of you. Keep it coming. Inshallah, I would love to hand off this segment in about um, about 30 minutes or so to Sheikh Omar, having reached the thousand goal, so that he can just focus on uh, uh, introducing and, and interacting with our other scholars and then do the dua. So if you can, we have about half an hour. Let us do this, inshallah. Today, where are the other 200 and about 40, uh, 44 of you, inshallah, uh, 34 of you to make this happen, inshallah. Uh, go to our website and manage it. All right. So let me go ahead and introduce, inshallah, our next guest. And this is, you know, really a pleasure for all of us to be benefiting. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that you've benefited from, you know, from your, um, uh, from our, our gathering so far. I want to just look in the chat. Is uh, uh, our next already in, in the just want to make sure that he's here, and there he is. Oh my God, the nur of the nur of this shirt. See, I, I can't even keep up. Like we were draft stuff, and then here comes Dr. Jonathan Brown, mashallah. Who, by the way, this is how amazing the Yaqeen family is. They were known to each other, Dr. Jonathan Brown and Sister Tasneem Al Kik. At the time, was Taza Tasneem. Dr. Jonathan Brown was the advisor on the dissertation committee at Georgetown University of uh, Dr. Now Tasneem Al Kik. So, in doing all of what he does. Is the, the Al Walid bin Talal Chair of Islamic Civilization in the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown University, and is the director of our own history, uh, Yaqeen's History and Islamic Thought Department. Mashallah, he's published several papers with Yaqeen Institute, and most notably, his paper on Hudud remains one of our most searched uh, uh, papers. And if there's like a Google, uh, you know, if there's an error in typing, you'll end up typing Hudhud, which is going to take you to another paper altogether. We're talking about Hudud. Focus, inshallah, and we'll get through this. Please join me in welcoming from live from Washington, D.C., Dr. Jonathan Brown. Uh, alaikum. Can I just say, you know, Sheikh Omar Hussein, where were you yesterday? Last night was a disaster, okay? I ate, so, I ate way too much dessert, and it destroyed me for the whole night and all today. I ate four pieces of kanafa and two homemade baklavas and a chocolate ganache cupcake. And it was really, I wish I had heard, this, I heard your advice yesterday. By the way, Sheikh uh, Omar, he's the one who gave me a tour of the, uh, the Alamo. Anyway, so what's going on? Assalamualaikum. So we're, we're, we're inshallah, going to give you a few minutes to do your message, and I'll come back and ask you a couple questions, inshallah. Yeah, well, I, I was asked to talk about, well, I actually volunteered to talk about how the Prophet, they saw Salaam, did da'wah, um, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And uh, I, uh, you know, I, I it's funny. I think I'm like a, a massive failure in Dawah. It's funny. I, I always, like, I never convinced anybody in my family to become Muslim. But then my my other family, my other friend, was white guy, like, went and got all his relatives to convert to Islam. You know, and I always thought he was too heavy-handed. And then he was uh, successful when I wasn't. So I'm, I, I, I have to say, I, I don't know if I'm the best person to talk about this. But I volunteered to talk about because I, I really wish I knew more about it. But I will say this. One of the things that really interests me and inspires me about the Prophet the way he did da'wah is that he always knew, he thought about the right approach for each person. Right? He thought about the right approach for each person. And he, sometimes he could be very like severe, kind of like, you know, we think like fire and brimstone. You know, when he goes and he tells the people of Quraysh who are, you know, uh, insulting him behind his back and he's going around the Kaaba and he says to them, you know, you know I, I'm bringing slaughter to you. Like he's, Telling them like you're gonna be destroyed by, when by this message. This message is gonna destroy you because you're gonna reject it. You know, and he's like, and like it shocks them. They're really stunned. They they've been sitting there bad mouthing him, and they're so shocked by what he said that they they didn't even know how to reply. Like so, sometimes he could be very severe when that was the appropriate thing to do. 
And then other times he could be so soft that it's almost hard. I, I, especially during Ramadan or especially like in this, in this day and age when we kind of, everybody feels like they have the, they're entitled to just indulge like righteous anger all the time. And you're always the stand up for the honor of this and the honor of that. Like we always feel like we have a license to be severe and rude, but the prophet could be so soft with people, even though they were rude. And uh, the, the, the hadith that I love is in uh, Bukhari and Muslim and some of Majah. And then the, this Bedouin comes into the mosque, which of course is all sand. And uh, he just starts to pee in the mosque because he doesn't know what it is. It's just, you know, like where you, you pee wherever you're going to pee. So he starts to be, and of course the companions are outraged. They want to go and beat him up and, and stop, stop him. And the prophet says, you know, what do you think? You know, let him, he's actually, let him finish. Don't interrupt him. And then afterwards, the man comes up to the prophet and the prophet says, Alayhi says, the mosque is for uh, prayer and the remembrance of God. And he tells the people to go put uh, dirt and sand on the urine. And the, the Bedouin understands what he did was wrong. And he says, you know, this prophet, he did not curse me. He did not get angry at me. And he is so, he's just overwhelmed by love for the prophet and, and convinced by him, you know, because this man could have been so severe with him you know, and he was extremely soft and 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 respectful. And the thing that I was really moves me about the prophet, and it's something that I'm so bad at, is that he he really took everybody seriously. And this is the most important thing when you want to. I can think about like all the arguments I've ever gotten and all the debates I've ever had. The only time I've ever succeeded in convincing anybody of anything is when I really took them seriously. I really took what they had to say seriously. I gave them respect. I gave them my, I gave them courtesy, right? And almost more, I, I had to do more than I thought was necessary. I was almost like, I felt like I was piling it on. But that was the only time that I ever had any, you know, really had an impact on a person that I was, you know, discussing something with or debating or, or having an argument with. It was really when I took them seriously as a person, like as if they were exactly my equal. And, you know, this is so, you can imagine the Prophet, he's from a noble family in a very status conscious society. And he, um, you know, he, his first followers, I mean, m many of them are, are are slaves. Like in Sahih Bukhari, I think, uh, who is it? Uh, one of the companions says, you know, I saw that when I first met the prophet, like he, they're only with him, like slaves and Ali and like Abu Bakr. I think that was like, basically it, there was like, it was, it was just slaves were with him, you know? So, and he took, took them each so seriously. And not only that, but he was able to bring out of them greatness, right? So Bilal was one of them. Suhaib was one of them. Uh, um, uh, uh, Zaid was one of them, right? Like people who become extremely influential people in the Muslim community. Remember, we don't we forget about this. Bilal was like with the Prophet all the time. Like he was like almost his personal assistant. Uh, we, don't, we forget about that. He's with him all the time. Um, almost from the beginning of Islam. So that, that's what I, you know, just, and so think about the effect you have on people. Think about whether you're taking them seriously. And remember, you know, people don't really get convinced by arguments. People get convinced by two things. They get convinced, they get convinced by how you make them feel. And they get convinced by who you are. Uh, so we talked about how you make them feel. But this is the second thing. It, it's actually, you have to think about it ahead of time. And if, especially if you're out there and you're young, I really want you to think about this. The people, a lot of people believe the prophet because of who he was, because he was Al-Amin, right? When he goes and says, if I told you there was an army coming on the other side of this, this mountain, would you believe me? They'd say, of course you believe me, right? So you, you have to make yourself, shape yourself into a person that people believe.
And this is something you do every day by how you act, by how you kind of uh, deal with uh, the truth, how you um, show yourself to be a reliable person, right? Like every day, think about how you are laying a path for how you're going to be viewed by other people. And that you want that that path that to show to lead to you being a uh, 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 someone who's a reliable. Like who's that? I mean, what's up, Passion Brown? What's up? I got your hot chocolate right here. I made it for you. Show their Godzilla shirt. Godzilla shirt. He's very proud of this. Godzilla just drawing a boat. So I made him hot chocolate. They came back from soccer practice, and I wanted to keep the hot chocolate hot, so it's in the in Islam. Hey man. So this is uh now they're they're gonna want their hot chocolate. Am I done or do I do I do more stuff? Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're you're done. And I wanted to say that that actually was a, a better segment about how the prophet served his family. So thank you for making hot chocolate for your children, and uh, may, uh, may, may they enjoy it, enjoy the hot chocolate, and uh, and have a good rest of the evening. Before you go, uh, Dr. Jonathan Brown, is there one yeah. paper that sticks out to you uh, uh, other than your own? Uh, 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 for from Yaqeen, something that sticks out as a topic or in a particular paper? Yeah, um, so many kind of it kind of sort of depends on like, watch out, this really hot, highly belly. I mean, it's sort of like right now, I mean, I've been looking at the one on uh, evil, uh, I think Sheikh Suleiman Hani's paper on the problem of evil. Like, I think yeah. it just so it's it's funny, like, you you forget like the years go by and you realize like forget how deep the bench is, you know, we have like a lot of, I think if you asked me like last year or a year before or something, it would be something different. Um, that one I really like, I, I gave that to someone recently when they asked these questions. I think that's the most important thing about like, I, Yaqeen papers is they're all really solid, you know, they're, you can give that's them to so people good. and you know, they're going to like get the job done. They're going to be like, well done, uh, like well researched. And the Suleiman Hani one I liked a lot. I was reading that recently. Thank you so much, Dr. Jonathan Brown. We're gonna let you go on with your children. Do not spill any hot chocolate because no, no, that's no. gonna be a, that, 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 that shirt. It'll just, just go on my lap, lap, so it's fine. We love you, my brother. Thank you so much. We'll be back in touch with you. Take care. All right, to keep the program moving along, brothers and sisters, mashallah, you're really coming through for us. We are at 814, mashallah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. Allahumma ati munfiqan khalafa. I'm like in my own studio making takbir. I'm hoping wherever you are you're joining me in saying Allah and saying I mean to Allahumma ati munfiq khalafa Allah replace that which is being spent let us keep the program moving along remember I have less than about 20 minutes before I hand it off to Sheikh Omar right we want to reach that thousand before we get to Sheikh Omar we are at 814 we, inshallah if you can you know sign up your you know your other parts of your family members uh, uh, and uh, and let's get that thousand inshallah before we get to his segment and, and the closing dua that I'm also looking forward to. Let me now turn to our next guest, mashallah, who I mentioned earlier when I had introduced uh, Sister Najwa Awad because they're both in the same field of mental health. And so uh, Sister Sara Sudan is a fellow at Yaqeen, mashallah, and a licensed professional counselor who has been in practice for over a decade. Sara strives, uh, it says in her bio, so I'm sorry, Sister Sara strives to empower her clients to achieving healthier, more fulfilling lives and relationships while reconnecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during the hearses. She's also an instructor with Mishkah University, a course on the intersection of Islam, psychology, and counseling, known for her pivotal work on the trauma series. Uh, Sister Sarah and her co-author, as I mentioned, Sister Najwa Awad, mashallah, are currently working on a new series on building resilience in children. 
sister Sara. Take it away, and I'll come back and ask, uh, interact with you, inshallah, after your segment. Jazakumullah khairan. Uh, welcome. Jazakumullah khairan. So happy to be here, alhamdulillah. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Amma ba'd. So, you know, one of the most profound ways that the Prophet Muhammad used to connect with other people is through a way that often causes rifts to occur between us and the people that we care about. And that was through giving advice. Most of you probably have had a struggle with this in the past, um, where you've either received advice that have left a, that might have left a bitter taste in your mouth, or you may have given advice in a way that you regret it and that may have caused some distance between you and another person. And so it's something that is really an essential skill to learn, and it's a skill, right? And it, one of the reasons why it's so essential for us to learn this is because Islamically, one of the six rights that the Prophet Muhammad told us that Muslims have upon one another is that when somebody seeks your advice, you give it to that person. This is their right upon us, right? If somebody seeks your advice, it is their right upon us that we give it to them. And so learning how to do this in a way that's going to create connection and strengthen our bonds and encourage us toward good, right, is something that's really, really essential. And the Prophet ﷺ did it so beautifully, right? And so think about when you seek advice from somebody, how do you hope it's going to be conveyed, right? And when you give advice to somebody, how do you hope that it will be received? So there are a couple of hadiths that really stood out to me when I was thinking about this. And one was narrated by Mu'adh ibn Jabal عنه, where he said that one day the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, held my hand and said, Oh Mu'adh, by Allah, I love you. If you can imagine what that's like, right? By Allah, I love you. And I, I advise you not to miss supplicating after every salah, after every prayer. Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatika. Right, that, oh Allah, please help me to remember you, express gratitude to you, and worship you in the best manner. So how is the Prophet ﷺ conveying this advice to Ma'ad? Right, first we see that he held his hand, which is so powerful. It's a physical way of expressing love and care and affection to Ma'ad. It also shows a level of sincerity, right? And when he starts by saying, I love you, by verbally also expressing his love for Ma'ad. This helps so tremendously when we're giving advice to someone to make sure that it's not taken in the wrong way, right? Like when you're going to give advice to someone and you say, you know, I really, you know, I really love you. You know, I really care about you, right? So, you know, it brings a person's defenses down. And then you can convey what needs to be conveyed because this person knows that it's coming from a place of love and care rather than coming from a place of judgment because that's how advice is often taken. It's taken as a judgment. And so by preemptively expressing his love for Maad, Maad is not going to feel judged. He's not going to feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough. No, he's going to feel like this advice from the Prophet is coming from him because he loves me and he cares about me and he wants the best for me. Right. And so this is such a beautiful way to give advice. And so this is in a case where, you know, you might be thinking, OK, this is maybe a little bit of a situation where it might be a little easier. This is somebody where there's clearly love and care between them that, you know, this is not something where you have to pinpoint something difficult. What about when someone is you want to advise somebody to stop a negative behavior? So there's a hadith for that, too 
where the Prophet Muhammad a young man came to him one time and he said, oh, messenger of Allah, give me permission to commit adultery, right? He's seeking permission from the Prophet to commit a major sin. And so people around him naturally start to, you know, get upset and they say, be quiet, be quiet. You know, you can imagine how dare you do, you know, say something like this. But what does the Prophet Muhammad do? He says, come here, come here. And then he says, sit down, sit down next to me. Right. And then the Prophet asks him, would you like that for your mother? And so the man, of course, replies, no. And he and the Prophet says, neither would people like it for their mothers. Would you like it for your daughter? No. Neither would people like it for their daughters. For your sister? No. For your aunts? No. Neither would people like it for their sisters or their aunts. And then he ends by putting his hand on his shoulder, putting his hand on him, again, that physical touch, and saying, Oh Allah, forgive his sins, purify his heart, and guard his chastity. And after that, the young man never again inclined toward anything sinful. SubhanAllah. So what do we see here? First of all, we see positive regard. That everybody around this young man is rebuking him, is condemning him, right? But the Prophet is saying, I care about you. Please come and sit next to me. Come here, come closer. Meanwhile, everybody else around them, you know, probably wants as much distance between them and this young man as possible. But the Prophet instead gets closer. Beautiful. And then what does he do? He validates him by saying, Come and sit next to me. He's conveying. What you're seeking advice about is important. He doesn't dismiss him. How many times do people, like even our own children, right, come to us for something and we dismiss it as, oh, that's not a big deal, don't worry about it and everything. The Prophet ﷺ is showing that he's not dismissing a certain a person's concern, right? That, that if somebody is coming to seek advice, it's because it's important to them. And the Prophet ﷺ knew that. So he validated that. And what did he do then? He activated empathy. He helped this young man to see a see the situation from a different lens, from a different perspective. And that's one of the most powerful things we can do when giving advice to somebody is, you know, this young man already knows that adultery is haram. Otherwise, he wouldn't be seeking permission. He wouldn't need permission, right? And so by saying, oh, in the Quran, here's the punishment, et cetera, et cetera. When somebody's coming to seek your advice, that's probably not what they're looking for. They're looking for help. They're not looking for condemnation, right? It's important to, of course, guide people to the correct answer, but to do it in a kind and gentle and validating way is so powerful. And then the Prophet ﷺ ends again with this positivity by making this beautiful dua for him to show how much he cared. And so this is how the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ gave advice in a way that allowed people to feel loved and cared for, exuding mercy and wishing the best for his community. And so I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to really help us to emulate him in this way, to allow us to strengthen our bond with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also our bond with the people in our lives through our words and our actions and inshallah our advice as well. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullah khairan. Jazakumullah khairan. Thank you so much, Sister Sarah Sultan. We're going to look forward to the new series inshallah coming from you. Um, we had just some a little bit technical issues, so I need to keep moving with the program. So return you to your family, inshallah. Say salams to Haitha for us, inshallah. May Allah bless you and your family. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Jazakallah khairan. All right, I'm getting the good news. Mashallah, you have really come through in the last 40 minutes that we've been on, on the air. 
mashallah, of this segment, mashallah, we've reached 846 donors. Allahu Akbar. We are literally about 154 shy of a thousand. And we don't want to end this segment before we bring on uh, Sheikh Omar Suleiman, inshallah, to close us out. We want to hand off to him with the thousand, mashallah. So if you can, share the, make dua, uh, make a donation, share the link, inshallah, and join the uh, last 10 nights program. All right, let me keep on moving to bring, mashallah, someone who is the, uh, uh, the I, I would say, from the city of brotherly love, mashallah, Philadelphia, Dr. Tahir Wyatt is the director of uh, our Yaqeen Systematic Theology Department and serves as an associate editor on our editorial review board. Dr. Wyatt is also the executive director of the United Muslim Jid, UMM. You've got to visit it in Philadelphia if you make it there, inshallah, after the pandemic. And the president of the Quran, Arabic, and Reflection Institute, which spells quality, mashallah, in the midst of a global pandemic in a socially distanced Ramadan. Dr. Wyatt, mashallah, has produced guidance on how we can draw closer to subhanahu wa ta'ala through prophetic supplications. You can download, that is one of the two ebooks you can download, inshallah, from the Yaqeen website, the one for uh, this one on dua for relief and protection, and most recently one on daily prophetic dua for the month of Ramadan. Dr. Wyatt provides us with not only the words we should say and memorize, but also offers the context behind why these duas are particularly powerful. I know the other day, many of you watched Quran 30 for 30, and he graced us with a towering kufi, mashallah. And today he returns with the towering knowledge, but with the shorter kufi. Please join me in welcoming the star of Philly, Dr. Tahir Wyatt. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. You're that, on. Uh, that uh, that introduction was uh, was grand. Subhanallah. Um, uh, let let me um, just say, Subhanallah, as we enter into these last uh, ten nights, Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah wa bad. Uh, is a great favor from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, who has uh, blessed us, in fact, to uh, make it to this time of the year. Uh, and you think about some of the people that we've actually buried in Ramadan who did not get a chance to make it to. The last ten nights, so it truly is a blessing from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to uh, be amongst those who get the opportunity to witness Laylatul Qadr, and as a result, we should strive. As the Prophet Sallallahu instructed us, he said, "Al-Mu'min al-Qawi khairun wa habbil Allah min al-Mu'min al-Dhaif wa fi kulli khair." That the strong believer is um, more beloved to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is better and more beloved than the weak believer, and, and each of them is good. But how do we become strong believers? Strive to do that which benefits you. And seek Allah's aid. Because even though your striving is important, ultimately it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's aid uh, that will uh, assist you in getting to your goals. The Prophet said, and do not give up. Do not get frustrated with that process. You know, as you strive, uh, there are going to be hiccups along the way. That's just the nature of the imperfection uh, of Bani Adam. So it's very important that we that we strive, that we seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's aid and that we don't give up. The uh, segment, uh, as was mentioned in the beginning, is, is about dua specifically. And, you know, emulating the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his dua, praying like the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prayed as in supplicate, like the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam supplicated, make dua as he made dua. And it is uh, critical that we embody this especially in these last 10 days or these last 10 nights uh, and days, 
that we do as the Prophet وسلم, instructed his most beloved wife Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha who came to the Prophet وسلم, and asked him, Ya Rasulullah, if I feel like it's Laylatul Qadr, and if I get the feeling inside, like this is Laylatul Qadr, and what, what should I say? Notice that she asked the Prophet وسلم, what to say. She didn't ask the Prophet وسلم, what to do. And this is a great indication that the companions of the Prophet understood how important it was to make dua in these last 10 days and nights of Ramadan, and it's specifically Laylatul Qadr. And the Prophet taught her the dua that is very uh, well known, Allahumma inna ka'afuun tuhibbul afwa fa'afu anni, O Allah, you are the partner, you love to pardon, so pardon me. Uh, as we look at these last 10 nights, you know, though they are the last 10 nights of Ramadan, they are, in fact, the first uh, 10 nights of the rest of our lives. And we need to show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we appreciate that, that we appreciate that he has allowed us to get to a time and to witness a night that is better than a thousand months. I, I really think that it's important for the listening audience to break that down. Uh, we often hear people translate the thousand months into years. And so they say, you know, it's 83 years and four months and so forth. Uh, the reality is that we should even break it down further so that we grow in appreciation. If, if your night is eight hours, for example, then every single minute of Layla Tal Qadr is worth more, is worth more than two months, every single minute. That means we should not waste a minute. Wasting a minute is like wasting two months opportunity to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And because of that, it is very important uh, that we do our best to take advantage of these last 10 nights with dua, like the Prophet Sallallahu would make. I, I wanna, uh, you know, it, it is also important that we don't look at Ramadan as a, as a time to pause doing those things that are impermissible. So some people approach Ramadan and say, I'm not gonna do these things that I used to do that are impermissible. Uh, but basically, it's just like hitting the pause button. It's a temporary stop, and we go back to doing the same things that we were doing before Ramadan. Ramadan should be a time of permanent change. It does not mean we're going to be able to strive the rest of the year like we do in Ramadan. Even the Prophet ﷺ himself was more generous in Ramadan than he was at other times of the year. He was more devoted in his worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He would make i'tikaf like he would not do at other times of the year. So, yes, we're going to increase in the month of Ramadan. But it is important that we also make those subtle changes that help us draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout the year. So with that, I'm going to end with some very brief advice. Take advantage of the time between the adhan and the iqamah. The Prophet said that the dua that is made between the adhan and the iqamah is not rejected. Take advantage of that time in the month of Ramadan and then try to take advantage of that time uh, after Ramadan, if you get to the masjid early for Salat al-Fajr, if you're there from Maghrib to Isha, if you're there at the Adhan of Isha, take advantage of making dua between the Adhan and the Iqamah. As Sister Sara uh, Sultan before me mentioned, that dua that the Prophet taught Mu'ad, Oh Allah, help me, aid me in remembering you and thanking you and worshiping you properly. He told Mu'ad to say that dua at the end of every Salat. So this is something that we should be doing. Develop that habit in Ramadan, let it stick with you after Ramadan. Likewise, the Prophet ﷺ was frequent in making his du'a uh, in the morning and in the evening. We should learn those du'as. We should pray like the Prophet ﷺ prayed. The last thing that I will say is du'a cannot be lip service. It has to come from the heart. 
if we're going to make dua, like the Prophet Sallallahu made dua, it is important that our dua comes from the heart. The Prophet Sallallahu said that Allah does not accept dua from a heart that is distracted and preoccupied. We ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to accept our dua and to accept our siyam, our fasting, to accept our prayers and all of our righteous actions in this month of Ramadan. Jazakumullah khairan, uh, Sheikh Dr. Tahir Wyatt. Uh, I wish I could have done the longer introduction for you because I sincerely uh, want to you know, uh, express gratitude to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala for blessing someone of your stature with us. Thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday afternoon away from your family and your community to be with us, inshallah. We will reconnect very soon. Have a great rest of the Ram rest of Ramadan, inshallah. And barakallah. You too. Jazakumullah khairan. Thank you so much. All right. So to keep the program moving along, mashallah, I have good news that we are at 858. Come on, come on, folks. Help me out. I want to get the want to get the thousand before in the, in the next like about eight minutes before Sheikh Omar comes on, inshallah, and uh, and we all benefit from his uh, advice and also from uh, the rest of the speakers and closing du'a. So uh, let me bring on our last guest for my segment, inshallah, and then I'll turn it over to Sheikh Omar Suleiman. This uh, here is a, uh, a a blessed introduction because we're going from uh, to back up north, slightly back up north. This is Sheikh Ibrahim uh, Hindi, mashallah. He's, uh, although he's not Hindi, I think he's Masri, am I correct? All right, he's the religious director of Yaqeen Canada, mashallah, hailing, hailing from Toronto. Uh, he uh, had an early passion to study Islam and connect with others to the faith, actually act, actively serving the Muslim community since his youth as a regular khatib, still a youth, I don't know why we're saying in his youth, in some of the largest masajid in Canada, mashallah, Sheikh Ibrahim recently published an impactful uh, series on keys to prophetic parenting where he shares the prophetic approach to compassionate parenting with very practical tools to strengthen the parent-child relationship. And as we know, coming out of the pandemic, we've all learned that we were not quite doing it correctly uh, now that they've spent 24 hours, seven days a week with us to inculcate deeper bonds between parents and children and, and uh, of love and help parents achieve what it means for our children, inshallah, to be really the um, the inheritors, if you will, uh, of, of this faith and, uh, and 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 the coolness of our eyes is the dua. So, without further ado, please join me in welcoming Sheikh Ibrahim Hindi. Fadl Sheikhna. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Yes, you're correct. Uh, Hindi is my name, but uh, I am Egyptian. So, lots of nationalities, alhamdulillah, all mixed in. You know, when we think about, um, you know, finishing Ramadan strong and, and having ibadah in this time, we talk about, you know, um, qiyam and tahajjud and reciting Quran. And these things are very, very important. But I remember Sheikh Salman al Aouda used to always uh, remind people that, you know, your interactions with other people is also a form of ibadah during this month. And so your dutifulness to your parents, how we treat our neighbors, these are all you know, parts of our ibadah, parts of our worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we should be focusing on it in this time. And so in the short time that I have, I wanna speak about how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was a neighbor, how he was a neighbor in Mecca and in Medina. In Mecca, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he was tested with very difficult neighbors, people like Uqbah ibn Abi Mu'ayyit or Abu Lahab, people who were enemies of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And they used to leave harmful objects, filth outside of the door of the house of the Prophet in the path that he would walk out of his house. And the Prophet would not retaliate, he would not throw things outside of their homes. All that he would do is that he would remove it from the path and he would say, 
Yeah, Bani Abd Manaf, Jiwar in Hada. Oh, Bani Abd Manaf, what kind of neighborly conduct is this? This was the Prophet dealing with bad neighbors. He didn't retaliate. And in fact, those bad neighbors used to trust the Prophet with their, with their belongings. They would ask the Prophet to hold on to it. And when the Prophet left Mecca to go to Medina in the middle of the night while there was a bounty on his head, he left behind his cousin Ali radiallahu anhu to do what? Part of the reason was to give back the belongings of his neighbors that entrusted him even though they treated him badly. And in Medina, the Prophet ﷺ was blessed with good neighbors. That the girls who used to live, like the children that used to live around the Prophet ﷺ used to sing songs. Like one of the, one of the ones that are narrated, they used to say, They used to say, we are the girls of Banu Najjar. How excellent is Muhammad ﷺ as a neighbor? And the Prophet وسلم, used to hear them say this, and he would say, That God knows that you are dear to me. This is the way of the Prophet. And there's so many stories of his interactions with his neighbors. There was a neighbor of his, a Jewish neighbor, that had a son that was sick. And the Prophet وسلم, went to visit, and he found the son on the deathbed. So the Prophet وسلم, said to the son to accept Islam, and he began to call him to Islam. And the father, even though the father didn't accept Islam, he's a neighbor of the Prophet and he sees the Prophet probably every day and he sees his interactions and he sees his etiquettes and he sees his son on his deathbed. And every parent wants for their child better than what they themselves have. So what did he say to his so child on the deathbed? He told him, Qasim, Obey Abu Qasim, meaning obey the Prophet وسلم, And the young son accepted Islam and died in the state. And the Prophet had another neighbor that was a Jewish neighbor that he used to financially support وسلم, Even until when he died وسلم, they continued to support that family out of the waqf, out of the endowment of our Prophet وسلم, Because this is the way that he was treating his neighbors and taking care of them. And when the companions came to the Prophet once and they mentioned to him the state of a woman. They said she prays a lot and she fasts a lot and she gives a lot of charity. But she harms her neighbors. The Prophet said she's in the hellfire. And when they mentioned to her the state, the, mentioned to him وسلم, the state of a woman that she doesn't pray that much, you know, she's not doing tahajjud too much, and she's not fasting too much, and she's not giving sadaqah too much. They said, but she's good to her neighbors. The Prophet وسلم, said she's in Jannah. And so in this, these days that we're in, we need to take care of our neighbors. And the Prophet ﷺ told the companions, if you're cooking a broth, add more water and give it to your neighbors. And in this month of Ramadan, we're cooking so much, subhanAllah. Are we thinking about our neighbors? Are we sending them food? Are we finding out what their state is like? If they're sick, that we can visit them or try to take care of them or do things that would support them. This is really important. Whether you have good neighbors or neighbors that are not very good, the Prophet ﷺ was still an excellent neighbor. And this is something we need to develop in this month of Ramadan, especially, but also outside of this month of Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be good neighbors. May Allah azawajal allow us to benefit from these days and these nights of Ramadan. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Thank you so much, uh, Shaykhna Ibrahim. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. And, uh, and, uh, and really, again, another powerful message. Uh, we continue to benefit from you. I know we've taken you from your family on a Sunday noon. So barakallah fikum. Uh, thank you for taking time. Inshallah, we'll be back in touch with you. Uh, uh, and again, if we don't speak to you before the end of Ramadan, may Allah accept from you and all of us, inshallah. Barakallah fikum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. All right, so I have good news, mashallah, to announce that uh, you are welcoming Sheikh Omar back to his uh, uh, to, to lead our last segment, mashallah, which will be highlighted with a closing dua by him. 
as the uh, uh, as you know, Sheikh Omar serves as the president and uh, and founder and CEO of Yaqeen Institute. So the good news is that we have reached 918 donors. Allahu Akbar! And so, mashallah, we are we we see him smiling. That's all we wanted. We just wanted him to smile. Mm-hmm. And mashallah, I wish I could have handed off with a thousand, but we're we're inshallah we're we're at 918. And I think, inshallah, we will try to get to 12.50 before the segment is done. We'll keep motivating offline. Turn it back over to Sheikh Omar Suleiman. Jazakallah khair, Altaf Bhai. How are you in the same place as me, but somehow we're not in the same place? In our hearts, we are together. Allahu Akbar. But somehow that plant takes out your shoulder. <laughs> I have a real real plant here. So. Uh, I should have reached for the plant myself. Zakallah <laughs> khair for doing an incredible job as always in hosting, mashallah, and in making our guests very, very uncomfortable. But at the same time, alhamdulillah, allowing them to give us the best of advice. And um, subhanallah, it is very humbling that we are at this number. And it's basically trending like last year. Last year, we had 1,100. And inshallah ta'ala, I think, bi'idnillah, we'll be able to cross the 1,100 mark. So please do keep on sharing the link inshallah ta'ala let's see if we can get to 1200 maybe 1300 maybe inshallah ta'ala and see how many people ta'ala, want to continue to invest in this work so speaking of making guests uncomfortable uh dr uthman omerji are you there assalamualaikum so you talked about breaking my ankles in a game of horse um my ankles feel fine alhamdulillah but uh, for those of you that missed out, we had Juz 21, alhamdulillah, last night. Dr. Uthman was with us. And uh, Dr. Uthman, of course, alhamdulillah, is someone that does a ton of work at Yaqeen on research, evaluation, collecting data, helping guide our research to make sure that we're actually achieving our goal, actually achieving our output. So I'm not going to make you uncomfortable, Dr. Uthman. Just really happy to have you here, alhamdulillah. So, bismillah, take it away. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه من ولا سبحان الله من thinking about the lifestyle of the Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم and this entire beautiful program is about there have been so many relationships that our esteemed scholars have mentioned today we've spoken a lot about relationships with our parents our spouses our children our neighbors and our relatives but there's actually one relationship I want to speak about today that is not with any living being is is because this is a relationship that I've personally found to be something very difficult to get comfortable with and to inculcate a healthy relationship with. Uh, it is a relationship that has major ramifications um, on our well-being in this life and the next, and that is our relationship with money and with wealth. And we all know wealth is a part of our lives. It's fundamental to our lifestyle. It's It's really related to our attitude in terms of how we live. And therefore, to focus my few minutes today on how the Prophet Muhammad taught us to have a healthy relationship with money and possessions. And it is so important because money affects our mood, our thoughts, our behavior all the time. I'm sure we've all seen that person that when they have a dollar to spend on anything, like that dollar just kills them. It's like this anguish and pain in their heart that they're giving up something which they love so dearly. Whereas you see other people who can give in abundance with a smile and with a sense of satisfaction. And I remember that hadith of the Prophet Muhammad where he told us the seriousness of, of money when he said, truly for every nation there will be a trial. And the trial for my nation is wealth. And so the Prophet Muhammad he understood our human nature. He understood how the pursuit of wealth 
could either be a means of opening the gates of paradise for us or something which could consume us and make us wretched, miserable people. And so he warned us to stop worrying and Islam in its totality and the ayat and the hadith want us to get us to stop worrying about the acquisition of wealth and start worrying about how we spend it. And there's a beautiful hadith of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu he said, whoever is focused only on this world. In other words, if you're just obsessed with thinking about the dunya, Allah will confound that person's affairs and make him fear, fear poverty all the time. And that person will still not get other than that which has been decreed for them. However, whoever focuses on the hereafter, Allah will settle their affairs and make him comfortable and content and his risk will undoubtedly come to him. My dearest brothers and sisters, our risk is written for us. Our sustenance, it's written for us. What we have control over is how we think about it and what we do with it. And the Quran tells us one ayah that is beautiful. It says, "Ash-shaytanu ya'idukum al-faqra wa ya'murukum bil-fahsha." Wallahu ya'idukum maghfiratan minhu wa fadla. Wallahu wasi'un alim. Allah says that Shaytan he promises you poverty, and thus he commands you to immorality. Whereas Allah promises to give you forgiveness from Him and to give from His abundance. And Allah is vast, and Allah is vast in His knowledge and is vast in what He could give. The Qur'an frames for us, my dear brothers and sisters, two ways of seeing the world and seeing money. Either we have a scarcity mindset, which is, a, is, which is what shaitan is trying to put into our minds, that says worry about every dollar, worry about every dinar, worry about every penny, because there's not much to go around. And then he pushes us to do things with, you know, to, to do immoral things to get more of it. Whereas the abundance mindset is the prophetic mindset. That Allah is vast in what He has and He's vast in what He gives, and we should be vast in how we deal with that and how we give to others. And so the Prophet Muhammad he would reframe this with the companions day and night. I'm actually shocked when I researched this how many hadith the Prophet is, is changing how the companions and his own family would think about money. He went to Abu Dhar one time, and he said, Abu Dhar, do you say an abundance of wealth is a possessions is wealth? He said, Yes. He said, Do you say that a lack of possessions is poverty? He said, Yes. He had told Abu Dhar three times this question, and then he said to him, he said, wealth is in the heart and poverty is in the heart. Whoever is wealthy in his heart will not be harmed no matter what happens in the world. And whoever is impoverished in his heart will not be satisfied no matter what he has in the world. Verily, he will only be harmed by the greed of his own soul. My dearest brothers and sisters, the Prophet was trying to shape our attitude towards money. And here is the truth. This is like the, you know, the thesis of my talk. The Prophet wanted us to understand is we have more control in how we spend our wealth than in how we acquire our wealth. What we acquire has been decreed by Allah. The trial of wealth is not in how much we gather. Allah will not ask us if we were rich or poor. What He'll ask us is what we did and the trial of wealth is in how much we give, no matter if that's vast or if it's small. And this is why the Prophet Muhammad with his own family, when Aisha came home one day, uh, and, and he heard that she had slaughtered a sheep. He asked her, what is left of it? She said, nothing but the shoulder. He said, all of it is left except the shoulder. What you eat and what we drink and what we buy and what we use for ourselves, it's going to go away. What we give, that's what remains. And this is why I want to close with this idea, my dear brothers and sisters. We all have to invest in our dunya. It's part of it. We have 401ks, we have IRAs, we have savings accounts, checking accounts, mutual funds. Do we have an akhirah portfolio? Do we have an investment portfolio that is going to benefit us in this life in terms of the good we'll see with what we give to our institutions and our masajid and our educational institutes? 
And do we have the same rigor and vigor by which we obsess over? I've got to make sure I diversify and give. I got to make sure I invest early because, you know, when we invest in our akhirah in today, the dollar we give today is worth more than the dollar you're going to give 10 years from now because it's going to accrue this perpetual growth with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'll close with just two things. One is, is, a, is there are two hadith where the Prophet Muhammad he said, the generous one is near to Allah, near to paradise, near to the people and far from the hellfire. And the stingy one is far from Allah, far from paradise and near to the hellfire. And here's an amazing statement. He said, an ignorant, generous person meaning someone who doesn't have an abundance of knowledge, but who is generous, is more beloved to Allah than a stingy scholar. And the last thing on the Prophet Muhammad's mind when he was on his deathbed, the last thing on his mind was the Akhirah portfolio. He remembered on his deathbed that he had about seven or nine gold coins. And he said, and he told Aisha, what have you done with this gold, Aisha? And, and, and Aisha said that it's still with me. He said, give it away. And Aisha was busy and busy and busy. He said, what have you done with that wealth? She said, I, I still have it. He took it in his hands and said, what is Muhammad thinking if he were to meet Allah while holding on to these? The prophetic mindset, my dear brothers and sisters, is to give and to give and to give for our akhirah. And Allah will take care of our dunya. I ask Allah to give, make, make us amongst those with an abundance mindset who gives for his sake day and night, especially during these blessed days. Jazakallah khair, Dr. Uthman. Really appreciate that. And I'll spare you any further jokes, but what I will ask you is this. What has stood out to you about Yaqeen since you've been a part of it? SubhanAllah, it's in a minute to answer that, I could not. But really, if I have to distill it, it's the really it's the vastness. And when I think about that verse, Allah is, is vast in what He gives to the Ummah and the opportunities He provides. That how much, when I, when I joined Yaqeen, and I, I thought of it as a research institute, and to realize that Yaqeen is in every, no matter who you are, um, you can benefit through the infographics, right? Through the through the videos. You know, there's there's imams who call me. They'll say they'll say, Hey, Othman, do you have a good? Do you have something on X? And I say, Yeah, we've got these great papers. They're like, Sometimes we don't have time for that. Can you send us something quicker? And so I'll send the infographic. I'll send the video. They'll say, I need a halaqa. I have a youth group. I'll send the conviction circle, the high school curriculum unit. And really, to me, it's just how much diversity that Yaqeen has to offer this Ummah. And I'm just grateful to have, to put a drop into that ocean of goodness that we're doing. Jazakallah khairan. Just cause I have to do it. A pickup game of two on two. Are you picking Dr. Omar Hussain or me? Ooh, can I pick Sheikh Abdullah Duro? Oh. <laughs> you know what? Just cause I love Sheikh Abdullah, I'll let you get away with that. Jazakallah khairan, right. <laughs> Dr. Rahman. Really appreciate it. May Allah bless you. So for everybody, alhamdulillah, Rabbil Ameen, we are now at
Barakalafikum Shaykh. I cannot hear you. I apologize. I think the audio got cut off, but I see you introducing me with your hands and your beautiful smile. Jazakumullah khairan. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. Barakalafikum Shaykh. Can you hear me now? Yes. Barakalafikum Shaykh. Okay. Alhamdulillah Rabbi Amin. So once again, I was uh, saying, I don't know where I got cut off at, but that we finished Juz 21 last night. Juz 22, inshallah ta'ala, will be with none other than you, Sheikh Suleiman. And I was mentioning to you that alhamdulillah, on top of the distinction of having a master's from Jamal Urduniya and a master's from Harvard, Dr. Brown chose your paper. I don't know if you, you heard that, but Dr. Brown said your paper is his favorite paper at Yaqeen. So congratulations on that distinction. That's very humbling, alhamdulillah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you. Barakallahu feekum. I want to begin by asking a question here, which is what is the most beloved type of worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We know from the authentic hadith that the most beloved deeds to Allah are those that are most consistent, even if they are few in quantity. The Prophet ﷺ one time told Abdullah bin Amr ibn As radiyallahu anhuma, Ya Abdullah, la takun mitla fulanin kana yaqumul layl fataraka qiyam al-layl. Don't be like so-and-so. He used to pray at night, but then he stopped the night prayer. We are now in the last 10 nights of Ramadan, alhamdulillah, and there will be a lot of people taking, mashallah, really good habits after Ramadan and fulfilling this consistency that we look for in terms of how to develop our habits as the Prophet ﷺ did. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from all of us. The second thing for us to keep in mind is that the Prophet ﷺ advised us to start Qiyamul Layl. And this is one advice that we can take and implement in many different ways with two light rak'ahs. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she reported that when the Prophet ﷺ used to stand for salah at night, he would start his salah with two light rak'ahs biraka'atayn khafifatayn and also he taught us to do the same إذا قام أحدكم من الليل فليفتتح الصلاة biraka'atayn khafifatayn start with two light rak'ahs why? psychologically when you take the first steps and they are easy you are much more likely to continue when the first steps are manageable you are likely to go on after that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep us consistent when you burn out, when it's difficult, you'll find yourself struggling and then the consistency that we look for in terms of the habit that we want to develop starts to disappear. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us consistent. Allahumma ameen. Another advice in terms of developing habits from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is that he would advise us and the companions to have balance in all things. Balance in your health, your, your family has a right over you, your uh, acts of worship have a right over you, your body has a right over you. So balance in all things in terms of your approach to habit development. Number four, know why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you praying? Why are you fasting? The Prophet ﷺ used to teach the companions and by extension teach the entire ummah about the benefits of different acts of worship, the rewards. How often do we hear in the month of Ramadan that the rewards are only known to Allah, meaning what they are multiplied in a way in which you have no idea how much reward you have with Allah for every day that you fast, for every sajda, every prostration, every prayer, every sadaqah that you give, every smile, every charity, all of these things that you're doing, you have no idea the reward that is in store with you, uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for you. When we talk about the motivation aspect here, we can say that the, the discussions on Jannah, the discussions on the hereafter, the discussions on blessings uh, in this life and in the next life are motivations for us. So know why you're doing what you're doing. Why are you praying? Why are you increasing in your qiyam? Why are you giving more sadaqah? So learn about the virtues of different acts of worship, and this will help you, inshallah ta'ala, to develop your habits and to maintain them long term. Number five, 
develop your habits as though every opportunity is your last. We take this from the advice of the Prophet He gave this advice to a man who came and he asked, and the Prophet said, when you stand to pray, pray the prayer of the one bidding farewell. Pray as if you are saying goodbye to this world. Pray as if you are bidding farewell to a dunya. If you believe the next salah, wherever you are around the world right now, if you believe your next prayer is your last prayer in this world, wouldn't you pray the best of prayers? Wouldn't you give it a lot of quality and time and attention? And so if you take this one advice and you apply it to all areas of life, for example, he said, وسلم, don't say anything, meaning today, for which you must apologize later, for which you must uh, apologize and regret tomorrow. So when you're developing your habits, the opportunity to pray, take it as though it is your last time. Because everyone who died before us, all of our brothers and sisters, they had a final prayer. Everyone who, who gave charity before you and they passed away, they gave their final charity, their final sadaqah, their final investment. Everyone who read Quran before you and they passed away, they had their final opportunity to recite Quran. So don't rush away from that opportunity. Embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace it. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to place barakah in everything that we do. Allahumma ameen. And to accept from us and to make the best of our deeds, the last of our deeds. Allahumma ameen. And finally, the last advice here, just to stick to the time, inshallah ta'ala. The Prophet would contemplate. And when you're doing any act of worship, especially in these remaining 10 nights, focus, focus, focus on why you're doing what you're doing in terms of the moment. Contemplate. For example, the Quran is to be contemplated. This is what brings about change internally and externally. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us that. Here's an example. The Prophet on one occasion, it was mentioned that he was reciting a verse in Qiyamul Layl and he kept repeating it. This means what? He was focusing on it and he was moved by it. So he continued to repeat this ayah over and over and over and over and over again. What is the ayah? If you punish them, they all belong to you after all. Oh Allah, they belong to you. They are your servants. But if you forgive them, then surely you are Al-Aziz, the Almighty, meaning you have authority and power and control to do as you will. And you are Al-Hakim, the All-Wise, so you would never do something that is not wise. Everything that Allah does for us in this life and in the next life is based on His Hikmah, His Wisdom, Al-Hakim. Everything that happens in your life is based on that wisdom. We ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala to make us people of contemplation. When you recite, focus. When you make dua, focus. When you're trying to pray, focus and make sure that you believe this is my final opportunity. This perhaps is our final opportunity to give sadaqah, to pray qiyamul layl, to be amongst those who are excelling. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us, forgive us for shortcomings, and grant us an accepted Ramadan. Allahumma ballighna laylatul qadr, waj'alna fiha min al-maqbulin. Allahumma ameen, barakallahu feekum, wa salli lahum ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Jazakallahu khairan, Sheikh Suleiman. And for everyone, inshallah ta'ala, again, Juz 22 is actually with Sheikh Suleiman. So be sure to tune in tomorrow, bidnillahi ta'ala, for that. Sheikh Suleiman, while I have you, since uh, your paper was chosen as the favorite paper of Dr. Brown, uh, what's your favorite paper on Yaqeen site? Oh, that's a difficult question. Barakallahu feekum. I, I, would, uh, I would choose Dr. Brown's papers as well. Um, <laughs> almost everything that I've read, and I, I think I've read more than 75% of the Yaqeen papers. Um, I used to have this goal of always reading everything that was produced, but mashallah, from the barakallah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are so many papers out there. I absolutely love the uh, Proofs of Prophethood series by Sheikh Muhammad al-Shinawi, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward him. And I, I look forward to the many uh, upcoming productions and, and benefits from that series, inshallah. And if there's one thing that stands out about Yaqeen to you, what would it be? 
the application to all audiences, the benefit to uh, multifaceted audiences. I've seen people, alhamdulillah, uh, colleagues and classmates discussing things after classes and with professors uh, at Harvard and even before that in Jordan, uh, utilizing some of the references from Yaqeen Institute, uh, as well as uh, the average high school students uh, benefiting from the uh, circles and the, the, the uh, alhamdulillah, the, the, especially the infographics, the quick videos sometimes are beneficial for some audiences. So the application and, and the benefit to all audiences worldwide, alhamdulillah. Allahumma lak alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Suleiman, for being with us. Always a pleasure. Barakallah fiqh. Jazakallah khair. So for the benefit of the audience, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen, we are now at, I believe, 983, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. So we're close to our original goal of 1,000, but we want to surpass last year's goal, inshallah ta'ala. So the goal moved to 1,100, not because we're just going to keep on shifting, right? like one of those... Uh, crowdfunding campaigns. No, we're at 1100 inshallah ta'ala is our goal because that is what we got last year and bi'ithnillahi ta'ala we're confident that inshallah all of you uh, will continue to spread the word and then these last 40 minutes or so bi'ithnillahi ta'ala uh, we will cross last year's goal of 1100 bi'ithnillahi ta'ala and then every year inshallah ta'ala cross the next goal and the next goal and the next goal. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all for continuing to give. Up next we have none other than our editor-in-chief Dr. Uwaymir Anjam. Dr. Uwaymir how are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm very good. Jazakum Dr. Awaymer, I'm a little hurt because I sent you a picture yesterday with one of your childhood friends and you didn't respond to it. Yes, I saw it at four in the morning. <laughs> okay, but, but I, I forgive did, you. But I did have good thoughts about it. I thought I will talk to you about it. Alhamdulillah, it's always a pleasure to have you. Alhamdulillah, and to remind everyone, not just to check out the reflections of Dr. Awaymer in just 20, but to check out his papers at Yaqeen, the latest of which was The Art of Worship, which is a profound, it's not a long read, it's a profound read though, especially as we're going into the last 10 nights. And bi'ithnillahi ta'ala, I will hand it off now to Dr. Uwey Murtafadl al-Sheikh. Jazakumullah khairan. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah. Sheikh Suleiman's talk and then, uh, and before that, Dr. Usman Amarji, these are difficult acts to follow. Um, but this is a season of love. This is Ramadan and the night, nights of Ramadan, and this is time of worship. And when you are in the mood for love, uh, you like even th things that, even even that if they're not perfect, if you look at them with, with the eye of love, as an Arabic poet says. So look at uh, the uh, this time that we have uh, in tonight um, and, and these nights, with uh, with the eye of love. Look at those moments and those uh, hours as this is when you're going to spend this time with your beloved Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, reenacting uh, the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, saying salawat and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which is a song of love because you're praying that Allah blesses Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and Allah has already blessed Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam more than anyone else. So by singing this song as if you're participating in a dua that has been uh, completed and already fulfilled, um, I want to draw our attention today to the quality of worship of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allah says in the Quran, the very beginning of the Quran, the beginning when Allah is doing the tarbiyah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Oh, who's wrapped up in a cloak 
and as if, as if the image is when you get up in, at night, you're a little bit cold. And next time you're cold at night, and that keeps you from going and praying and making wudu, remember this beautiful address of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that قُمِ اللَّيْلَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا Stand the night uh, or a little bit of it uh, or, or, or a little bit less than all of it or half of it or a little bit more as Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala specifies this time. And later, the last ayah of this surah where Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala in fact witnesses what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Sahaba used to do that they would in fact that you are in fact praying two-thirds of the night that if you calculate about five hours a little more than five hours um, at two-thirds of the night or um, uh, the minimum would be two hours so Allah Rasulullah would stand um, all night praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala two to five hours imagine that when um he would say um when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we're going to give you a heavy responsibility um and the night time is the best time to let that those words pierce into your heart. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is preparing his, his, his beloved Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then Allah says, You have long uh, hours of work, of da'wah and jihad and all of uh, the struggle that you do at, in the daytime. But then at night you pray two to five hours. That's... That is Rasulullah and not only him, but people who were following him, uh, his Sahaba did that. So remember that. And and when Umm uh, al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha saw that, she uh, would exclaim, uh, Oh Rasulullah, you are praying uh, so much that your feet would swell when Allah has already forgiven all your sins. And he would say, Afala akuna abdan shakura. Should I not be a thankful servant? So Rasulullah prayed because he was a thankful servant for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him. So his worship was the highest kind of worship because he was worshiping because he knew Allah and he loved Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And um, at the very last moment of Rasulullah's life, when he's given a choice between this life and the last, the, the next life, he says a beautiful, uh, a beautiful word, uh, a phrase. You know, he's sick and he's in the lap of our, our mother, the believers, Aisha radiallahu anha. Uh, his head is resting. And he says, No, now the highest companion. I choose the company of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the, the beloved whom I have been worshipping and serving and for whom I have changed this world and have taught uh, this world. Now I want none but Allah, the company of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is the spirit of love uh, that we ought to have in uh, these blessed nights. And remember that we are trying to emulate the Prophet sallallahu in everything. And that he did and the best thing that he did and the best thing that he taught was 
the act of worship and he would be kinda in these nights he would be more generous than a gentle breeze that uh, that uh, uh, gives and blesses generously everything that comes in its path. So um, begin your worship or adorn your worship by being generous. Jazakallahu khairan, Dr. Awaymer. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. A question for you, Dr. Awaymer, as you have, alhamdulillah, come on board yaqeen. We've been asking what are favorite papers. You probably have read more papers than anyone, at least in the last uh, year and a half. Is there a favorite paper that sticks out to you? Oh, that's a tough one. And um, there, there are many good papers that I have read, and I can't really, I'm sorry, I can't point out one. Um, I do assign a few papers even in my classes. I remember assigning um, our sister Tasneem Al-Kik's paper um, on non-Muslims, and I really liked that paper. And she just got her, finished her PhD um, from okay. Georgetown. So a uh, shout out to her. May Allah bless her. I mean, I mean, Jazakallah khair. Dr. Wehmer, thank you for always being a part of these programs. Jazakallah khair for the inspiring and thought-provoking contributions that you always put forward. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and accept it from you. I mean, Jazakallah khair. Barakallahu fikum. So now, alhamdulillah, we have officially crossed a thousand. MashaAllah, we are at 1029, at 1029 donors, tabarakallah. So we will sail way past 1100, inshallah. Let's see, may Allah reward you all. Please keep on encouraging people. This is part of everyone's effort. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from each and every single one of you. Our next guest is truly an inspirational person, alhamdulillah, Dr. Jihad Safir. Uh, he made his debut on Quran 30 for 30 a few days ago, alhamdulillah, and um, I've known him and I've known his work for a long time. And I think anyone that studies the impact that certain organizations and efforts have in the Muslim community, uh, you would be hard pressed to find something like Islah LA, and that is directly traced to the efforts of Dr. Jihad. He puts his heart and soul into da'wah, into khidmah, into calling people to Allah, into serving people for Allah. And I don't know how he found time to also finish a PhD, but we're very happy for Alhamdulillah for what he has accomplished. And we pray that he will be a regular uh, with Yaqeen's programs, inshallah ta'ala, writing, speaking. And we pray that all of you, inshallah ta'ala, will uh, look into the work that he's doing in the night time. Dr. Jihad, how you doing? Alhamdulillah, everything's going good. Just uh, trying to finish these last 10 nights off strong. And uh, just a pleasure being before you all today. Jazakumullah khair. Dr. Jihad, before you start, can you give me the most inspiring shahada that you've ever had? Because I know that you've had many of them. Wow. Okay. It has to come, you know, when I, I, I spent maybe a, a few years as a chaplain within the prison. So, uh, you know, I recall, I never forget, you know, just the shahada of a, you know, I, I was in a woman's prison, very sincere. And, you know, just the tears that were flowing from her as she received her shahada. Uh, I'll never forget that. And there's countless, usually in, in the prison, I mean, they were the most impactful uh, shahadas in my heart. I, I would leave work on those particular days just grateful to be Muslim. 
Barakallahu feek, Shaykh. So, Bismillah, I think the topic fits you perfectly. How do we connect with people like the Prophet Sallallahu connected with people? Alhamdulillah. A'udhu billahi minash shaytan rajim Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. So when we think about this connection, you know, uh, building a connection, you know, I want to make sure that we're clear on my conceptualization of, of connection. Now, and there's a few things that I think about when I think about connection. So first of all, those around the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they felt like they were cared for. That's number one. Number two, they felt a sense of belonging, a sense of belonging. And also they felt as if they were integral members of the community. This is so important. This is essential. Feeling like I'm a, a huge part or an integral member of the community. Now, how did the Prophet وسلم, achieve this level of connection? Um, I don't have time to really do justice to this topic. You know, we only have a few minutes, but I'm going to mention just a few things. Number one, number one, don't forget this. Anyone who is a part of a community, do not forget this. We, we want to build connection like he did, like he وسلم, did. First of all, he gave the people full his full and undivided attention. He gave the people his full and undivided attention. There's one famous hadith that all of us perhaps are familiar with. Be in this world as a stranger or a traveler on the, on the path. Now this hadith, we've heard this before. There's a portion of this hadith that's uh, pretty much overlooked many times. First of all, this hadith is narr narrated through Ibn Umar, right? This involves Ibn Umar. Aisha radiallahu anha, she mentioned about Ibn Umar that no one followed the footsteps of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam more closely than did Ibn Umar. Now there's a portion that's overlooked. Ibn Umar, he mentions, that the Prophet before saying this famous hadith, he grabbed the shoulder of Ibn Umar. We miss that portion, right? When we think about touch, touch lets a person know that they have your full and undivided attention. And this is also, it correlates with uh, with Abu Huraira, who mentioned that the Prophet Sallallahu when he would face somebody, when he would face them, he would turn his entire body towards them. You want to build connection like the Prophet Sallallahu did? Show them your full and undivided attention. Number two, which is important, the Prophet Sallallahu he did not turn someone's moment into a monument. He did not turn someone's moment into a monument. This is essential. You see, I'm an imam in the inner city. And I know people, they commit mistakes. And they come to me and say, Imam Jihad, I did this. I can't turn their moment of a mistake into a monument, something that they cannot recover from. The Prophet ﷺ, he did not turn people's moment into a monument. In the inner city, a lot of times people, they commit sins due to deprivation due to being ignored. So I can't turn their moment into a monument. I have to follow the sunnah of the Prophet An individual came to the Prophet and he said, Halaktu. He said, I have destroyed myself. I have ruined myself. And the Prophet he's wondering what happened. And he says, I had sexual relations with my wife, with my wife during Ramadan while I'm fasting. And the Prophet he was solution based. 
he began offering solutions. Can you free a slave? The man said, no. He moved on. He said, well, can you fast two consecutive months? The individual, he said, no. The Prophet ﷺ, he moved on. He said, well, can you feed uh, 60 poor people? And the individual said, no. And all of a sudden, there was a delivery of dates, a basket of dates. The Prophet ﷺ offered him these dates, go feed people. And the individual, he said, there's no one more poor than my, me and my family. There's no individuals more poor, more in need than me and my family. The Prophet ﷺ, he laughed. This is the portion of this hadith that we pay attention to. He didn't turn his moment into a monument. He laughed, showing his teeth. And this is important for us. Individuals came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, we're having these thoughts. We don't want anyone knowing about these thoughts. And the Prophet ﷺ, his response was, this is clear faith. He did not turn their moment into a monument. And number three, we're going to wrap this up, is that he made people feel useful and effective. Making people feel useful and effective is essential. Are we giving people positions in the community? Do people feel useful in the community? We look at uh, Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum. He was given the position of the muaddin, right? He was blind, had a disability, but he was given a position. Usama bin Zaid, commander of the Muslim army, Bilal bin Rabah and others. They, the Prophet Sallallahu the concept of shura, making sure he consults with his community, them feeling useful. So don't forget about this, building connection like the Prophet Sallallahu built with people. If you wanna build connection, that you have to give people your full and undivided attention. People should not be feeling ignored in our communities, right? And also that you don't turn someone's moment into a monument, that we all make mistakes. We need people who are going to empower us and be solution-based and offer us solutions in which we can recover from that mistake. And then also we have to make people feel useful and effective useful and effective? Are we giving positions? How are our women feeling in the community? How are our youth feeling in the community? Are they feeling useful and effective? Is the community, are we, is our boards, are our boards diverse? Is there a group in the community feeling like they are disenfranchised, feeling isolated? We have to make sure we're not ignoring them. Build connection like he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, built. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who build connection with people. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. I could listen to you all night, Sheikh, uh, speaking, MashaAllah. If we weren't live, I'd have to ask, like, what did you break your fast with? Because all that energy, MashaAllah, that you're bringing, but that's just the energy of Iman, right? It's just the energy of faith, <laughs> alhamdulillah. Sheikh, I have a question for you. Uh -huh. How has Yaqeen benefited you or benefited those that you know? What would you say about the resources of Yaqeen and how you've personally found them beneficial? Well, you know, what I find out is like as an imam, you want you want to make decisions that are informed. Okay. Yaqeen, I mean, they're coming with their articles are backed by research. You know, they're coming, you know, one of my favorite individuals who, uh, you know, I read all of his articles is Dr. Uthman Umarji. He, he spoke 
earlier. You know, I mean, he's coming at, with his articles. He's presenting data and we should be, you know, in our positions. Of course, you know, we make decisions based off Quran and Sunnah. But also we should look at the latest studies and the data surrounding those uh, decisions in our modern context. So Alhamdulillah, I, I love Yaqeen and what they've been offering to the community. Makes me more informed as an Imam. Alhamdulillah, and inshallah ta'ala within a few months, it won't be there, it'll be us. Because we're really looking forward to having you participate, Sheikh, and being more involved, Alhamdulillah. Uh, we truly appreciate you and appreciate the work that you do. And we appreciate your father too, because I know that he has alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, been a great role model and been someone that has done incredible work himself, alhamdulillah. So we have to appreciate our elders. May Allah bless you and bless your family. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow you to be amongst those that catch Laylatul Qadr. Allahumma ameen. Ameen, ameen, ameen. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair, Shaykh. Wa yakum. Alhamdulillah. So alhamdulillah, Rabbi Ameen, the last count we are at, Right at, what is it, 10.30, 10.55? We're getting there, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. So, alhamdulillah, we're at 10.56. Alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. Inshallah ta'ala, because Dr. Altaf was not satisfied with where we were thus far, Dr. Altaf wants to come back and make sure that we get across 1100, alhamdulillah. But on a serious note, Dr. Altaf has been here the whole time. And true to his form, uh, coaching, helping everyone out behind the scenes, even throughout this entire webathon, and I want to actually bring him back on, inshallah ta'ala, to give us a message to the theme, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, about how we can finish strong the way that the Prophet did. And actually, while you were speaking, another update came through, mashallah. So we have uh, 1077. So alhamdulillah, we're just about less than uh, well, 40 shy of uh, breaking the 1100 goal that you set for us. And inshallah, we'll get there. Barakallah fikum. Brothers and sisters, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam you know, subhanAllah, we heard and learned so much about him, not only through the Meeting Muhammad series, but particularly the practical tips that we learned today from our scholars um, about how to sustain a prophetic lifestyle. Ending Ramadan strong in the last 10 nights, this is something, subhanAllah, which is a universal phenomenon. If you were watching the masajid, and when we were, you know, actually going to massages on a, the masjid on a regular uh, basis, you would see the peak at the beginning of the first 10, the Ramadan, the first 10 days, then the, the first 10 nights, then there'd be like a little bit of a drop, and then it'd be picked back up in the last 10 nights. But why is that? Where does that come from? Well, we know from the Prophet Sallallahu life that indeed, and uh, we have narrations from Ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, and of course, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, in terms of how he managed himself. Of course, we begin in Sahih Bukhari with um, uh, hadith number uh, 631, where he already told us, Sallu kama usalli, that pray as you have seen me praying. So typically we would think this is our five daily prayers, these are our, our nawafil, this is our sunnah prayers, and, and, and yet in Ramadan, it takes on a whole different meaning. Here we're talking about every prayer, especially the qiyam that we're doing, and the etiqaf, that he used to do, mashallah, literally disconnecting himself from whatever it was, whatever it was that was going on in the world, to be able to be focused on this aspect of uh, of, uh, of Ramadan. That we know, mashallah, included in his uh, salah, included in his prayer, is actually the concept of istighfar, of seeking forgiveness from, from, uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And so we have to think, and, and Dr. Tasneem had mentioned, you know, earlier in the in the uh, 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 in the broadcast that you want to be proportional in terms of what you're doing. And then other scholars also talked about trying to balance, right? So the forgiveness portion, be realistic, right? How in touch am I with myself? How am I able to really connect with who I am, what I brought into Ramadan, what am I going through during Ramadan, and what do I intend to take with me outside of Ramadan? And combine that in the Salah itself. Seek forgiveness in the Sajda, right? When you are closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But also you have, in addition to seeking forgiveness, you have just the dhikr, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It can come from the Quran, it can come from the recitation of the Quran, but actually, you know, uh, making adhkar, calling to mind the 99 names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you reflect on each of those blessings? Whether it is a raziq, and we've talked so much today in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in encouraging you to give about, about you know, that he is a raziq, that he is the one who blesses us, that this is a month of taqwa, that we're trying to bring to mind that he is ever, you know, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-wise, Right, Ar Rahman, Ar Rahim, all of these attributes and characteristics in the Adhkar and, and, and do that indeed in between the prayers, right? Sometimes we engage in chit chat and and you know, especially with the kids, there's always someone doing something, right? Where you're right after you say salams, you have to focus on correcting whatever it is you thought they were doing in the prayer, and then we don't do the adhkar. So combine the 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 imitation and the emulation of the prophetic prayer routine with these things inshallah ta'ala. Now, for the sake of time, you know, I'm going to start to, to, to focus more now for the last part of this on, uh, uh, on the giving, right? So in connection to Salah, in connection to ending Ramadan strong, we want to actually think about what are we doing to send as a down payment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of the du'as that we're going to be making in these last 10 nights. And we're hoping that you've benefited from the practical advices and even the book, the ebook that you should download about du'as. But while you're doing that, if you haven't yet signed up for the last 10 nights, the campaign, and not just to help us, you know, in a numerical way, that's a, that's a, a dunya goal that we set just to say, you know, can we get, inshallah, you know, as many people as possible to, to, to support in terms of the unique number of donors. But what you're doing is for yourself that you're actually coming to terms with the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us. And that you're coming to terms with the harm that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prevented from reaching you, no matter where you are in the world. If you are listening to this broadcast, if you're able to participate now and, and benefit, then you've, alhamdulillah, made it to this point in Ramadan. We've had, subhanAllah, people who did not make it into Ramadan, and we prayed on them. Then they entered Ramadan, and they passed away. And we prayed on them. And now we have a chance to pray for ourselves. So brothers and sisters, please continue to stay tuned. We have a great remainder of the program. We're going to have you know, uh, the honor of listening to the dua by uh, uh, Sheikh Omar Suleiman. And, and indeed, you know, we, we want you to share the link. If somebody you know, signs up in these last minutes of this uh, you know, broadcast, uh, because you shared the link, you began the good, the good deed, and you will be rewarded, inshallah, for the additional good deeds that come from that. So please continue to share and uh, and to to you know to share the link and and make dua as you do. And then lastly, but not least, mashallah, uh, brother Khalid is giving us the good news, and I'll I'll save it for uh, for uh, Sheikh Omar 
to, to give you the good news, but Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, we remain grateful to you. Every single one of you who is watching, whether you've been making dua for us today because you joined us, or you've been with us throughout since our founding until now, whenever you came to know us, we are so grateful. We are so grateful to have you with us. Every one of you who subscribes and watches, every one of you who shares the links to, to encourage others to watch, everyone who reads a paper, everyone who is joining a conviction circle, everyone who benefits from the curriculum development, all of you, every single one of you, move yaqeen forward. And we want to say to you how grateful we are for your support. We want to say to you that we want to be worthy of your continued support. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless each and every one of you. May Allah indeed uh, make you know the rest of Ramadan a blessful you know, a, a month, uh, days, nights filled with blessings for you and your family. And indeed, we will look forward, look forward to, to wishing you Eid Mubarak in just about 10 days. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless each and one of you. Let me turn it back over to Sheikh Omar Suleiman, who should be beaming, amazing smile, mashallah, because he pushes us hard. As the president and CEO, yeah. he pushes us hard and he pushes himself hard to produce uh, Ihsan in our Itqan, as he always reminds us, our processes in this organization should be filled with Ihsan. And the Prophet reminded us on the on the, on the the love that we, he had for Ihsan. So let me turn it back over to Sheikh Omar Suleiman. And, and I'm really looking forward to the dua. Please stay tuned. Barakallah fikum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Walaikum assalam rahmatullahi Before you leave, Dr. Altaf, Jazakallah khairan. I want you to be, inshallah ta'ala, on screen as we share the news that Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, we just surpassed our goal of 1100, Alhamdulillah. So we have crossed last year's goal. And bithnillahi ta'ala, we will continue to move forward. Jazakallah khairan to all of you for showing up, for spreading the khair, for sharing the link, for being a part of this. And I want to thank Dr. Altaf. I know that he he is out now, but Jazakallah khair, Dr. Altaf. Uh, for being with us for the entire webathon, alhamdulillah, and of course for so much more. And I want to remind everyone that, alhamdulillah, the way that this works, the way that yaqeen functions is that the more that comes in, the more that is produced. And alhamdulillah, I want to encourage everyone to actually go to the website, go to the annual report, read about how these teams are functioning, alhamdulillah, read about all the people behind the scenes, read about how your money is being put to work to produce these resources that so many people are benefiting from. And as we're coming to the end of this uh, webathon, and I think it's a great accomplishment that we're actually going to end on time, inshallah ta'ala. And we want to particularly keep in mind those folks on the East Coast whose breaking of the fast is going to show up in about 11, 12 minutes, inshallah ta'ala. I want to remind everyone of a few things. And I'm going to actually read just one comment that just came through, and, and we love the comments that come through. I actually want you to know that the team, when the team is working hard, to 3 a.m., 4 a.m. every night in Ramadan, they read these comments that come in through emails, they read these comments that come in through the social media outlets, and they mean a lot. And particularly, uh, Brother Brian, who says, me being a new Muslim as recently as last week, I am very grateful that I can come here and learn. SubhanAllah, may Allah bless you, Brother Brian, and all of those people that recently converted to Islam that became a part of this journey with us. We see you. We love you and we appreciate you and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from you. And I think that as we're talking about new beginnings and new endings, we have to remember that it always starts with glorifying Allah and it ends with glorifying Allah. Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. Read in the name of your Lord who creates, quickly became, sabbih isma rabbika al-a'la. 
to declare the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and glorify Him. That's the beginning. The end, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْهُ إِنَّهُ كَانَ تَوَّابًا The verse that Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu knew when the Prophet sallallahu recited was the end of his mission and was the announcement of his death. Was when the Prophet sallallahu recited this verse, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْهُ إِنَّهُ كَانَ تَوَّابًا Glorify the perfection of your Lord. Praise your Lord and seek his forgiveness. Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the acceptor of repentance. And in that, dear brothers and sisters, is a recognition of Allah's perfection and our own imperfections. And the Prophet ﷺ, who is the most perfect human being to ever walk the face of the earth, his concern as he was leaving this world. And by the way, I just tell you that these last episodes of meeting Muhammad ﷺ are very painful to think of it through the eyes of the companions. But as he was leaving this world, he's asking the Sahaba, did I do my job? Hal ballakht? Did I convey the message to you? And when they reply in the affirmative, the Prophet ﷺ looks up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he says, Allahumma inni ballakht, Allahumma fashhad, O oh Allah, I delivered the message. O oh Allah, bear witness. We all bear witness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Rasulullah indeed delivered his message to us. We all bear witness that Rasulullah indeed loved us, that he indeed carried out his mission perfectly in a way that it could relate to each and every single one of us. SubhanAllah, one of the things I love about what we do at Yaqeen is the diversity of the scholarly backgrounds, the speakers, and the experiences. You heard all of these different speakers talk about how they have interacted with the Prophet in their own unique way. And you could hear the experiences coming out with each and every single one. And that is because he is a universal Prophet for all times. And we want to build on his mission. We not only affirm that he did his job we want to do our job by being his ambassadors and carrying forth that light of the Prophet so that it can be a light for us on the day of judgment until we meet the Prophet I want to thank all of you once again inshallah ta'ala before I make this dua and remind you all that as we get into these last 10 nights please keep all of us in your dua make dua for all of the volunteers all of the staff all of the speakers all of the scholars make it a habit to please pray for all of us and pray for each other in the nahi ta'ala as we're getting into these last 10 nights so that we can all be gathered with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in al-firdaus al-a'la don't forget your brothers and sisters that are oppressed don't forget your brothers and sisters that are struggling around the world because they say la ilaha illallah muhammadan rasulullah don't forget your brothers and sisters that don't speak your language but they love the same prophet that you do and they read the same Qur'an that you do, and they adhere to the same deen as you do, and they are part of the human family as you are. Don't forget your brothers and sisters anywhere around the world. And inshallah ta'ala with that, uh, I will make dua, and I will remind you all, please share the link, share the uh, the donation link, share the webinar, share what was beneficial ta'ala, wherever you are, and inshallah ta'ala, anything that comes through in the next 10 nights, you will see as we always do with the night ta'ala, how all of that is turned into resources that continue to be of benefit to the community. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihi al-kareem wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Oh Allah, we call upon you with your perfect names and we praise you with your perfect names and we thank you for your perfect blessing of Islam and we thank you for your perfect blessing of the Qur'an and we thank you for your perfect blessing of the Prophet ﷺ, who was a walking Qur'an. Oh Allah, we bear witness to you that he delivered the message to us. Oh Allah, we bear witness to you that he caused us to love you. 
O oh Allah, we bear witness to you that we seek your pleasure through his perfect character. And O oh Allah, we bear witness to you that we seek to strive in accordance with the Qur'an and with his example sallallahu alayhi wasallam, until we can be certain that we have attained your pleasure. O oh Allah, we call upon you in these last 10 nights hoping to attain Laylatul Qadr. Ya Allah, grant us what is greater than a thousand months. Ya Allah, grant us what is greater than a thousand months. Grant us, Ya Allah, from your forgiveness and from your reward what we cannot comprehend, what we cannot imagine. Ya Allah, not because we deserve it, but because your mercy befits a reward that is greater than our comprehension. Ya Allah, join us with our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Jannah Firdaus. Ya Allah, not because we deserve it, but because our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam loved us and he taught us that you love us. And Ya Allah, though we struggle and we strive, we hope, we hope to attain his rank in the Akhirah, to be close to him in the Akhirah, even though we know that we will never be able to reach his standard in this world. Ya Allah, enable us to thank you properly, enable us to worship you properly, enable us to love our Prophet properly, enable us to follow his example properly. Ya Allah, we all have gaps in our lives when it comes to the life of our Prophet Ya Allah, fill those gaps with the Quran and with the example of the Prophet Ya Allah, those of us that are hindered by certain sins and we are all sinful, Ya Allah, allow us to overcome these sins in these last 10 nights of Ramadan. Ya Allah, we call upon you, not just asking you for your forgiveness and your mercy, but Ya Allah, we ask you to enable us to overcome any barriers between us and you. Ya Allah, those sins that have hindered us, Ya Allah, allow us to overcome them. Ya Allah, we take personal accountability, but we depend only on your mercy and your forgiveness. Ya Allah, those obligations that we have struggled to implement in our lives, Ya Allah, enable us to fulfill those obligations. And Ya Allah, allow us to continue to draw closer to you by the sunnah of the Prophet and the pristine guidance that you delivered through him and that he acted upon so that the guidance is as clear as night and day. Ya Allah, we ask you this and we ask this reward for all of our brothers and sisters around the world. We ask this for our brothers and sisters that preceded us, those that are present and those that will come after us. Ya Allah, forgive us all. Ya Allah, join us all with our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Ya Allah, accept these deeds. Ya Allah, allow us to continue beyond Ramadan until we leave this world and we meet you, Ya Allah, pleasing to you and pleased by you and join with our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Allahumma ameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Jazakumullahu khayran. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The mission of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was to impart knowledge, to speak truth and dispel falsehood, to bring hope in times of darkness, to build a confident people, to bring us together with compassion and in strength. And most of all, to instill everlasting faith in every aspect of our lives so that we can have stronger conviction, fuller hearts, and a well-defined purpose. This is what motivates us every day, to inspire a world of faithful change-makers who serve as ambassadors of the Prophet And as Yaqeen strives to build on the final prophetic mission, we invite you to join us in these final 10 nights in realizing that goal.